State your name for the record. Jen Ursa. Forgery of imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Episode 133. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, teen, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. You are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're... <laughs> and that's it for the that's Leftovers. That's it for the Leftovers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we, uh, we, are be- we are being joined by a guest this week. Uh, we have Mr. Ryan Mears, Comic Slob Ryan from the Comic yep. Slobs. Welcome. Coming straight from the uh, Slob Cave via Skype. Lava well, Slob Cave in its secret location. Yeah, exactly. Much like the uh, the Fortress of Slavitude, you know. Are there like uh, 30, 30 some uh, Chilean miners hanging out in there with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fucking yeah, Antonio Banderas in there using some Nasonex. <laughs> we, we've been uh, requesting help for, I think it's uh, day 43 now. Day 43? Yeah. You guys in- drinking each other's piss? <laughs> Shit, man. I'll set you want me to call 911 while we're podcasting here? Hey, who are you eating right now? Raul? How's he taste? I think it was uh, it was Jose who was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Um, yeah, so uh, no Jay this week. Um, no, and, and we were supposed to be with Frank. Yes. That didn't happen. Yeah, they're both taking a sabbatical. Yeah, so uh, uh, you know what? This episode we're gonna we're gonna dedicate it to our our buddy Mr. Dan Seipel. Who is letting us record in his uh, shed that he's converted into a studio? But this is the first time we're in an actual studio. Yeah, wow. Most of the time we're in a we're in a fucking kitchen. 
<laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah. You doing all right over there? I'm doing okay. Okay. A little spaced out there for a second. Why? What's going on? Uh, nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I think the music you, still got to me. Are you, are you <laughs> the, theme, the theme song? Yeah, the theme song. It really fucking I, took me out of it. I didn't know if you were over there mourning Jose's loss. Yeah, I was like, wow. That Antonio Banderas joke went over my head too. I was still trying to process that. It was that, uh, wasn't, wasn't he in that or was it, uh, what's his name? I don't even know what we're talking about. The Chilean Miners, that fucking movie. Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out these jokes. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Do I, I have to explain it? There's a movie called 33. Okay. No, that it, came it's out. It's not funny if you explain it. I've never seen this movie. Just let him go. I've never even heard of it. Did yeah. you get it, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went with it. I'm That's glad. why I was so confused. I was like, everyone knows this reference except you're me. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you're making me feel bad, though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, like, I, like, I should go over the jokes with you before we fucking pod. <laughs> yeah, man, I could have done my research and watched this movie yesterday. Yeah, uh, hey, Jake, at the fucking uh, one minute and thirty mark, I'm going to mention Chilean miners. <laughs> I want you to go to IMDb and look up the movie Thirty Three. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have been prepared. Yes. <laughs> Zorro dives in. A, he dies in a fucking cave. <laughs> now he can laugh it up, you son of a bitch. Oh man. <laughs> hey. Close the whole podcast down for Jake. Oh, Lou Diamond Phillips is in that too, right? Why not? He looks chilly. Is he? I don't know. He looks, don't ask me. I, I'm asking Ryan. <laughs> You're the only fucking person I can look at right now, Jake. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, look at the IMDb page now. No, you don't have to do that. If I'd have known in advance, I would have had this research done. God damn it, Jake. <laughs> Making me feel bad for these shitty jokes I'm telling. <laughs> they could have been good. I just have never seen this movie. <laughs> I mean, probably not, but fuck off. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I, I want to. We're going to be talking about Star Wars, uh, the Rogue One trailer this week. That's like the big, the big thing that broke this week. Yes. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. I did want to plug another podcast. They're going to have their episode out this week. They're also going to be talking about Star Wars, uh, the Rogue One trailer. I want to talk about Star Joe's here a little bit. Oh, nice. I was chatting with Ryan, uh, one of the hosts over there at Star Joe's. And uh, their episode coming out midweek is going to be titled Episode 166, Star Joe's A Suck Story. Is that really what it's called? Yeah, that's something they do. They had an episode called Pork Suck Sandwiches and shit, so that's something they do. A suck story. Yeah, suck story. I they were Star Wars No, it's fans. not about my joke, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Son of a bitch. 33, a suck story. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Banderas joke over my head. A suck story. <laughs> Chilean miners, what the fuck? A suck story. I'm going to Google this movie. But uh, they talk. They talk about the trailer, and then they also talk about. Uh, they're also going to talk talk about the art of Atari book. Have you guys heard about this? No. It's called the Art of Atari, and it's 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 been announced by Dynamite, and uh, there it's it's all the Atari artwork on the boxes. Okay, I love that shit. I do too. That's like I I had the Atari four hundred. But I'm sure it's going to – it might have Atari 400 shit in there, but probably mostly 2600 because everybody had that system. Yes. I was the one who had the 400. Did you get the badass – what was it, the 7800? No. Wasn't that like the last one? I know they had one that was like – I don't know if it was the Atari – it was the 7800? 7800 I think I was never the had final Atari. One. Well, not counting no. the Jaguar. The Jaguar. And then the Lynx handheld. Oh, the Lynx. Yeah. That shit was hot. Yeah. So, and then they talk about uh, some of the Atari games they played. So I just wanted to plug Star Joe's this week. So, you know, if you were a kid of the 70s, 80s, you remember fucking Atari. 
That's cool. I wonder, is that like a coffee table book format with all the art in it? It's got to be like big, big pages if they're yeah. going to showcase all the imagine. art. Yeah. I, I, I just saw like uh, a few pages. Hey, Ryan, how you doing over there, Chief? Uh, oh, I'm doing great. Good. Jump in whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the art for that stuff was the best part of those games because, I mean, if you remember, the, the graphics for the actual mm-hmm. games weren't uh, the most pleasing. Yeah. So looking at those covers was like the best thing because it was like, all right, how do I imagine this blob of squares to be? Oh, it's a dragon. <laughs> you like the cover for like adventure it looks so fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. And then you play the yeah. game and it's like yeah. the dragon looks like a question mark. Yeah. <laughs> the Atari 400, like the centipede cover was like amazing artwork. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It was cool. Jake. What? We are coming upon a very special date here. Uh-oh. Uh, April ninth, uh, April 29th is going to be our three-year anniversary. Oh, shit. It's hard to believe. From the first time. For, yeah, when we released our fucking first episode. Can I don't think believe? I was on the first episode. You were not. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're going to celebrate it. <laughs> Everybody that was on that episode got my references. So all my jokes were just fucking landed like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you added me to the mix. I know. <laughs> Every joke I tell, you're like, what? I didn't get it. Yeah, right. I was on that. We did like a pre-episode. Episode, yes. like a warm-up episode yeah that we all hated yeah so it never got released and then so that and then what was our second episode became our first and, yeah yeah and i was moving yeah i remember that my washer I, and dryer broke down yeah. and i was like going to fucking like true value to get fucking like shit yeah. to fix the washer and dryer and shit and we we were talking behind your back and we were like no we're doing this with or without him yeah i think i officially got fired that first episode you probably did <laughs> we fired i think we fired jake like three times yeah that's what i keep hearing every time i'm on the show you guys bring it up that's funny so i feel more successful than jake yeah well <laughs> congratulations there i'll get your merit badge <laughs> Hey, so uh, what did you guys talk about on Comic Slobs this week, Ryan? Yeah, you do a you do a podcast, Comic Slobs. What were you guys talking about? Oh man, uh, this one was all comic books. We kind of went back to that format. Um, we talked about some of our like weekly picks, like uh, Grizzly Shark, and uh, Brian always loves Green Lantern. And then uh, the big thing was uh, Grant Morrison's uh, trade came out, or the hardcover graphic novel of uh, Wonder Woman Earth One. Oh, the yeah, Yannick Paquette book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one. Nice. Um, so me and Greg both picked that up, and we kind of discussed and reviewed that whole book because we loved it so much. Nice. I'd like to check that out. You own that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Sweet. What I was that, 20 it. bucks? Uh, I want to say, man, between 20 and 30. Okay. It was just like a must-have. I didn't even care, obviously. I was like, just throw it on the pack, onto the pile. <laughs> Hardback? Yeah. Huh? Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out. <laughs> okay, moment of silence there, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> yeah, that was what we talked about on the show. I mean, if you guys want to find it, you know, comicslobs.com, um, you know, and on iTunes and Stitcher and all those classic podcast things. I stopped I, listening already. <laughs> I was in for two episodes and I'm out. That, that's it? That's all you gave it, Jake? Yeah, that's I'm, fine. I'm done. I appreciate it. I was hoping like that that awkward moment of silence would have been after Ryan said their new episode was about the the movie 33. <laughs> I was just looking that up. That came out like last year and shit. 
Just, yeah, it's, very, it's, it's last year. Like, it's pretty topical. It's still topical. People are still fucking talking about that. I thought you were talking about some shit from like a decade ago. It's topical if you bring up Lou Diamond Phillips, because what else the fuck has that guy done? <laughs> I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah. Dude, oh, dude, yeah, Jake, that game. You gotta listen so you could hear what the Chilean miners had to say about that Wonder Woman book. Oh, yeah. I do gotta hear. Do they oh, like man. that Yannick Paquette art? <laughs> yeah, Raul was all about it. Man. <laughs> Until you had to fucking eat the guy. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> have really good taste. Ooh, that was a good joke. All right, guys. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna jump. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jake gets my joke. <laughs> uh, 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 well, finally. <laughs> We're going to hang up with Ryan, and we're going to talk about <laughs> Star Wars news. I can't have you showing me up on my fucking podcast, Ryan. <laughs> he, he, I think he hung up himself. <laughs> <laughs> he banned himself. <laughs> All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Rogue One trailer, and then we're going to just jump into Star Wars, Star Wars news. So it's Star Wars news time. <laughs> supposed to be here with me listening to pop culture leftovers podcast that's not true that's impossible all right yeah big news this week and star wars news was the release of the rogue one trailer do you remember what day it came out mm, thursday thursday morning thursday yeah, so it came out Thursday morning. We got the teaser the night before. Yeah, it was like a one-second shot mm-hmm. of the Death Trooper or whatever. Yeah, the Death Trooper. Yeah, hype so. in Good Morning America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did Good Morning America, they, they, were they the ones that dropped, like, the, the big trailer then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right, so I guess what we'll do is we'll just we'll talk we'll we'll talk about the trailer, but I want us to rate it first. Uh, if this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, we do have a rating system, and we want you to be familiar uh, with that system as soon as I can fucking find the rate. Here it is. Here's the damn rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So let's see here. Let's uh, let's, let's talk about this trailer and rate it. Uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Ryan of the Comic Slobs. Yeah, uh, I would rate it. Uh, I'm gonna say high Tupperware. I'm, not, I mean, it's a trailer. I'm of course going to see the movie regardless. Um, but I liked everything I saw. Nothing really bugged me. Um, so it's it's uh, a high Tupperware uh, or a high uh, taste it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like high Tupperware. He's just making shit up now. Yeah, and then you yeah. sounded kind of down on it after you said high Tupperware. I'm like, damn. Yeah, high taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and confuse everyone that's listening right now. Call it high Tupperware and then proceed to say it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what? Anyway, how about those Chilean miners? <laughs> now that Clyde's explained everything, I'm just going to throw it out the window. I know. So you're giving it a high taste it. Yes, high all taste right. it. All right, Jake. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a high taste it. It, it didn't, like, knock my dick off. I wasn't like, oh, my God. It, w- it wasn't, like, the feeling I got when I saw the Episode 7 trailers for the first time or anything. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's because of lack of lightsabers and Jedi and a lot of the traditional Star Wars stuff. But like Ryan, I- I'm still excited for it. I'm still going to see it. Mm-hmm. So. 
I am going to give it a just the trailer. Yes. Now this does not like the trailer did not hinder my excitement for this movie, but mm. I'm just going to give it a standard taste it. Um yeah, it didn't didn't blow me away. No. Um I uh wasn't really I wasn't too impressed with the character of Jen. Um she was okay. I agreed. Um I think I might like her more as I get to watch the movie, but I think they just kind of tried to drive it home a little too much that like, oh, this isn't Ray. Yes. This I, isn't Ray. This is this is the anti-Ray. She's a very gray character in the Star Wars universe, and that's what Gareth Edwards is going to go for in this movie. And uh but and I think that's cool, mm-hmm. but I, I just wasn't blown away by Jen. I agree. I was surprised. And I know by she's it. an Oscar-nominated actress, Felicity Jones. Yeah, for uh, what Theory of Everything was that? It the yeah the um oh shit I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name the the biopic about um yeah I know uh, Stephen Hawking Stephen Hawking yes. yeah with uh, Eddie Eddie Redmayne yes so. Yeah, that morning I got a, a text message uh, from a family member, and they were asking how that character is related to Ray. Oh, so I had to do the old explain it out. Like, no, no, just completely forget that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. You bring it up. You bring it up. Let's talk about it. Um, the trailer instantly comes out. Okay, hold on, hold on. Every character that's introduced, every female character that's introduced now, is related to somebody, or is somebody, or. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's Ezra. Somebody could be Snoke. Um, Laura, Laura Dern could be Ray's mother. And, and Felicity Jones, when she was cast, was Ray's mother. And now that the trailer's out, even more people are saying she could be Ray's mother. Yeah. Can we talk about this? What are you guys' thoughts about like everybody thinking that everybody in the Star Wars universe is related? Fuck it. Forrest Whitaker is uh, apparently Finn's father now. Oh, I heard that. And, and who knows? Lando's his fucking uncle. <laughs> Oh, man, I kind of I hate people trying to force the connections. Why can't there just be a whole bunch of unrelated badasses in the galaxy? Well, ex- that's that's a good point. That's a great point, especially in a movie that's not a le- a saga film. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. The, the, Kathleen Kennedy has come out and said that the saga films are about the Skywalker story. Yeah. I, I- I think a big thing is a lot of people aren't even paying attention to that, though. They're just like, oh, it's another Star Wars movie. It'll somehow, like, fit right in there. It just makes no sense, though. I mean, obviously, we're supposed to try to pontificate about who's Ray, who Ray's mom is. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, it, we're led to believe she's someone important. Right. Not a problem there. But to just pigeonhole every female character. Mm-hmm. And what kind of dumb reveal is it if it's, oh, it's this character from Rogue One that we right. just introduced last movie? Yeah. I have a theory that Ray's mother died with the Chilean miners. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I've, ne- uh, I've never seen one that. Of the first ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I gotta watch this 33. You definitely have to. It's a, it's, 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 it's a Star Wars story. <laughs> 33. <laughs> a Chilean Star Wars story. Chilean Star Wars story. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help, though, with Lucasfilm making every female in the universe a white brunette female. Yeah, with a British accent. With a British accent. Yeah. It doesn't help. I mean, uh, yeah, British accent is going to make you believe that she could be Rey's mother, number one. But also, all the women in the Star Wars universe, Padme... Leia, mm-hmm. Ray, Jin, they're all white brunette females. True, true. 
Yeah, her mom's obviously not Ula from Return of the Jedi. Right, right. <laughs> More uncomfortable silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I'm hoping <laughs> Ryan will say I, something. <laughs> we just turned your light on. Speak. And that. Oh, I just love Skype so much, you know. So it's it's great for for these moments like you'll, that. You'll be here in person next week, though. Yeah. See, then we can just like awkwardly glare at each other. Yeah, ten to one, it won't yeah. stop the awkward silences. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that bet. <laughs> All right. Uh, another reason uh, – let's talk about this. Another reason I don't think that Jen is Ray's – and I haven't said that. I, I don't think that Jen is Ray's mother. No. I will just uh, – I don't think they're related at all. I don't think any characters in this movie will be related to anybody in any other Star Wars movie. I hope you're right. Yeah. I absolutely hope you're right. Um, I mean they they teased that we're going to get – there was the rumor there that we were going to get – uh, two characters that we have seen before in other movies. Uh, one has been confirmed. Mon right. Mothma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that Ray's mom? And we see, probably <laughs> Ray's mother. So, so they've confirmed, we know that we're getting, and then we, we heard the Imperial March. And did, did we hear breathing at the end too? I could have sworn I heard. I that. did not notice the breathing. I noises. heard like a Vader, like Vader breathing a little bit, like right before the music started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, s- I would almost assume, like, I feel like it's a pretty good bet that that'll be the the other one. Right. So those would be our two characters from the rumors that I've heard. Um, one of the reasons that I don't think that Jin is Ray's mother is because when you're working with a property like Star Wars, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, if mm-hmm. like I'm way off base, but when you're working with a property of Sky, uh, Star Wars, there's certain guidelines. I think that. That Lucasfilm now under the control of Disney would give the Skywalker family. We saw those things in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like, Rey is just a bubbly, wonderful person. She's the kind of person that you love. You fall in love with that character. Jen, on the other hand, is like, kind of like a gray type character. Yes. Not lovable. She is kind of like um, anti-authority, and I don't see those being Skywalker traits that Lucasfilm would be like. Oh yeah, that's great. That's how we want to. That's how we want the Skywalker family to be. <laughs> that, in my opinion, that's this is now. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if Disney Lucasfilm. If they have other mandates for the Skywalker family, if they want fucking, uh, if they want some, a character like this to be in the Skywalker family, let me know if I'm wrong. But I think that there are certain things that they expect out of the Skywalker family. I'm not saying that they can't be tempted by the dark side, but I'm saying that I don't think that they would cast a criminal as a Skywalker. I agree. I agree. I think the main focus of this movie is the Death Star and learning about its plans. It's not about establishing the Skywalker heritage by any means necessary. Thank you. Yeah, it's not even going to have anything to do with Jedi's, so it's going to be more of like those badass, like rebel types, or you know, the military side of it, not the uh, the religion and the swordsman side. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the whole title thing too. Now after seeing the trailer, how we know Rogue One almost stands for for the what's her name, Jen? Jen, yeah, Jen Urso, I believe is her name. Yeah, how basically she's the Rogue One, and it's not so much like the squadron of fighters right. that the right. movie's named after. Right. And that was kind of a little bit of a swerve. I thought was cool. Right. Now, what about uh, those uh, ATATs, like the crazy things like that? 
Did that get you excited, Brian? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. This, I was kind of teased by this, um, earlier in the week. I had, uh, I had heard the rumor, um, it, really, it's not a rumor. Uh, Donnie Yen, who's in the film, we'll talk about his character a little bit later. Don't know much about him, but he was featured in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Donnie Yen's wife took to Instagram and she posted, uh, something, uh, about her being on set and she posted a picture of a snow speeder and underneath it it said it looks just like the ones that i it looks just like the ships that i saw during filming mm. so everybody was saying oh my god okay could this be true are we going to see snow speeders and and some of these classic fucking vehicles again like right. ATATs uh, are we going to see them again well i was i was totally pumped for that and i was like Hopefully when the first trailer comes out, we'll see some of those classic fucking like land, land vehicles. And that's exactly what we got here. Donnie Yen's wife did not let us down. Uh, she doesn't let Donnie Yen down in the bedroom and she did not <laughs> let Star Wars fans down as well, far as her Instagram. That. What's Even that? For that, I remember you explaining on the show like rumors about them dropping those into the sea and like some more epic uh, war, you know, scenes happening. Right. So, oh yeah. The the, the 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 whole. You're absolutely right. I forgot about that. The, they were they were talking about uh, dropping the uh, the adats into the ocean. Yeah, I remember that. And as they walk out of the ocean, it's kind of like uh, kind of like a kaiju scene, like Godzilla coming out of the water and shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, this doesn't confirm anything like that, but at the same time, like that visual. Like had me excited, just like the idea of it. And well, let's save so that we, scene for the fucking movie, right? Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Like, like I know we got the whole uh, the apocalypse now with the Tie Fighters kind of spoiled a little bit, but let's 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 see that when we see the movie. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Adats looked a little anorexic to me, though. Like they didn't look like complete replicas of the ones we saw from Empire Strikes Back. Like yeah. they looked a little bit skinnier, like a yeah. little less bulky. Yeah, yeah. Another reason I think that we are going to get that ocean scene, Ryan, though, is uh, it's Gareth Edwards who directed Godzilla. Oh man, then yeah, that's going to be good. He's got to do it. You know, that's right. good. That's like, a, uh, of course, when like the Easter eggs come out, that's going to be one of the Easter eggs. It's like, oh, you, just like he did Godzilla, he's coming out of the ocean. Mm. That's cool. And and a side movie like a Star Wars story, so to speak, is like the perfect place for things like that too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, very Saving Private Ryan, Battle of Normandy looking, some, right. of, some of that stuff going on. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the visuals in this. I think my main problem was with, like, uh, with, was, was with Jin. I, with Star Wars Force Awakens, when that trailer came out, it, like, we didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And that's all we needed. I, I think, do you think that Lucasfilm is a little bit more worried about this because it isn't a saga story? Yeah, I could, I could see that. They did hold a lot of stuff back, though. Like, we we really don't know who, like, the main, like, antagonist is. Yeah, they, they did I'm get a great sure, shot yeah, of Ben Mendelsohn, though, his yeah. character. We never saw his face, though, right? Yes, we did. We did. Oh, we do. I guess we do. He's dressed all in white, looks dead on like Grand Admiral Thrawn, his, his getup. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people are saying, oh, is this Thrawn? I think it's just a nod, a wink to... People that are fans of Grand Admiral Thrawn, I don't think that he's playing Grand Admiral Thrawn. Do you think his rank will be that of Grand Admiral? I think that he is pre, um, the the character's name's escaping me. Uh, Moff Tarkin? Moff Tarkin. I think he's pre Moff Tarkin. Okay. 
and Moff Tarkin's the guy that is supposed to clean up his fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. After Rogue One, after the death, after the plans are stolen, I think he, my, uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin's brought in to clean up his shit. That's cool. I see a lot of people being really dumb and making references to, oh, we're going to see all these Bothans get killed. Yeah. It's like, you fucking <laughs> dumbass. That's the second Death Star. Right, right. <laughs> I keep, I see that a lot this week. Oh, I can't that was to... Greg's big concern. Oh, seeing Bothans get killed? Yeah, he wanted to know where the Bothans fitted in. Yeah, that's the second fucking Death Star. Guys, this movie is where we see all the Chilean miners get killed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's how Leia gets it. Oh. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's talk about some of the characters that we saw in the trailer. We saw Donnie Yen's character. I'll be honest with you, it felt a little out of place. It was me. weird. It was weird. I got a samurai sword. I'm I, training people. Guys, I love Yip Man. Love Yip Man. It's like one of my favorite martial arts movies, and I love Donnie Yen. Huge fan. But he felt out of place in this trailer. Yeah, it, it was very odd. Come time for the movie, though, I could fall in love with this character and love him, but I felt like I was watching uh, Morgan from The Walking Dead. I was getting ready for him to say all life is precious and then beat somebody in the head with that staff. <laughs> yeah, do you think he'll have a very big part in the movie? <sighs> Donnie and big part in the movie. I No, I would say Jin's going to be our main character. I yeah. think that uh, another main – Forrest Whitaker will be in it. Um, maybe not as much as Jin. Uh, who's Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. I think our two main characters – are going to be on the good side. It's going to be uh, Jin, uh, Felicity Jones, and then maybe Diego Luna. We didn't see a lot of him in this trailer. We just saw him kind of like looking at her. Yeah, who's he played by? Diego Luna's the actual actor. Oh, that's name. the actor's name. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what his character is. I was surprised by a lack of Mads Middleson. I kind of expected him to have a very beefy role in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they're saving that for another trailer. Okay. Maybe. But yeah, I, I would have. Cause I would have assumed that he would have got a bigger role in this trailer too. I assumed he, him to be one of the like three biggest players in this movie, just from yeah. reading the casting and everything. Yeah. Maybe they're holding that a little close to the chest for now. But yeah, I think he'd be a. A lot of fans of that Hannibal show. Yeah. He's a great actor, too. And he was a villain in a Bond movie, correct? Yeah, he was Le Chef in uh, right. Casino Royale. Yeah. Isn't he involved in uh, the Doctor Strange movie coming out, too? Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah, he is. Him and uh, Chiwetelegia for. We saw a lot of that um, robot that you talked about in a previous episode. Like, not a lot, but you could definitely see him in the background in the future. Behind, behind Felicity Jones. Mm-hmm. So are we guessing that that's Alan Tudyk's character? I think so. Okay. I think that's correct. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see more of the droid. I mean, the droids are such a big part of Star Wars. So, How is this movie going to end, guys? How is this movie? I know, we know it's going to be somebody handing the plans over to the the rebels. We know right. that. But, but how are they going to make it suspenseful? Well, my thing is, okay, let's say this – let's say in my mind, in my mind, the way this movie should end – is everybody dies. Yes. Alan Tudyk's yeah. Alan Tudyk the droid just like in the other movies. And I, yes, uh, whatever, fuck it. It echoes uh Star Wars a New Hope and it echoes fucking uh The Force Awakens where the droid is the one that has the plans. Mm-hmm. Right. So the droid hands over the plans at the end of the movie to, you know, uh somebody in the rebellion. That's and everybody else is dead. That's the way I think this movie should end. 
I agree. Is we see an extended robot droid hand handing it over to maybe Mon Mothma or something. These plans. That's the way I think this movie should end. But let's say this movie is huge and Disney kind of anticipates that this movie is going to be huge. Do you think that Disney is going to be like, okay, fuck it. Let's not kill everybody off. Let's have a sequel. Or they say, okay, fuck it. We'll kill everybody and we'll do a prequel with these characters. Do you think that if this movie blows up that they just won't put this to rest? I think they should put it to rest. I think so too. I I think – yeah. They should put it to rest, yeah, and just keep doing the other Star Wars. Yeah, but stories. people, lo- let's say people love Jin. Jin is like, Jin is like, and Jin is like the new Katniss. Mm-hmm. Jin is the new Ray. Jin is the new fucking badass female character. Are they going to be able to put this character to rest when there are people still fucking? There are people still fucking going crazy over fucking Jin. People are fucking. There's memes about Jin all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. People are buying Jin merchandise. People are upset that Jin's not in the Rogue One Monopoly. Yeah, people love Jin. You know what I mean? And, and do you think that Disney's going to be able to? Well, put they this could easily. You're cutting out, Chief. Oh yeah, I'm going robot mode, huh? Go for it. You're good. Uh, but they could easily just like. Make like a like Clone Wars or or the Rebels series. They could make a series around her, or do you know? Ah find- man, I want that. I want, dude. I want that TV. I want that fucking movie franchise money, dude. Uh, yeah, gotta- I, I think they would go prequel. I think they've kind of written themselves into a corner where that's the only way they could go. Because I mean, you're starting to headbutt up against Episode Four, like pretty much as close as you could get your head next Episode Four with Rogue One. So I don't think there's much more story. If Jen were to remain alive. Yeah, but like what are we watching at that point? We're watching Criminal Jen? Yeah. I think that'd be cool to her backstory. Like that, that'd be the way to go. To me, that's more important than like Forrest gumping her into the events from episode four through six. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be kind of silly to me. Clowns. Do you think we'll see that kind of like Forrest Gump thing happen ever in any of these Star Wars movies where we see like characters inserted into famous moments from episode four through six? Do you think that's on the plate mm. as something we're going to see at some point? I sure hope not. Yeah. I, I, I see him having a hard time resisting doing that kind of thing. Oh, I sure hope not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, what was this character doing during the Battle yeah, of Endor? I, I, I mean, like, this this is, this is movie here fits into the timeline, but it, it, it doesn't overlap. Yes. Like I said, it's right. Its head is as close as you can get to episode four without, right. like, crossing over with it. Right. Yeah, and that right there is what makes me think that they they've written themselves into a corner. Like you don't want to bump into either of those other movies or mess with that canon. So therefore, you just got to go off and do one of the other ideas. Yeah, if this movie's super popular, boy, if you thought Episode Seven was an excuse to rip on the prequels, then this is going to be the biz- biggest excuse ever to rip on the prequels. This mm-hmm. is well received. It'll yeah. be the prequel done right. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Who is dude or the chick in the robe that's on their way to talk to <laughs> dude or chick <laughs> dude or chick in the robe that's on their way to talk to who we're guessing is the emperor? Yeah, it looks like they're walking up to some chamber or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I have no clue. I, I thought it even possibly could be the Emperor. It's either Vader or the Emperor is what I thought. Vader? Why would Vader wear a hood? Yeah, yeah, why not? It doesn't seem in character. I, I don't think it's Vader at all. Okay. I, I It didn't even look like like just Vader wearing a helmet and then having a hood over it. 
mm-hmm. is a little dumb and redundant. Yeah. Number one, <laughs> but it, 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 it didn't even look like his like stature, like his physique. Either. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, it'd have to be someone much smaller. It's a Sith though, correct? It's gotta be a Sith. Yeah, see, I was led to believe we wouldn't see, like, Jedi, Sith They said no, on. Gareth Edwards said no Jedi. Mm. There's no Jedi, but we could still see a Sith. I mean, Vader, I think, is going to be in this movie. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's where, you know, you got it there. Like, if Vader makes an appearance, then there is your Sith. Now everybody's going to be saying, oh, it's Darth Maul! <laughs> Darth Maul, he's still alive at this point. It's Darth Maul. Do you guys think, are you guys buying Darth Maul? 100% no. No, not at all. Yeah, that's that's been done, and that's all you're gonna get. They wouldn't hide that either. They would want to. If, if we have Darth Maul in this movie, let's let's make some money and show. Yeah, him. yeah, that, that's like the only thing you can sell from Episode One. So you would definitely try to sell it. Could we tie this into the Force Awakens? Could it be a Knight of Ren? Oh. Mm, I don't think so either. I think that's a a, a modern thing. Oh, are you saying Snoke's going to make an appearance in this? I'm not saying Snoke's going to make an appearance in this, but I'm saying that there are, I believe, seven Knights of Ren uh, at this point, maybe. Well, there could have been more in the past. We don't know. Some of them could have been killed. I'm not even saying it's a Knight of Ren. I'm just asking, is there a possibility? What's what's the percentage on this being a Knight of Ren? 0.2. I was going to say, like, 1%. Okay. I'll go with uh, I'll go with my favorite milk, two percent. Wow, going high. Actually, it's not even my favorite milk. I drink skim. <laughs> you should go with your favorite milk then. A very skim chance. Yeah, a very skim <laughs> chance that it's a night. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll I'll also give like another theory as to who I think it could be here in a moment. But I want to talk about something else real quick. Let's talk about Forrest Whitaker's character. Mm. Yeah, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character uh, in this. Um, there, we saw him and we saw that he's, he's, he's kind of worried about Jen. Yeah. Is he like some kind of mentor to her? I don't know. I got the feeling of, yeah, I, 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 I don't know like where he fits in with like her storyline, but he's kind of worried about her. He's, I think he's thinking that she could be, she could, she could fall to the, to the empire yeah i mean they have good insurance and yeah. health benefits and shit yeah. you know <laughs> what can mon mothma give her well and from what the trailer inferred it felt like she was like detained by the rebels at the beginning too so it's like you know what's her motivation to stay with them kind of thing yeah he just i mean with with his voiceover and everything he was just basically talking about how she could turn on the rebels like he, he felt like, like like she could turn on the rebels at any time, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is another reason I don't think that 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 she's a Skywalker. Yes, right. Well, I mean, Anakin turned on the on the rebels basically. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about like I'm talking. I, I guess I'm talking about everybody that comes after Luke. Okay, you know, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Throwing Anakin out of there, right? Out of the equation. Yeah, when, when he's the Anakin name, he's the good guy that's in the cartoon. Mm. Oh. Yeah, you when, when you're a when you're a Skywalker, and you and you fuck up, you get a new name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're no longer uh, you're no, yeah. yeah. 
You're not. That's why he says, you know, I'm not. I'm not Anakin Skywalker. Anakin. Anakin's dead. I'm fucking Vader. He killed Tusken Raider females and children under the moniker Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he was turning into Vader. Yeah, that was under George Lucas's direction. So, <laughs> all I'm saying is, I don't think that. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that Jin's going to be a Skywalker. Yeah, definitely not. No, even a less chance of Jin being a Skywalker than Knights of Ren being the cloaked guy. She yeah. seemed uh, too badass to be a Skywalker. Um, for oh, go ahead. Oh, I just really enjoyed like the few lines that she had in the trailer. So I'm really looking forward to this character, not uh, as whiny as like your usual Skywalker of Jin. Yeah, I didn't like the whole "I rebel" line. Uh you know, at first I thought it was cheesy, but after watching the trailer like four or five times, I kind of dug it. Okay. <laughs> this is a rebellion. I rebel. It, it basically is setting her apart from the other characters. It makes me feel like she's more of the Han Solo type rather than the the main characters that we've normally had. Well, I think a lot. I think a lot of these characters that that have joined the rebellion are like her, um, in my opinion, I, I, because. A lot of, uh, and, and they even reference this in A New Hope, that a lot of uh, the Empire's recruits actually defect and then join the Rebellion. Right. They, they, they learn how to fight and how to train under the Empire and then turn on the Empire and join the Rebellion. Yeah, I mean, because the Empire's like taking over planets and basically taking these entire races and mm -hmm. like forcing them to be part of the Empire. So you can yeah. see the allure of wanting to defect as soon as you can. Well, and I also see that, you know, the Rebellion's just like, yeah, we'll fuck, fuck it. We'll, we'll take anybody. Yeah. And they'll, right. they'll, they'll take criminals. You know, they'll, uh, if, if, if they're on a mission and they free some of these people that are prisoners, I can see them actually just fucking like shaving their head and, you know, being like, all right, you're, you're well, welcome to the rebellion. Yeah, I guess beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. Um, let's talk about Forrest Whitaker's character. There were rumors about Forrest Whitaker's character uh, before this came out. Uh, one of those rumors about Forrest Whitaker's character is that he might have a robotic leg. Oh. The Ooh. second one was that he uses a cane. <laughs> Well, we saw the cane mm -hmm. in the trailer. He uses like a metal walking stick. And so now I can assume that he also has a robotic leg. Mm, and that's why he needs yeah. the cane. Exactly. Yeah, they don't make the uh, good robotic limbs like they do by uh, episode five. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if he was on the Empire's health insurance. You know. <laughs> now, there's also another rumor, and I don't know if this uh, about Forrest Whitaker's character, and I don't know how credible this is. But he also – I hear the rumor uh, that he uses a green power suit uh, that looks like uh, a Star Wars kind of like beat up, used version of what Buzz Lightyear would wear. Hmm. Um, kind of – it might have like the, the globe okay. over the head. But it's a power suit and it you know makes him stronger and that he also wears a cape that's similar to Boba Fett. Now – could that also have a hood? Could that be the character that is on his way to talk to hmm. the Emperor? Yeah, possibly. Why would they hide it at that point, though? I feel like if it's just Forrest Whitaker in another scene, then why not just show it being Forrest Whitaker in another scene? I know, we uh, because... Uh, I don't know. A, a lot. JJ does a lot, and this isn't JJ. This is Gareth Edwards. But JJ does a lot of stuff in his trailers because JJ likes to read mm -hmm. shit on the internet that people get wrong. 
JJ and his crew, they love to like fucking throw shit out there and read what people are getting wrong about the movie. And then when the movie comes out, they're like, okay, you had no idea that this was going to happen. This is what's really happening. And so like, but I can't say that about Gareth Edwards. So it's like everybody sees like this dark figure wearing a cloak and a hood and they're like, oh, it's a Seth. Mm -hmm. Well, could... Could this be Forrest Whitaker? He's going to throw off this cape and the hood. Yeah, maybe it's he, Jen getting ready to join the Empire. Could be. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely shot like a mystery. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but if they, if they show Forrest Whitaker wearing that cape and the hood earlier in the movie, then you can put that piece together. Like, okay, he's going to be the one at the, and then it makes no sense. Mm. It's got to be a Sith, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. It's definitely someone bad. I don't think it's anyone good. Mm-hmm. And if it is someone good, it's someone defecting. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, the only thing I could see then would be like Jen and like sh- she has that story much like the Skywalkers where she's writing the line between good and evil just without the force. Hmm. That's interesting. And then that's why we see her later on in the uh, like Death Star gunner outfit is because she's officially employed by the empire at that point in some way yeah that's that's probably how she gets the rogue one or she infiltrates Mm. them in some way it might seem dark and then you know of course she does the right thing in the end so that everything works Hmm. Hmm. that is very interesting sacrifices a whole bunch of bothans like they're uh, that's the second death star (laughs) (laughs) are we gonna get that star wars story rogue bothan (laughs) <laughs> I hope so, man. So you, many of them died. They deserve it. People really want to see that. The trailer, the, the teaser trailer will just be Bothans getting blown the fuck up and people will be fucking freaking out. Oh, if they show that, <laughs> there's no need to see the movie. <laughs> I'll buy tickets. It'll just be a quick flash of a Bothan taking an explosion. <laughs> Donnie Yen's character, how does he fit into this whole thing? Yeah, that really weirded me out. It felt like I like accidentally flipped to a different trailer. Yeah, that part was really weird to me too. Like I, I have no idea what he does. I love Donnie Yen, but I'm just saying it just felt really out of place. The most jarring thing about this trailer, though, was that siren noise. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's really like that really took me out. And then like most of the scenes that happened after that, like that's really why I had to watch this trailer like five times was. Because I just felt assaulted, like, in the middle of it. And I'm, like, trying to, like, brace myself through it so I can study the things that are going on. Yeah, turn the volume down and watch it without the sirens. My dog flipped out when it, uh, when he heard that siren. Yeah, mine did the first time. Yeah. yeah. I'm not taking my dog to the movie, so that's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sir, can you please take the dog out into the lobby? Hey, uh, do they let blind people take their dog in? Is that a thing? Why is a blind person seeing a movie anyway? <laughs> you can listen to a fucking movie, Jake. Don't be like that. Don't be like Jake, that. He's going on a date, man. Show some humanity. Yeah. The audio descriptive version. You can go to a fucking movie and be blind. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to. I'd be out. He really loves the popcorn. The minute I go blind, I'm I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm blind, the first thing I'm doing is I'm fucking I'm watching Daredevil. Not, I'm not watching it, but I'm listening to Daredevil. Oh, did you see that? The Daredevil first person game. What? 
they have um, someone this week. I saw someone had a leaked footage from the Daredevil first person video game, and it was just it was just blank screen, <laughs> like blank screen and audio for like thirty seconds. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. That is funny. <laughs> awkward silence. Yeah, awkward silence. Now we're all death. <laughs> Uh, the Donnie Yen thing is very odd, though. It, yeah. it does seem like a totally different movie. It's like the last Star Wars samurai. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, yeah. oh, go ahead. If they're gonna hide Mads Mikkelsen, like, why, why not just like tuck away the other things like that too? Because I felt like he was only there because it's like, oh, see, we have this other star power. Well, hold on. I mean, the trailer's gonna get dropped internationally too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a huge audience. You can't leave out your Asian audience. But on the flip side, you can also cut an Asian. You can also cut an international trailer too. Yeah, right, right. One with less, uh, you know, less Finn. <laughs> He'll be the biggest presence on the international poster. Donnie, Donnie Yen will just be like blown the fuck up on the poster. He'll definitely get some top billing on their poster. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that's the big dollar nowadays. That's the yen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the Donnie Yen. The Donnie Yen. Uh-oh. You see how Jake? It took a little while for him to get your joke once again. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Jeez, Jake just doesn't find me funny. I, I got it right away. I think you're on some kind of a delay with the Skype. <laughs> <laughs> you're about to get fired a fifth time. <laughs> you can't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> just call it out. I see it. <laughs> you guys, were you guys happy to see Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma in the old trailer? Yeah, she looked cool. Um, she was actually in episode three, but she, um, her scenes hit the cutting room floor and you could see them on the, uh, DVD as deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. But they got the uh, same actress to come back and do her here. Yeah. So that's gotta be rewarding to not have, to be cut from the final product, but yet still come back and play the character. Yeah. Right. You finally get that, that notoriety. Yeah, they're going to cut her out of this one, too. That'd be funny. <laughs> she only made it into the trailer. She's in the trailer this time, at least, though. She got that much going for her. <laughs> That's, That's just as big of a deal nowadays. Yeah, she can go to con still, just guys, being in the trailer. Do you guys remember when Christopher Lee boycotted the Return of the King? No. Because they cut him out? I didn't know he boycotted yeah, it. Yeah, he didn't go to the premiere, man. Oh, wow. He fucking boycott that shit. Yeah, that was a bad cut, in my opinion. A, yeah, I totally loved uh, his uh, his fucking scene in that movie. Well, and it just was like, no, he was like the main villain almost for the first two movies, and yeah. they just leave you hanging. Like, oh, what happened to fucking Sauron? Well, yeah, but I, I when when I finally watched it in, uh, yeah, Saruman. When I, when I finally watched it in the extended edition, I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is great. It was a cool scene. Yeah. yeah. That's the only one I haven't seen the extended edition for. It's the best. Probably it's because so the good. theatrical one disappointed me so much. Yeah, the extended is really good for Return of the King. There's a really good scene with the mouth of Sauron that I really love. The, you like Sauron's mouth? There's a character that speaks for Sauron that uh-huh. looks really crazy. It looks like almost like an H.R. Geiger creation. Oh, I remember And that. Aragorn confronts him, and yeah. he's like talking all crazy and shit. Yeah. It's a really cool scene. Okay. Let's, uh, this episode fucking blows. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a break real quick and then we'll move on to, uh, episode, uh, seven, eight, whatever. Star Wars news. The rest of Star Wars. Yeah, the rest of Star Wars. Talk about Ezra's upcoming appearance in episode eight. Oh yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that. Cause he's definitely gonna show up. Darth Maul's gonna make an appearance. Darth Maul's gonna be in everything. So we'll talk about that. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. 
we're back. Many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. Um, so did many Chileans. <laughs> yeah. High all, death count. They're all in the same mind together. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, we didn't even talk about the death troopers. The death troopers. Oh, that was like the coolest shot. I, You know, I, I'm ready to see what these guys can do. I mean, uh, the average stormtrooper height in The Force Awakens was 5'10". Now, these guys that they're casting... For death troopers are six foot three, six foot four on up. So these guys are supposed to look very imposing in this movie. Um, do you think? Do you think that we're going to see these guys stacked up next to Darth Vader? Mm, I don't think they would do that. Oh, I hope so. Really? I, I really. I want to see like how big these guys are in comparison to Vader. Uh, I think it's going to be more of like a, a Green Beret kind of thing. It's a different like trump card up the Empire's sleeve. I'm hoping that the stormtroopers are getting their asses kicked by this rebellion, and then all of a sudden you see like just like just like you you, you see in uh, the Force Awakens, you see Kylo's ship land, and out comes Vader, and he's got Death Troopers with him. Next thing you know, Vader, we finally get to see him go all Star Wars Battlefront where he's fucking – he's throwing his lightsaber, killing guys. It's coming back to him. Death Troopers are just fucking kicking ass. That's the, that's what I want to see. Yeah, it, just give me some fanboy service. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I was telling Brian while we were having our break, like if the Death Troopers are so Green Beret badass, then like where are they when Stormtroopers are getting their asses kicked by teddy bears during the Battle of Endor? Like that, yeah, that kind of. Maybe what like Brian said kind of made me think. Yeah, like maybe they are like Vader's personal like uh, soldiers or something like that. And so by the time the Ewok thing happens, they've kind of been dealt with on all of these different missions. Or maybe this is the mission where we see their their demise. Yeah, maybe they were all on the original Death Star when it blew up. Yeah, they have to die, right? I mean, because we we can't see him again. No. You wouldn't think I, I, so. I don't know if they have to die per se. I mean, every movie kind of has its own unique armor that we end up seeing. So, you know, we just don't see that situation again, I, I That's guess. That's true. We're, we're also getting other stormtroopers in this. I think two other kinds. I mean, we're also getting scarab troopers, which a lot of people are saying because we're getting scarab troopers, they're going to be out in the sand in the desert that we might also get to see Tatooine again. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think that. That sounds like a, a lot because we're saying that there's going to be the snow speeders too, and I mean that's a lot of environments. I feel like for one movie. Yeah, yeah. Are the snow speeders are just being used on a different terrain though? I think uh, isn't that the case? Are we actually seeing a snowy terrain? I don't know. I don't know if we are. I, I don't like think the ATATs. I don't think we should. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of the same terrains that we saw in. Uh, the original trilogy sh- kind of show up in the in the in the Force Awakens. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, jungle en- jungle environment, forest environment, and then we saw you know more like uh, like a winter, like a Hoth environment, kind of like on Starkiller Base. Yeah, it was kind of Hoth meets Endor on Starkiller Base with all yeah. the trees and everything going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I just imagine with the Death Star being a big part of this, there can't be any more than like two other planets we'll see, kind of thing. I feel like that kind of limits the amount of environments in your movie. Right. Let's talk about, I want to talk about real quick, I'm going to jump into Star Wars Episode 8 news here in a second, but I want to talk about some Star Wars episodes, uh, Star Wars Episode 7 confirmations that I heard. Uh, this news was confirmed by uh, makingstarwars.net. 
they said, uh, I think it was Jason Ward. He uh, was in a, I think he was a, like a panel or something, and they confirmed some information. He also has uh, like a Star Wars magazine that's also canon uh, that confirmed some things. They said uh, the reason Snoke was able to get his hooks into Kylo Ren was because of the things going on in Han and Leia's relationship. Apparently Han could not sit still after Return of the Jedi, had to stay busy, uh, and Leia wanted to start the resistance, and that's kind of like where the separation started. Yeah, I read that too, that they were very absent parents. Right. And Kylo Ren resented that. Yes. And it was kind of Snoke's way in. Well, and then also... They sent him away to Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was also confirmed that Kylo was never a full, full, fully fledged Jedi, that he was only Luke's apprentice. So he was mm. only a Padawan at that time. So most of his training probably came from Snoke. And they also confirmed that Kylo learns all the mind stuff from Snoke, Supreme Leader Snoke. That makes sense. I can't see Luke being able to teach him all that stuff anyway. Right. And that mind stuff, too. I didn't know if that was just like Kylo. He learned that on his own. Like that's that's just Kylo. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wondered if that was like a new type of specialty, kind of thing. Like it was his natural predominance. Yeah, because we kind of see that with Ray without knowing her backstory. Mm-hmm. Her kind of learning stuff like that on her own without any formal training. Well, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. We got a question from a listener about you know Ray and some of her abilities and some of the things that she knows, and I want to I want to address that. But, okay, you know uh, the Snoke with the mind stuff is that where in the novelization where Ray hears his voice and she tells Kyle, uh, Ray to kill Kylo? Is that just more of like Snoke's mind stuff, or is there like? A lot of people are saying, like, uh, Snoke could be, he could have created Anakin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, like, using the Force right. to create, create Anakin. Force babies. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I wonder if, how far back Snoke goes. Yeah. They say he's a 1,000 years old. Okay. He's, like, as old as Maz Kanata. Hmm. And that was confirmed by J.J., correct? Yeah, I think you're right about yeah. that. Yeah. It's hard to say because I almost want to think like if she learns those powers somehow like through Kylo Ren trying to use it, like almost like, you know, mimicking him, then maybe that's, you know, she sees like a uh, a memory of Snoke in there or that's like the connection. Like it doesn't necessarily have to to be like the whole like other time. I see what you're saying. Like it's not Snoke actually communicating with her. It's just like the power. Right. Right. Okay, so, oh, I see. She's, like, learning it the same way he learned it. Like, she's seeing his memories of learning it or things like that. So, you know. But he strictly says. like talking. He strictly says kill him. So Uh, is she picking up that Snokes said that to Kylo as he kills his father? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. That's something Sith say all the time. I mean, that's just like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have their kill him coffee cup. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hashtag kill him. (laughs) Hey, did you kill him today? (laughs) (laughs) Always. Let's talk about some Star Wars Episode Eight rumors. Uh, There's a a rumor out there that uh, Ray. uh, First off, that Episode Seven. 
Uh, episode eight starts off where episode seven ends. Yeah, I've read this. That they're right back on Act Two. Yeah, and uh, it's right where episode seven ends, where she's handing Luke his original lightsaber. That's really weird. What's the opening crawl going to say? Nothing. Yeah, that, that, that's what we've always wondered. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah and uh, here we are. <laughs> episode eight. See episode seven. Exactly. I'd almost read it. I mean. Hopefully, like, maybe they're shooting that. They confirmed that that's going to be the opening shot or that's the beginning of it. No, it, filming filming picked up in Act 2. Yeah, see, I think, if anything, like, maybe they'll show flashbacks or something like that. And hopefully we'll pick up, like, most other Star Wars with, like, a battle or something, like, something see, more exciting. Any flashback that we saw in Episode 7, though, is, like, a vision scene. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, for us to see a flashback in a Star like, a proper flashback in a Star Wars movie... Seems a little weird to me. Yeah, I, I actually never want that. That's true. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, if if Ray is like having some kind of amnesia thing or something like that, I almost see that as being how they're going to explain it, or you know, more things like what we saw with the vision in seven. I think it has to do with some of the mind stuff. I think like her mind was kind of wiped, her memories were kind of wiped. Right. And that's why they're establishing so many of like the Kylo Ren mind stuff in episode seven. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah, we'll use that technique later on down the road to, right. to see things that have happened right. rather than just pure natural flashbacks. Right. Well, one of the rumors about Star Wars episode eight is that Ray thinks that Luke is crazy. <laughs> uh, he is constantly talking to himself, which when Luke first meets Yoda, he thinks he's a crazy yeah. creature. Yeah, and you can almost get some of that from, you know, Ben, too. True. Yeah, crazy old Ben. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just a hermit out there in the desert. Ray thinks that uh, that Luke is crazy. Um, she thinks that he's just lost his mind because he's constantly talking to himself. But in all actuality... He's talking to Yoda, mm. is what the rumor is. Um, and Ray, of course, cannot see Yoda. So do you think that we there's a chance that we could see Frank Oz come back and that, we could see Yoda? That would be cool. I, I almost uh, think it would be cooler if you don't see it and so you get to make up your mind as the audience of if Luke is crazy or not, you know? Yeah. That, you see it from Ray's perspective. I like that technique too. That would be fun. Yeah, I I, I don't see them uh, not doing that. But do you think that there will be a reveal like later in the movie, like and actually maybe Ray actually seeing Yoda, mm, like when she's finally more attuned to the Force powers, like she can finally see him. Yeah, because like people will say, well, you know, Yoda Yoda never taught Ray. But on the flip side, in Star Wars Rebels, Ezra has seen Yoda, and he never was trained underneath Yoda. That's true. But he also saw Yoda in the temple that Yoda actually fucking designed. (laughs) I I would almost hope that they would, you know, I mean, some people might think I'm crazy for saying this, but I'd hope they would mimic that original trilogy more. And we don't really see full on, you know, Jedi Ray until the third movie. That's like the epic reveal of, you know, all of this. She's dressed in all black. I mean, yeah, I don't think it to a T. Showing up to save BB-8 from some evil gangster. <laughs> At least as far as, like, the character growth and stuff, I think that, like, this is the training one, you know, and then, you know, we see her come to, you know, her full potential in the last one. That would be cool. I like that. I like that symmetry between the original trilogy. 
guys, it's, oh, oh, go ahead. it's what we see with Darth Vader in like that first, uh, you know, the prequel too. You know, it's kind of him forming into that. A uh, lot of lot of filming going on for Star Wars Episode Eight, and uh, when they first started filming Star Wars Episode Eight, a lot of it was filmed in Dubrovnik. Um, and uh, we, I've seen a lot of pictures come out of Dubrovnik. Don't know what planet they're supposedly filming these Dubrovnik scenes on. I mean, we know that they've been at uh, Skellig McHale doing the Aktu scenes with Ray and with Luke, but. Filming in Dubrovnik, I have no idea the planet that they are supposedly filming on. Um, from the look of it, I, a lot of people are saying, uh, "Well, yeah, it could be uh, could be Han Solo's uh, home planet." Where's Han Solo from? I have no idea. I can't remember is the he, name of the planet. Yeah, he's not Carillion, is he? Carillion. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was that, yeah. but I can't remember because that might just be where the Falcons from. Because because that up. <laughs> Because uh, there's a scene that they were filming, and you saw these guys, and they're all dressed up. And I showed this to you, Ryan. I sent it to you. These guys all dressed up in black, kind of like looks like kind of kind of look a little bit regal. Some of them look like uh, maybe like almost like a soldier too. Do you remember that? I sent that picture to you. Uh, the ones I think the, the ones you sent me were the ones with the helmets. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shot through the bushes, yeah. they have like and, the gray and white. But yeah, I can right. see how you, they're they're very regal. They look like a police force. Yeah, something. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of them too with like different aliens that are wearing all black. And so a lot of people are saying like, okay, this is the funeral ceremony for Han Solo, hmm. which I don't believe at all. No, I don't think no, we're gonna. I have don't that. think anybody would be dressed in any kind of uniform like that for him. Well, I don't think that Han Solo in this universe is looked at as like a hero. No, I don't think he'd done shit for like the last 30 years except for this one thing. And even what he the one thing he did wasn't even all that heroic. Exactly. Two outsiders. Right. Yeah. That, I like how they did it in Episode 7, how one of them says, you know, like Luke's friend and the other one thinks like, oh, the general. You know, it's it's kind of rumored on like what he did. You know, he yeah. could have been – he could have been that Ray living on Jakku. Here's the story about the smuggler, right? And then Finn's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you're talking about like one of the leaders of the rebellion." And I guess from a stormtrooper, yeah, that would be like the the perspective you'd see. And we don't even know how his like home planet thinks about him. They could think about him as like, "Oh my gosh, like this guy is like a, a disgrace to our fucking our planet." Yeah, because it's a lot like how they're framing up Jin. You know, he was just a criminal, and he kind yeah. of wound up with the rebellion. Yeah. His home planet is Corellia, by the way. Corellia. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's a funeral for Han Solo. I think there's something else going on. I think it's, like, maybe, like, a meeting of, like, the maybe some of the last remnants of the Resistance that are trying to figure out what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I could see that. But I, I, but I don't know. I have no clue. Because who knows what the Resistance is now? Who knows? We don't know what the resistance is now. After the destroy, uh, after they destroyed um, the, the yeah, Hosnian planet. system. Yeah, yeah, the whole fucking system. So. Yeah, the Hosnian system's gone. We don't know what the resistance is now at this point. So I'm thinking this is some sort of like, I don't know. I don't know who these people are, but I ha- I I have to think it has something to do with like the resistance or something. I don't think it's a fucking funeral for Han Solo. <laughs> But there's also another scene that they filmed in Dubrovnik, and it's being called the Space Horse scene. 
And I showed Jake the picture of the space horse. Uh, Ryan, you saw the picture of the space horse. Yeah, I see its backside. Yeah, the backside. There's also a picture of the face where it kind of looks like cat-like in the face. Yeah. But uh, basically what it is is you see on this spa- – it's, it's a horse. <laughs> it looks like a horse. Yeah. But it doesn't look like a horse you've ever seen. It kind of looks like uh, Falcor from The NeverEnding Story meets a horse. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And it, they 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 got Finn's body double to ride the horse, and there's a new actress on top of the horse riding with Finn, and a lot of people are saying it's Ray, but it it's also it, it also could be Kelly Marie Tran, who's a new actress that they cast in Star Wars Episode Eight. I think it's Kelly Marie Tran. I don't think that it's. I think. Her character, something's going to happen with her character, and Finn has her jump on the space horse, and there's a whole scene that they filmed where it's a chase scene, and they're getting away. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think much like, uh, I mean, I guess I keep falling back into the symmetry, but much like Han and Luke, you got to split up those two main characters and have even more adventures. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I don't think we're going to see much uh, Ray and Finn shared screen time in Episode Eight. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be like Ray's doing her thing with Luke and Octu. And I think we're going to see more of like Poe, probably Poe doing his own thing and mm-hmm. then Finn doing his own thing. That's now, do they, this looks almost like a concept image that you sent me. Um, do they have like actual shots with the actors on this, like, on like a practical version of this? Of the, uh, the space, the space horse. horse. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Finn was in Dubrovnik, but they're re- <laughs> They're really trying to keep it under wraps if if Daisy Ridley was actually in Dubrovnik or not. Nobody really knows if she ever was in Dubrovnik. But there, what I was asking was more so there is like a uh, some kind of practical space horse, like an yes. actual puppet out yes, there. Yes, yes, there is. It's 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 a practical effect. What they did is there there is a uh, the space horse. They kind of like guided it along on like its own track. Mm-hmm. And then film this thing. So it is a very much so a practical effect. As wow. to whether like when the legs are moving, if it's practical or CGI, I have no clue. But as far as like the upper torso of this fucking beast, <laughs> it is practical. Absolutely. Okay. And awesome. they've got uh, guys pushing this, al- this, this space horse along on a track <laughs> and filming this chase scene. I could understand then how this got leaked out because that's got to be the hardest part of all of this to explain. Like right. of all the questions, you're just like, you know what? It's a space horse from Star Wars. Yeah. And then finally they leave you alone. Well, what, what they do with these Star Wars movies is that they film a lot of the stuff, but what they have to do, like the outside shots of Michael Skellig, they, mm. they shoot it at Michael Skellig. But like what they can't do, they recreate that at Pinewood. Yeah, they do so much of it in the soundstage. Yes. Like, so much of the Force Awakens stuff is not on location. More than half of it. Yeah, they'll do all that later, most of it. Mm -hmm. But, like, all, like, the, uh, they'll do all the location shit. All the location shit first. And they had to do this on location. Hmm. It's very interesting. Space Horse was an important shot, man. (laughs) Uh, The the crux of the movie is around this thing. The old Space Horse. Well, did you guys hear that the, 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 the code name for this movie is Space Bear? No. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, episode 8 is Space Bear. But, like, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Finn, if you're wondering, like, what costume he's going to wear in this movie, well, you can clearly see it while he's riding the Space Horse. He's still rocking Poe Dameron's jacket. Nice. Can you blame him? 
I can't, dude. That fucking jacket is dope as fuck. That jacket is dope as fuck. The whole Finn thing is weird. Like, if this movie is taking place directly after episode seven, like, Finn's still pretty fucked up at that point, right? Don't we have to have a little bit of a time jump just to get Finn back on his feet? Yeah, yeah they, they will explain sure. that, I'm sure. So. Yeah. They, uh, the Finn, from what I know, um, about, um, John Boyega and the things that he said is that he's had to get physically in shape for this mm-hmm. because he says that his character has been training a lot mm, okay. since the end of episode seven. But you bring up a good point. Like if he's been training a lot yes. and if he's in physical, you know, physically fit, there has to be some sort of a time jump. Yeah, it'd be weird to have that time jump in the movie, like say pick up right with Ray and Luke where we left off, and right. then jump time. Because Star Wars Episode Seven did not do any of that. Yeah, it was just like we're off to the races. Yeah, maybe Star Wars Episode Eight will have a cold open before we get the opening crawl. <laughs> yeah, how fucked up would that, that be? That would be fucked up. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, I think they're gonna go traditional. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think you're gonna see it chronologically. You're gonna see different moments at different times. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting what we actually see when the movie comes out. And it's. I know we're not giving you a lot of information. We're telling you about a space horse, <laughs> space horse, and, and maybe uh, Luke being crazy. We're not giving it's a lot everything. Of, yeah. Well, okay, here, here's some other answers, may, possible answers. We know that, uh, Benicio de Toro is gonna be in this movie. I have no idea who he's playing, other than the fact that he did slip up in a Spanish media outlet and saying that he's gonna play a villain. Yes. That's all I know. He did backtrack on that and say, oh, that's not true. I'm not playing a villain. I, I can't even talk about who I'm playing. But, we'll just assume he's playing a villain for now. But, we also know Laura Dern's gonna be in this movie. Yes. So when Laura Dern was announced, of course, everybody's thinking, okay, this is fucking Luke's wife. Yeah. Every conspiracy theorist out there is like, oh, this is Luke's wife. That's Ray's mom. <laughs> that At least that's what they thought until the Rogue One trailer it's came Ezra. out. It's Ezra. Yeah. Re- Laura Ez- Dern is Ezra? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's transitioning. <laughs> so the thing is, like, when the Rogue One trailer came out, everybody thought now that Jen is Ray's mom. So any female introduced into any new movie is going to be Ray's mother. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've learned. Yeah. I've heard a lot of rumors that uh, Laura Dern is basically going to take over for Princess Leia is what I've read. Well, let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge rumor that came out from Latino Review, and they talk about her possible role in Episode Eight. And I want to read this. As the production of Star Wars Episode Eight finishes off its fifth week... The photo leaks from Dubrovnik are still most of what we know about the plot. Well, that and it looks like the movie will pick up with Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill on Oct 2, pretty much where we left off. This week I have something to contribute to what we might know about Space Bear. That's the code name for Episode 8. Okay. Unfortunately, it's kind of vague, but it is from the stuff being shot at Pinewood Studios, not the location things that we're all getting peeks at. This information comes from a source that isn't as nitpicky about spec- uh, specific details as I am, but it is new info nonetheless. There's a stage set up like the interior of a starship. I don't know what kind of a starship, 
but it is large enough to have a crew and lots of droids manning it. The set has a bunch of practical effect robots and hairy alien creatures on it. And given that the First Order seems to be keeping up with the humans-only hiring policy of the Empire, that suggests it is not a First Order ship to me. Hmm. In one of these, in one of the scenes shot in this stage, a ragtag group of Resistance fighters have seen some battle. Cut and bruised, they and Poe Dameron are on this ship when Laura Dern, playing some sort of captain or officer... She tells the fighters that they are the last of the rebellion resistance. I'm unclear on the exact phrasing of the line, so no capitalizing the resistance. And that Princess Leia has been gravely injured and is receiving medical attention. So it looks like Laura Dern's in charge Mm -hmm. because Princess Leia is incapacitated at this point. Yes. She's hurt. All right. Oscar Isaac and Laura Dern have an antagonistic exchange of words. And Dern's character is blunt with Poe, like she has some sort of uh, authority over him. Uh, things must be tense between these two characters because another scene we've gotten wind of Poe leading a group of resistance fighters as they take over what is presumably Dern's ship. The scene includes fighters under Poe removing technicians from their computer stations and Poe pointing a blaster at Dern's character. Wow. So I've also heard that there were some pickup shots. MakingStarWars.net said that there were some pickup shots that were also taken of – that confirms this, that there are sort of like uh, officers from this ship that are leaving this ship, that are being sent out on like uh, uh, little escape pods. Okay. They're being shipped off this ship and being sent on an escape pod. So that either means that like every this ship's going to blow up and everybody's got to leave or like this fucking article is implying that there's some sort of like mutiny and Poe is the leader of this mutiny and they're kicking these motherfuckers off the ship. So, All of so- Lord- what well, go ahead. Poe's leading a rebellion against the rebels? Exactly. (laughs) Poe's leading a mutiny against the the resistance. Super rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Squared. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's throw out Laura Dern as Ray's mother, number one. Mm -hmm. So now you can now you can speculate all you want to about uh, Jen Urso. But we can throw her out. And we, I kind of talked about this earlier on an earlier episode that I thought that she would be some kind of like leftover um, under, you know, Coracella was she, she died on uh, the Hosnian system, mm-hmm. and I thought like the next somebody high up in the resistance would have been Laura Dern's character that she could be like one of these higher ups in the resistance, and that's what this sounds like. I agree, and it sounds like. Uh, does it sound like she can't make a decision? Does it sound like she's make like Leia's gone? Do you think she's a double agent, or do you think that she's just like incompetent and she's making some fucked up decisions? And Poe is just like, you know what, the the the, the, the fucking resistance is fucked up anyway. Everybody on Hosnian's gone, and Poe's just like grabbing his fucking nutsack and saying, "I got to do what's right here." Yeah, I don't know if it's so much incompetence as just she doesn't fully have the ability to execute such decisions yet. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll get some story about, like you were saying, like 
with the Hosnian system being gone, the, they lost a lot of their higher ups and, you know, maybe she isn't looked upon by most of the, uh, the resistance as being like capable of filling the shoes of somebody like Leia, you know, a, a rumored princess and all of that. There's got to be something, though, that Oscar Isaac, like, deep in his core, I think this guy is a heroic character. Yeah, he's Leia's best pilot. Exactly. Yeah. There's got to be something that, that makes Oscar Isaac, like, do you think that there's maybe tension between Leia and Laura Dern's character? Like, maybe Leia doesn't fully trust this character? I, I think his loyalties lie with Leia. I do, too. Do, do you think that there's got to be some tension between Leia Organa and Laura Dern's character. Or, that. or yeah, just Poe is very passionate about a certain way things have to be handled. But this is huge. Like, if this is mutiny, yeah. I mean, he's putting a mark on himself. He's got he's to know 100% sure that he's doing the right thing mm-hmm. in order to basically fucking, like, throw her and her men off. And then also, like, he's got his own crew that are following him. Yeah. This is crazy. That is crazy. Hmm. Yeah, because you know he's got to be doing it for what would seem like the right thing. He's, you know, it seems like, for all intents and purposes, one of the good guys. Yeah, there's got to be, you've got to be able to, like, watch this movie, and and you've got to know, as a viewer, I think, that uh, Laura Dern's character is not making some good decisions. Yeah, right. I could see that. Right? Yeah. But do you think that, that, that she's inherently... Like a double agent or evil? I do not think that. Okay. No, I think it's just going to be like a little bit of a, a turbulence in the resistance kind of thing, just to show you that they're not perfect either. But is he putting her in danger by kicking them off the ship, or is he like, is he basically going all Spock and thinking like, uh, you know, the needs of the the needs of the many outweigh the few? I think maybe he is going a little bit Spock. I think Mears is onto something too. I think Episode Seven really foreshadowed the fact that. The resistance isn't very like tight. Like it's right. a lot of different people making a lot of different decisions. It can't without, be after yeah. after the destruction of the Hosnian system. I mean, even before, I mean, that's like in the speech. Well, that's that, all they had. Yeah, what was was what was going on on the uh, with uh, with Coruscant and the Hosnian Prime system. Yeah, even like I said, though, Hux like basically says we have to strike now because they're just you know they can't come to a decision. Even right. the novel kind of really foreshadows it that. That yeah. there's just no like one figurehead commanding everything. Everything is just kind of like scattered well, yeah, around. The, the military with the resistance mm-hmm. and what was going on in Hosnia, and they they didn't really work. Yeah, it's not very cohesive exactly. at all. Exactly. exactly. So maybe it's a little bit of that too. Yeah. It's just different branches not having one main leader. It's true. That's yeah, true. and with Hosnian being gone, she could have been. Maybe she was the leader of like a lesser branch, but you know, Poe and Leia and. Their their brand of politics just doesn't look upon them the same way. I think you're onto something here. I I, I honestly think that 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 with with Leia out, I think with the, the resistance kind of being her baby, and then they put all the pressure on this, you know, on Laurie Dern's character. I think honestly, I think she kind of loses it. Mm-hmm. I think she kind of loses it, and Poe is like kind of like forced to like step in and be that leader. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and and he's almost doing the heroic thing in that maybe he make it looks like mutiny, but he's just taking the reins over from you know somebody having a bad time. Exactly. Somebody not able to fill the shoes of of Leia. Exactly, and I think it'll help with the development of his character, and we'll get to see like kind of like where his character is going to go by the time we get to episode nine. You yeah. know what I mean? He might be like he might be like Leia's right hand guy. 
Yeah. Kind of to go backwards, but um, kind of like what you were bringing up with Kylo Ren and his problem with his parents. It's kind of one of the things I like about this new trilogy is the idea that Han and Leia didn't stop doing what they always were doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The movie ended, but they just continued being a smuggler and the leader of a rebellion. Right. They just kind of changed the names and ships. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. They were shitty parents. And it makes it really easy to follow because you're just like, yeah, they kept doing the same thing. I guess they had a kid, so of course he becomes bad. But, (laughs) yep. Let's move on to some Star Wars emails. First email comes from Sage Kelly. It's titled Quick Shit, which is uh, basically... uh, (laughs) Oh, those are the good ones. Yeah. Yeah, when they just... uh, When it's quick and you don't even have to wipe. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You you wipe and there's nothing there. It's almost like you wasted TP. <laughs> it's titled Quick Shit, but it, it, it's a long email, so I don't know why he titled it that. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a trick. He says, this may be a long email, but none of my prior emails have been long, so fuck off. Wow. Authoritative. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because that, that's the rules that we have written down. You have the right to write <laughs> long emails if you've only previously done short emails. Yeah. He says, first, the Andy email from last week was the hardest I've laughed in a long time. I'm not sure what fucking drug this dude was on, but I'd like to try it out. He's talking about Andy Babcock. Is it the Batman v. Superman email? And the Batman v. Superman email uh, where he said Thomas Wayne didn't die. That was fucked up. He, uh, Andy actually emailed me back. Yeah. And Andy told me he, he thought that the guy in the Wayne building was his father. So he thought, Oh, shit. He thought the character named Jack was Bruce's dad. We thought that that was possibly one of the possibilities why exactly. he was so fucked up. Exactly. So, yeah, he uh, Andy Andy totally apologized for that. I think he felt bad. Don't feel bad, Andy. It was a funny fucking email. Yeah, it was hilarious. Anyway, so second, after watching Star Wars another 3 times after digital release, I'm pretty sure I know Ray's parents. I believe that Ray is Kylo's brother. Meaning <laughs> <laughs> meaning Han and Leia's kid. I ha- now, I, ha- I haven't missed an episode since I started listening to your show, but I can't quite remember if these points have been made. If they have, I give you permission to completely disregard this email. I figure now someone will make a joke about moving on directly to the next email. <laughs> Listen to this guy. Yeah, next email, please. Next email. Anyway, I'm gonna, I, I, he's, he's got some points he's gonna make as to why he thinks that, uh, Kylo and Ray our brother and sister. And I'm going to go over these points, and then I'm going to talk about it. I'll have you guys talk about it. Number one, of course, it is odd that Ray knows the Falcon inside and out. Maybe she's had previous knowledge of it. People have been bitching about Han Solo capturing the Falcon immediately after Ray and Finn leave Jakku. Maybe he left it there on purpose and has been waiting for it to leave. What are the chances he finds it that quickly in fucking space? I can't see Han actually losing the Falcon. I mean, come on. Um, it is explained very well in the novelization and also in the book called uh, Ray's Story that uh, Ray has been inside the Falcon before. Unkar Plutt owns it. She works for Unkar Plutt. She scavenges and she gets portions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense why she would know that it's junk. Yes. And so, exactly. So, she is on the Falcon, and apparently, a, another ship that she scavenges, um, has a, um, 
uh, I think they talk about this in race story. It has a, like, kind of like a VR, like a virtual, um, exercise, a game to where it's like a flight simulator. Okay. Where you get to like pilot like a, like an X-wing or something like that. Or like a, or a TIE fighter or a Y-wing or something. It might be a Y-wing. Where you get to, it's like a, it's a virtual simulator. That's why she's a good pilot. The reason she knows the Falcon so well, it's explained in the novelization. She has been aboard the ship before. That's why in the movie she talks about how Unkar Plutt changed the uh, – what did, what did she say? What was her verbiage? Oh, fuck. The capacitor. Yes. That's why he put in that capacitor and she like uh, – Fucked up the hyperdrive. The hyperdrive and all this stuff. Yeah. She's like, she's like I bypassed the, the, the capacitor or whatever mm-hmm. later on in the movie. She knows Unkar Plutt did these things because she's been on the Falcon before. So I don't think it has anything to do with repressed memories of her father flying the Falcon. Yeah. She specifically says that Unkar Plutt, Unkar Plutt stole the ship. So she knows of its history. It's not like the first time she's ever heard of the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Yeah. And she also t- talks about like, well, Unkar Plutt got it from such and such people mm-hmm. and such and such people got it from such and such people, which also linked back to the rumor that Han Solo had when he's like, I heard that the such and such group got it first. And mm. she's like, well, these people got it from Unkar Plutt got it and he got it from them. And then it, and then it actually matched the name that Han Solo gave her. Yes. Cause he, and then he goes and they got it from me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number two, Han and Leia cryptically continue to call their, uh, Ben, their son, not their child. Uh, now, this may be looking too far into things, but as a writing major, it's strange that the script continuously says son. Calling him their child would have the connotation of only having a singular kid. Hmm. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, because to me, like, the way they talked about their son, it, it basically implied, like, if they had another child, they would probably care just as much about them. You know, like, why would they never bring that up? Do you think uh, Daisy Ridley knows and has known from the beginning her heritage? Do you think that's stuff that they've told her? I don't think she found out until, um, until, uh, well, she, hell, does she know now? I mean, yeah. does she know now? I don't know. No, I think uh, much like the symmetry of the original trilogy, like Mark Hamill didn't know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) It depends on how important it is to the story. If it's not important to the story of the movie, why would they tell her? Yeah, but if she's like related to Obi-Wan Kenobi and they want her to act certain ways because of that, then it's like almost something you have to tell her. I don't think – I don't know about that though. I mean – because, I mean, she's an actor. Just tell her like the the qualities you want her to act as. You don't have to – you know, the, I think she's an actor first and, and possibly a fan second. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you're a director, you're going to give her direction and tell her how you want her character to to play that scene. Okay. Right. I'm, I, I, I honestly don't think that she will know until she reads the script where it's revealed. Hmm. Okay. And I personally don't think that it's going to be revealed in the next movie either oh i don't either we'll get more clues but we're not going to get the full-on reveal i don't think right yeah we'll get more you know either we'll get more red herrings or you know what i mean i don't know yeah number three leia never meets ray but goes directly to hug her when ray arrives uh this is obvious but it seems a bit more in this sense hmm. it's interesting 
I, I mean, I didn't get it from that. I didn't get that from that scene. I felt like, you know, that uh, there was probably some communication with, I don't know, she she watched Han die and they knew that she was on her way back. I don't I don't think that Leia would, like, hug her daughter and not say anything. Yeah, I mean, she knows that Rey was being held captive by the First Order and how right. traumatic she's been held captive by the Empire. Right. She knows how traumatic that can be. Why would Han not say anything about his daughter? Like, yeah. if they knew they had a daughter. Exactly. I don't understand that. Yeah, that part is weird. I remember we were first talking about casting for this movie, though, before, like, it even started filming. Yeah. Like, we were talking about we were casting a son and a daughter of yeah. Han Solo and Leia. That's one thing that's always stuck with B. Yeah, because, I mean, even before they redid the canon, they had the twins, right? I mean, you always kind of think of a, a pair. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's just a shadow that's kind of lingered. Yeah, I, I still can't help but think of it, though, all the time, you know. I don't. I don't think they're brother and sister. I don't think so either, but I, I don't think – I think there's a better chance that their brother and sister than a knight of Ren is in Rogue One. Well, yeah. I, I think we're talking about two – I'm just talking about – I'm just car- comparing percentages. Right. I don't think that we're going to get a knight of Ren in Rogue One either. No. On the Vegas odds of Star Wars. Yeah, I'm Vegas sure. odds on Star Wars, it's like 20 to 1 that they're, they're brother and sister. on the table. I mean, I guess we – yeah, picking the lesser of two evils, I guess we have to. Yeah. Which, But I, I don't think – Either are the case here. Uh, number four, Kylo's confliction is that he knows who Rey is and won't tell Snoke because it's his sister. Hence his struggle with the light side. He isn't quite sure if he should sell her out or not. Uh, the only thing turning me away from this theory is how Han acts towards Rey. He doesn't act like a father. But it is Han Solo we are speaking of. He can be cold. Uh, see, like, yeah, once again, it just doesn't feel like if you're willing to kill your father to prove how dark you are, uh, why would you just hide something like that? From- yeah, but I won't sell out my sister. Yeah. yeah, like that's something he could do just by saying like a few words, whereas the other one involved like lightsabers and killing and everything. And to play devil's advocate, though, like the like earlier, like Brian reported of how Kylo Ren was able to be under the influence of Snoke was that Leia and Han were absent parents. I mean, let's say hypothetically Ray is Kylo's sister. He would probably have warmer memories of her as a child than he does of his own parents. I guess, but once again, like those, I, it goes back to those absent parents and still talked about their son a lot. I feel like those same parents would probably talk about a daughter, like in some way. Yeah. It, it, it's like, why, why is Ray hidden away? But they're doing everything they can do to get Kylo Ren back. Right. It's like, you can get him back, Han. But, you know, well, Ray, fuck her. I don't think that fucking Ray is Han's daughter, number one. Here's, here's, you wanna, you, you wanna, you wanna know why? You wanna know why? Here, here's my, here's my confirmation that she is not fucking Han's daughter. I think that Chewbacca, being almost like a fucking dog, has a keen sense of smell. Mm. Uh- I think the moment he fucking sniffs Ray's butt, he's like, you know what? That's not fucking. That's not fucking Han. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> next, next female. <laughs> Line these butts up. Let's find it. Exactly. I, I don't think that if if honestly, I think if if they would have had a daughter, he would have been able to be like, eh. oh yeah, that's your daughter. Yeah, I agree. I, I was definitely talking myself <laughs> out of it with the whole uh, why do they want Kylo Ren back so much, but they don't care about getting Ray back. <laughs> that, yeah. that makes no sense. 
Yeah. Like, I don't think they're brother and sister. Like, that line of thinking really makes me not think they're brother and sister. Yeah, what, uh, what about what about our lost daughter? Yeah. What yeah, about exactly. Our, I yeah. just feel like that would have been mentioned. Yeah. Well, she's not dark side, so we, we're not concerned about her. Even in the the craziest sense of being like, we got to get our son back. Remember what happened to the daughter? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's more plausible that, that she would be Luke's daughter. Yeah. yeah. I think it's more plausible she'd be related to Kenobi than I do, I think, than Han and Leia at this point. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah something more attuned to the Force. Uh, going back to, like, the Falcon talk. Uh, like, A, like, Skywalkers are really great pilots, so, like, even, like, all of those theories could, could work for a Skywalker. Um, and, uh, I did like the idea, though, of Ray as, like, a child, uh, like, piloting the Falcon on Han's lap or something, you know? (laughs) That's how he teaches her. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, we can have other pilots in this universe that are awesome. I think the best one we've seen is... Poe, and he's not even force sensitive that we yeah, know that, of. That's the, why I love him the most. It's great to finally see a pilot that's not named Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, what about Wedge? Poor Wedge. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll always be remembered. <laughs> oh, uh, what was I going to say? I had another point about. But uh, Wedge definitely didn't do that. That scene from Seven, you know, where he's doing like loopy loops while shooting down the ships. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, oh wait, uh, rest of the email. As I said, if this is just repeating ideas you've already stated, move on. P.S. My first email ever to you guys was about how I believe Miles Teller should be playing young Han. You guys chat my ass about it. Uh, how apparent now? Apparently he's a front runner. So fuck y'all, dude. No, Taron Edgerton's gonna get the fucking gig. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know what fucking outlets you're reading. He's still in the. He's he's still in the. No, there's three guys that are still in the mix, and he's not even in the mix, dude. What the fuck are you talking about? There's no fucking way Disney is handing the reins over to Miles Teller oh, after let's the give it, bomb let, that was Fantastic Four. Oh, let's, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, he, I mean, he's a great actor, but he's not fucking. He's not Han Solo. No. And oh, let's give it to an actor that's got a fucking scar on his chin because that that fucking uh, he doesn't even look like Han. No, I like, agree. Or the, carry himself. I feel like in any of the movies to be like that. Apparently, the front runner. What the fuck? What who, what are you fucking reading? <laughs> There's three guys that are the front runners. Uh, Taron Edgerton's one of them, mm-hmm. and then two other dudes. I don't know their names, but Miles Teller's not even mentioned now. No, Miles Teller is not getting it. Jesus, I don't know the fucking April Fool's fucking uh, outlets you're reading. That's the I, I like lowest. How in this email, multiple times he kind of says, "Oh, you can move on." Like he just gives you permission to skip the. email. I know, yeah. I know. I wish I would have moved on from this entire fucking email. He's trying to talk about how fucking Ray is uh, Han and Leia's daughter, which is bullshit. <laughs> He definitely knows how to, yeah, get a reaction, though. And he goes, don't ban me, because frankly, you don't fucking know me. <laughs> Is that really what he says? Yeah, he says, I'll never write a long-ass email again, Sage. So <laughs> It comes from Sage Kelly. Yeah, no more long-ass emails. Then. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. More. Yeah, I do. I, I know you as the guy who fucking thinks that Miles Teller's the front runner in this fucking uh, Han Solo movie, and you're full of shit. And you also, you don't, uh, you also don't know anything about Ancestry.com because you think fucking Ray's parents are fucking uh, Han and Leia, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, they're really bad parents if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, this guy's eating a lot of shit out of assholes. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you, Sage. I know that. I'm fucking with you, Sage. But I think you're wrong about everything. Uh, next email comes from David. <laughs> next uh, Star Wars email comes from David Talbert. Hey fuckers, uh, I would send you my thoughts on the new Rogue One trailer, but I won't. 
for some fucked up reason, I listen to this dive bar of podcasts to hear what you guys think about stuff. So party on. Thanks for the free laughs every week. Thanks for all the actual ins- ins- uh, thanks for all of the actual insightful banter about all things pop culture. You guys rock. Keep it up. Uh, you don't know me, motherfucker. Yes. David Talbert. I was wondering how quickly that would be in email. He signs it, David Talbert, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Nice. You don't know me, motherfuckers. So, thank you, David Talbert, for uh, teasing uh, Rogue One email and then not even – then just kissing our asses, sucking yeah, our I was going to say, there was no time. question there, was there? I know. No, I just hope. wrote it in to say, hey, can you do a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Thanks thanks for doing a podcast, guys. I hope David watched 33 so he can get some of these laughs this episode. Oh, go fuck yourself, <laughs> Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw you down the mine, Jake. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And we've already ate all the good, the fat Chileans, so yeah, I'm on some Bothans. Have fun eating Pablo, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you better have those goddamn Survivor scarfs ready. <laughs> Next email comes from Michael Molino. Uh, it's titled "Hey Turds." Oh shit! You don't know me, motherfucker. Yeah, what a bra. <laughs> Whoa, now Jake's really getting started. <laughs> All right, here's this email. This is, uh, here we hey, go. Is that, why, is that why Jay took the week off? You think he's, like, recovering? Dude, oh, we actually asked that question. Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, because he seemed like he was pretty embarrassed from that. I mean, yeah. I guess that's a better question for next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll have that conversation in private. Well, we will. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> this email is titled Hey Turds and uh it's from Michael Molino and he says Think Jen Urso will be Ray's mom? Ah, uh, No brah <laughs> He goes on to say I really don't but people are speculating and I wanted to hear your guys opinion Rogue You don't one- know Ray's mom motherfucker <laughs> yeah. You can eat the shit out of Jen, Ur- Jen Urso's ass <laughs> <laughs> I might do that <laughs> oh. oh gosh you know she's a, she's she's a cute lady but i i don't want to i don't want to open my mouth for her asshole like it's soft serve ice cream jake <laughs> so i'm gonna have to pass on that has she played a dead body in any movies no, i'm sure we'll find out more questions for Jay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he says Rogue One trailer was a pretty uh, was a pretty good first look, and uh, after watching Force Awakens like three more times on DVD, I'm pretty pumped for Star Wars. DVD, get a Blu-ray, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Nike. Watch it on my tube television. Yeah. I'd uh, watch it on Laserdisc. <laughs> Hi, nineteen ninety nine. Whatever. <laughs> he says. Uh, side note: DC Rebirth lineup. Artist and writer side, at least, looks damn good. Any specific title, titles y'all plan on picking up? Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Michael Molino. It's a good thing that we've got Ryan from the Comics Labs yeah, on here. I was just thinking that myself. This is yeah. a great question for you. He's talking about DC Rebirth with all the new artists and writers for all these new books uh, coming out. So, Ryan, uh, what are some what are some of the books? I know I've added a few to my pull list, the ones that I could for June. I know a lot of them are coming out in was it September? Yeah, yeah a lot of new books stretched out all yeah. along. Um, there's there's a lot that I'm uh, jumping on, and and even some that I'm trying and stuff. Like I'm going to get back into Flash. Um, yeah, Joshua Williamson, man. Yeah, I'm all um, about him. Nightwing is making a return, so I'm back on that. Yeah. Um, Stephen Orlando was writing uh, Supergirl. Midnighter. 
What? Oh, Midnighter. Yeah. Uh, he was writing that. Uh, he will now be writing Supergirl. Yes. Um, so I'm excited to see that because that book will, of course, get a lot of attention with uh, the show going on at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, what is it? All-Star Batman has Sean Murphy, who's a favorite artist of mine. Yeah. So even though Scott Snyder's still doing that, I think the artists they have lined up has me even more excited. They got so. John Romita Jr. I, I saw the first image of John Romita Jr. Batman like just yesterday, mm-hmm. and I got to say, puke. It yeah. looked, it looked yeah, like total garbage to me. I haven't seen the uh, total the fucking garbage. Let I me find this motherfucker. I, I will admit though, Marvel is the king of doing this. Also, like they throw like a team you don't want to see, and then of course they follow up with like the best team right after that. So I feel like I have to buy that John Romita Jr. stuff because the Sean Murphy artwork will be either at the back of that or the issue following it. So it's mm. like, you know, I want to follow along whatever's going on. Yeah. I just showed Brian the image. He looked like he ate sour sour cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I just so ate, I just ate something out of someone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the weird ones, uh, there's two books they haven't announced creators for, and I think I'm almost sold on those also. Uh, Super Sons. Oh, God, that sounds amazing. Uh, Damien. Yeah. And, uh, and the son of Clark Kent. Son of Clark Kent. I cannot wait for that book. Yeah, and we don't know who's going to be writing it, but the it does actually sound pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is a Justice League of America book. And I would put money that Jeff Johns will be writing it. And what else I'll- is he writing in this new rebirth? Nothing has been announced. Thank He's- you. It's like yeah. I, I honestly I'm happy with that because it felt like during the new Fifty Two, Jeff Johns was writing everything. Yeah. Right. He's he, writing he's that first book. Going to be helping with the one shots that kick off the yes, the thing. yes. But um, he, they haven't announced the title for him yet. Hmm. A lot to do of Superman's son in this DC Rebirth. I was actually reading all the descriptions for all the new books the other day, and like almost all the Superman books seem dealing with Superman's mm-hmm. son. Is that a character that exists right now, or is that something new they're adding with the Rebirth? Uh, that that might be the Rebirth right there, Jake. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I, I have no idea, actually, though. Um, we're, I, okay, I was really excited at first, Ryan, when I read... All books are going to be at a two ninety nine price point. Uh, yeah. and, That's not true. And what did no. they do? What did they do? Well, it is true, but what did they do, Ryan? Uh, is it, it's only the uh, twice monthly books or something? Yes, isn't it? yes, yeah. twice monthly books. So I was excited. Two ninety nine books. So there's yeah. three ninety nine books still. Yeah, but yeah, the, the two ninety nine books are twice monthly. Yeah. yeah, so you're, so you're paying even more for you're that. You're paying game. more. And it's like Batman and Superman too and because And Flash. Yeah. Well, Batman and Superman is the worst because they have detective action. and action yes. and those and the like figure name titles are both twice monthly, so it's basically yeah. Batman and Superman weekly. Yeah. And Green Lantern's going to have that going on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two Green Lantern books that are both twice monthly. Yeah, but like with the shakeup of creative teams, I mean, they're going to have my money for like at least for the first like month at least. I really debate on how long both the two ninety nine and the twice monthly thing will go on. I think. Uh, well, that's that- why they've got so many different artists like linked to s- different books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's kind of like a reaction. Like DC hasn't been doing great uh, compared to Marvel. 
like as far as sales and stuff. Yeah, so, but a lot of that can be attributed to fucking uh, Marvel having Star Wars now too. Yeah, and Marvel just doing their own number ones. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, DC will at least take over a couple of months here. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if they're thinking like the twice monthly will because like I don't think that'll keep it going like because Batman and Robin Eternal did great in sales for a little bit but it's no longer nowhere on the charts now that it's 27 issues in all I'm saying is 3D lenticular covers my man <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm hoping for more, more die cuts you know I bought up all of those <laughs> nice really good value on that DC Rebirth launch book though it's like 80 pages and it's 2.99 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's written by Jeff. It's their best creators on that, too. So. 40 pages of ads. Yeah. I'm, I, I will. I'm sure there will be just a whole bunch of uh, single page splashes of like promoting each book kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I hope they have like the fold out poster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm going to buy that book day one digital, I think. Yeah. The oh, yeah. launch book. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to get my hands on that, especially with it being like a, a super big book. That'd be fun to have in, in the hands and see it all spread out. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll kind of be like the series catalog of DC Rebirth where I can oh, like totally will use be. it to decide if I want to read any of these other titles or not. Because mm. I don't know. Just the descriptions and the creators really have – nothing has really made my head explode yet. Yeah. yeah a lot of people are comparing this to, um, to New 52. And I think they really did learn a lot of things from that event. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get this 80-page book because – Flashpoint happened, and then you just had New 52, mm-hmm. and there is little to no explanation. Like two years into it, they did a, a zero year, and that made it even more confusing. So I think they're doing the right thing by setting up both uh, that 80-page uh, Rebirth special and then Rebirth issues for each title to kind of let you know where your character sits. Yeah, that's very odd, too, how it's like it's like they're doubling down on number ones. Yeah, I, I thought that too. Like, not only are you getting twice monthlies, but you get a bonus number one on top of your number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> DC Batman Rebirth number one and then Batman number one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everybody's saying, I mean, Marvel just did it too. I mean, Marvel had, uh, a lot of books had two number ones last year for Marvel. Did yeah. they really? Within the same month? No, no they'd go the like, month, the they'd go year. like five issues. Like, yeah. a Hawkeye. Had the same creative team. They went five issues and then rebooted with number one. Squirrel Girl did the same thing, correct? Yep. Squirrel yeah. Girl was on there too. Yeah. <laughs> five issues is better than two number ones in a month, though. That's that's a little bit redundant. Yeah, but if you're calling it like a number one rebirth and yeah. then you jump into the actual fucking – this was just like here's five issues of Hawkeye. Yeah. And now we're just renumbering for no reason <laughs> with the same creative team. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. It was only five issues? Yes. Of, of the Jeff Lemire? Yeah. No, it yeah, was, it was five th- issues of that. And then it was pretty much the same story. Yes. The same creators, uh, just, you know, a new number one. Well, yeah. same thing with uh, Silver Surfer, uh, Slot, and All Red. They, oh, the, they yeah. went a, a lot of issues, but they just renumbered. Yeah, it was with 12 a number issues, w- actually. And then it went back to one. And then sure. it went back to one. But it wasn't a fresh jumping on point. You still, if you jumped on to number the second volume of Slot and All Red Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. and you jumped on, you'd have no idea what's going on. Yeah, there's this Don Greenwood character, you know, basically the Doctor's companion, 
mm-hmm. and you would have to read like that whole other volume to understand like that even that comparison right there. Number one is just a way to sell issues, dude. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I've been I, in the no, comic business a lot. But it time. should be a jumping on point. That's what you think yeah. as a new reader, and it clearly was not. I agree. Uh, DC's doing the same thing though. Like if the number one comes after another number one. Then I'm questioning that. The yeah, previous because- number one is the jumping on point, not the one that comes out two weeks later. Because of these creators, <laughs> uh, Venditti is still going to be doing a Green Lantern book, and he's done like the last like uh, maybe 50 issues of Green Lantern. You know, yeah. So it's like, is is he really going to be doing the same Hal Jordan? You know, is that like a continuation of this Hal? And then you know, the other book by Sam Humphreys is something different. You know, yeah. like, what's I Sam would- Humphreys doing? He's going to be doing the other Green Lantern book. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't remember which is which. One is like Green Lantern, and the other one is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Are you guys going to read any of the DC Rebirth Green Lantern stuff? Uh, I'm sure the other slobs will, but yes. not really my cup of tea. No, me neither. I don't know what has to happen in that DC Rebirth number one for me to be buying Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I, I will admit, I do. I, going back and reading Jeff Johns' Green Lantern, mm-hmm. it is really good. Yeah. But that is like a like one of the best stories. It's just really not a character that I really dig. So. See, the thing is, well, like I I like the Jeff Johns stuff, and then like when, and I was really wanting to like the Justin Jordan stuff when he took over too. Mm. I don't know if he took over the main title of Green Lantern, but I know he did one of the books, and I think I dropped off after the first issue that I read. Yeah. And I yeah, love Justin Jordan. People can carry it the same way that he did. Yeah, exactly. Is Green Lantern going to be one of the books that's out every week? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, oh, so it's going to be like... Gr- that's, that's been one of DC's like top sellers for a long time now. God, the movie didn't sink that ship? Nope. Wow. That's impressive. Because, yeah, because like that's how strong like Jeff Johns' writing was. It's, it's, it's yeah. Th- and there was like, dude, there was so many fucking Green Lantern books, Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, there's uh, fucking they they did uh, uh hell. Colin Bunn was doing a Sinestro book. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's still going on. I don't know if he's writing it, but yeah. Sinestro. I don't. I don't think it'll be in Rebirth, but it is up until then. I'm glad that we're getting a Supergirl book finally. Yeah, you know me. I'm a big Supergirl TV fan. Well, we so. had her new Fifty Two. I know, but see what happened with that is it started off great. That series started off wonderfully, and then what they did is they did a crossover event with like the Red Lanterns. Yeah, and it ruined that entire fucking storyline. <laughs> and then they, they like the Blackest Night thing to come. Yes, and then what they did was they introduced the new Lobo into Supergirl, mm-hmm. and that was fucking horrible. <laughs> and so I dropped off. I dropped off a of Supergirl. You know what made me drop off of Aquaman was when they did the whole fucking like uh, they did like a crossover event too oh yeah, yeah, yeah and i was just like fuck i'm off aquaman and i love jeff john's aquaman who's doing I, aquaman this time around i don't know i hope it's not jeff parker because i hated that fucking run yeah i liked his t-bolts do you know who's doing aquaman no i don't i'd have to look it up but uh it's it is it dan abnett oh that's right it is oh man i love dan abnett. i'm picking it up <laughs> Yeah, that oh, might have just hit my list too. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it's Dan Abnett, so I'm definitely going to be picking it up. And see, that's sort of the thing. I'm glad they are kind of doing that rebirth number one, because that's kind of like a taste also. At least you can check out that book and that set you up, and you can kind of know if you want to commit to the ongoing series or yeah. not. Yeah, maybe the rebirth number ones will be more of a self contained story than the 
ongoing series number ones, mm-hmm. which will feel like part one of a trade paperback. Right. It's just going to be kind of like a Marvel Point One book. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Why? No, that's a terrible comparison because Marvel Point One books are like the worst fucking things ever. I yeah, hate Marvel Point Even Number One. <laughs> yeah, they were they were not what these are going to be. I, I well, true, and I I hate spending fucking five ninety nine for a book. Oh, number man. one. So if I'm going to get eighty pages for two ninety nine, I'll pick up Rebirth. But I agree, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's let's, let's uh, let, Ryan. What do you last thoughts? Because I gotta I gotta stop here real quick. I was just saying, kind of like what you brought up in a previous episode, like Rebirth sounds like with it being all new number ones, like something scary. Mm-hmm. But the, he, like the guy in the email says, like, this is like really exciting. The creator teams they have lined up. It yeah. has a lot of potential. So yeah. I am eager for it. I agree. This is the most excited I've I've been talking about DC in like 100 episodes. I think, I, honestly, I think uh, I'm just going to say it. DC Rebirth is basically Marvel now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, all right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back and we'll be back with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Smoke. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to be jumping into a segment we call Good Pop, Bad Pop. As soon as I can, I can't even find it. Good Pop. <laughs> nice, nice. Bad Pop. Yeah, I can't even find it. It's not even available. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> <I can't> even... <laughs> back to the dive bar podcasting. I cannot find the bumper. It doesn't exist right now. All right. All right. Yeah, it's time now for Good Pop. Oh, we're really not going to play the buffer? I don't have it. <laughs> it's not on my soundboard. So, yeah, welcome to Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bad Pop. That's like the chicken pox. <laughs> Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. And uh, we could be rating these things, uh, toss it, taste it, or Tupperware. I wanted to start off real quick with uh, three things uh, for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the uh, the trial of O.J. Simpson. Okay. It wrapped up. Yes. I absolutely – Didn't that end like 15 years ago? Well, the actual <laughs> – the, the actual trial ended like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> I was surprised, man. He they they found him not guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a shock, man. Riots happened. 
I was blown away. No, I'm going to Tupperware this whole fucking season. Yeah. So good. Such a great series, man. That, that last episode was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, you know, we all know the story, but I think it kind of like, for me, growing up as a teenager while it was going on, I didn't follow everything on the, uh, on the TV and. No. And everything. So it was like, it was nice to get an inside look at, to like, you know, what was happening. Um, and then, uh, they also ended it with like a, uh, um, the picture of, uh, Nicole, what's not Nicole, what's her name? That's, that's her. Nicole Simpson? Yeah. Yeah. Nicole Brown Simpson. Nicole Simpson. They, they showed her picture and then, uh, what's his name? Goldman, Ron Goldman. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that, man. It was, I loved it. I loved the trial of OJ Simpson. I thought it was great. So are you on board for season two of American Crime Story, no matter what the case? Uh, it depends on the case, really. Okay. So not no matter what the case. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the case. But like for this, I loved it. Thought it was great. I've got it all hovering in my DVR still. I need to watch it. Finished, uh, I talked last week about the ranch with, uh, Ashton Kutcher and Danny Masterson, and Sam Elliott, Deborah Winger, mm -hmm. uh, Alicia Cuthbert, Brett Harrison. Tupperware this, man. Really? So much fun. You were wondering if you were going to get there. Yeah, I loved it. I as I laughed out loud. Great. If you want, if you, I love it because it's like all available. You can all, you can watch every episode on Netflix. It was so funny. I love this series. Right. The Ranch no, on Netflix. Did you say that was one where you'd want to binge it kind of thing? Or did it keep you going episode after episode? I, I would probably watch like two to three episodes a day. Okay. It was nice. One. It was. It was just like one of those really fun shows. That it was just nice to know that it was there when I wanted to watch it. And so, like when there was nothing else on TV, when when I watched everything else, it was like, okay, let's watch The Ranch. Yeah, exactly. I feel like everything on Netflix falls into one of those two categories. You yeah. watch everything available, or I'll watch this, you know, for the next month. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, whenever it's available, uh, I, I just felt like. You know, oh, okay, I've watched Walking Dead this week. Oh, I've watched Rebels this week. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, wh what else do I have to watch? Oh, The Ranch is there. Let me watch that. And it was, it was just great. It's so good. It's so funny. Uh, and then finally, I wanted to just kind of tease, um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Tosh. Yeah. Daniel Tosh, uh, usually if you want to see a stand-up, you have to go see him in person. Um, I've seen him in person twice. Um, he is hilarious. His stand-up is great. Uh, I watched Tosh.0, but it's like Tosh.0 is a different animal. It's not stand-up. Yeah. Daniel Tosh live in front of audiences is a completely different thing. He'll talk about his family. He'll talk about the NFL. He'll talk about everything. Hilarious. Yeah, I really love the recorded ones that he has out there. They're yes. Really good. Uh, he's got his new uh, comedy special, and I urge everyone – to watch this. It's coming out on April 17th. It's a Sunday. It's on Comedy Central. So next Sunday. Okay. It's called People Pleaser. I urge everyone, if you, if you're not familiar with Daniel Tosh, uh, if you don't watch Tosh.0, you don't have to, to appreciate this stand-up act. It's this new act. It's called People Pleaser. It's coming on Comedy Central on April 17th. So I urge everybody to watch it. You don't need the Daniel Tosh continuity. You don't. No. <laughs> throw, throw, throw the Tosh.0 continuity out the window. All the Tosh canon has been wiped. It's been wiped clean. 
Well, like you said, that is a completely different animal. Than it is. Santa. It is. It is. Like, like, cause I'm used to him on Tosh.0, you know, and, and you get a little bit of the stand up in Tosh.0. He, he, he does make NFL jokes. He makes, he fucking, uh, always is ripping on Derek Rose from the Chicago Bulls and stuff like that. But he's always doing like the soup kind of green screen, making fun of viral videos, doing the right. web redemptions. This is kind of like a more intimate look into his life. He talks about, you know, relationships. He talks about his girlfriends. He talks about his family. Uh, he, he doesn't even think he's the funniest one in his family. He thinks he gets his twisted sense of humor from his sister. Yeah. Uh, the, the, his stand-up comedy is, is fantastic. He's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I urge everybody to watch it. Comparing it to the show, like, you're not gonna have the obligatory, like, naked Tosh moment on, during his stand-up. Right, right. Like, the gratuitous puke scenes. Right. Like, <laughs> his comedy is completely different from that. Yes. And it's a Tupperware, so I urge everybody to watch People Pleaser. I'll probably be talking about it in, on episode 135 after I've had a chance to see it. Um, Jake, what do you have for me this week? I watched the uh, new Max Landis movie, Mr. Right. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, it was released in the theaters and on iTunes the same day. Yeah, it's actually playing here in Peoria. I, oh, is it? Yeah, I kind of wanted to go see it this morning, but I, I didn't. I, I, it's, I wanted to hear what your review first. Yeah, I um, the basic plot of this movie, before I get into it, is a girl falls for the perfect guy who happens to have a very fatal flaw. He's a hitman on the run from the crime cartels who employ him. Um, this movie is directed by Paco Cerebus. Um, written by Max Landis, as I stated. Um, and it's got a pretty extensive cast. It's um, Sam Rockwell as the lead, the Mr. Right character. Um, Anna Kendrick as the girl that falls for him. It has Tim Roth in it. It has uh, Anson Mount is in this movie. Ooh. And uh, the RZA is in this movie as well, too. So, hey, that sounds awesome. Yeah, um, and I'm going to, right off the bat, I'll say I will give this movie a, a taste-it, a very okay. strong taste-it, okay. though. Definitely leaning towards the high taste-it to Tupperware more than, like, the Batman v. Superman low taste-it leans towards the, uh, the old toss-it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for spelling that out. Yeah. I now have a, a line chart of you know, Taste It's by Jake. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Taste It's by Jake, a new segment um, coming next week. <laughs> of Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell anyway, and he was fantastic in this movie. Um, his performance was a Tupperware. Is this your first exposure to Anson Mount, though? Yes. Okay. I've never seen Anson Mount in anything besides okay. this. Okay. Okay. So, uh, get to that when you want to. I will. I will. I will. Um, Sam Rockwell is great. He plays this hitman character, and what's unique about him is people contract him to do hits, and then he goes and assassinates the person that hired him. <laughs> that's great! And that's like his gimmick. Like In the very first five minutes of the movie, you see him showing up at this woman's hotel room and uh, saying, hey, she's like, aren't you supposed to be in such and such state and everything? <laughs> and he's like, murder is wrong, and then he kills her. <laughs> That's great, and it's it's a very fun play on the like the hitman type of movie and everything. And I, this movie is it still in a, okay? Just hearing that mm -hmm. and seeing it happen in the movie, 
would be awesome. But like hearing you say that now, is this movie still worth watching? It's still worth watching. Okay. This is the first five minutes of the movie. I really like these movies that are kind of genre bending too. And I think this movie's really good at that. It's like well, very that's totally Max Landis. Yeah. It's very rom com at times, but then it's got that whole like hitman assassin, like action sequence thing going on and everything that yeah. you don't get in your typical rom coms. Like almost it's almost like a perfect date movie. Because you're getting the rom-com aspect and you're getting like – and the action, the fight choreography is really well done. Like I didn't know Sam Rockwell had it in him with some of the fight choreography and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's like really goofy and quirky and he's like dancing and whistling the entire time. He's like fighting all these people and everything. It, it was really well done. And I thought Anna Kendrick – I'm not the, the biggest fan of her. I mean – I've seen Pitch Perfect and jumped out before Pitch Perfect too. Yeah, and, but I thought she was great when she hosted SNL, and when she's with Sam Rockwell, she is a Tupperware too. Like the mm-hmm. two of them have great chemistry, chemistry. together yeah. in this movie. Okay, good. And it's really funny. Um, I thought the the biggest thing keeping this movie from being a Tupperware to me was it's very predictable. Mm-hmm. Like it's ninety minutes long and about a half an hour in. Like anyone that's seen. 10 movies can tell you how this thing's going to wrap up. Ah, And that was kind of annoying to me. And I thought it in my head and then it happened. And it's like to the point where you're like waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Oh, okay. It was the obvious ending. How was Anson Mount? Anson Mount was okay. He doesn't, Ah. he doesn't have the biggest juiciest role on this, but he he was not bad at all. He basically plays like, he plays a guy (laughs) that is like a hitman type guy and everything. And his brother is trying to set up Sam Rockwell to kill Anson Mount. Is he a villain? He's he's basically a villain, See, yes. See, and that, that upsets me because I, I think Max Landis is so good mm-hmm. at villains yeah. in these movies. Um, you know, like an American Ultra. Uh, who's the actor uh, that was in... Uh, Walter Hitler? Goggins. Walter Goggins. Uh, he was so great with his direction with Walter Goggins and that character. And it's like... You know, under Max Landis, I was expecting a lot more than him being okay. Yeah, he wasn't, there was nothing super special about him. And in fact, I, without ever seeing him before, I didn't even know who he was until the end of the movie. They do the thing where they show each character and then the actor's name like pops up. Right. And I was like, oh, that was Anson Mount. Mm-hmm. Nothing too special in this movie. That sucks. Like I didn't get the Anson Mount charm. Yeah. From seeing just this movie. Watch Hell on Wheels. Okay. So. That's a show, right? Yeah, it's AMC. Uh, they are going to get a fifth and final season. So um, The RZA, though, was probably the breakaway person in this, not counting the two leads. The RZA was absolutely hilarious. And I don't even want to talk about his part in the movie because I, I assume you're going to see this at some point. Oh, I will. Absolutely. But the humor involving his character, he's like basically one of the henchmen that works for Anson Mount and his brother is absolutely hysterical. Like, some of the funniest moments involved the RZA, and I, I thought he was really good. I actually think you'll like this movie more than I did. Okay. So, and I, and I did not dislike it by any means, right. but I wouldn't be surprised if you high-tasted it, even Tupperware, this movie. Hmm. I, I'd be very shocked if you tossed it. Okay. Like, I would just be blown away. You said that it was uh, iTunes and theatrical? Yes. it's. And- uh, I think it's 8 bucks to rent on iTunes, or you can just go ahead and buy it for fourteen ninety nine. And which? How did you see it? I, I got it on iTunes. Okay. Do you think uh, you're missing out of anything on like not seeing it in the big screen? I feel like it's the perfect kind of movie that you don't need to see on the big screen. I don't think it had really like amazing cinematography by any means, or like amazing scenery or anything like that. I don't think you're missing anything. I mean, in, like my TV is like fucking sixty inches, and most people are sitting on the same kind of thing at their homes too. Right. 
So, what about sound wise and things like that? No, I don't think you're missing out on anything spectacular. All right, just kind of curious about yeah, this. I, th- I think save save yourself some money and get it on iTunes. Stay Even, home. Yeah. So, I, and I I'd like to see more movies like this. Like, unless it's like your Star Wars or your fucking Marvel movie or your big event movie, like your Jurassic Park or whatever the heck. Like, I almost prefer to just sit sit at home and watch. Well, see, the uh, Snowpiercer was released on iTunes and it was out in theaters, and I'm glad I got the theater experience with Snowpiercer. I feel like Snowpiercer is more so than this something you'd want to see in the theater. You think the award winning movies should be out in theaters, right? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I, I don't know. I just don't think this this movie was mostly just like funny, quirky, not known for its amazing sound see, effects. Let's say you saw this with a theater in a theater that had like twenty to thirty people in it yeah. opening night. Do you think that that might have changed like your rating? Like if, if you have like a bunch of people that are showing up that are Sam Rockwell fans or Max Landis fans, and then like you you know what I mean? A lot of times the crowd can get you more into a movie than 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 watching it in home. That's home. true, but there's such a small window for that time with this movie like unless you're seeing it opening night like, yeah but by, by the time you're seeing it on tuesday the week it comes out you're seeing it by yourself that's true anyway yeah. so I, I you make a great point if you see it opening night with 20 plus people that are all into the whole premise and mm-hmm. actors that are in it that can increase the fun and how much enjoyment you have for the movie right but i mean that being said i had a lot of fun watching it by myself yeah so it was really good tim roth like i said is also in it mm-hmm. he's basically sam rockwell's like nemesis they used to be partners and now tim roth is also trying to kill sam rockwell right and their interplay was really great so yeah i highly recommend this movie okay very good I'll watch it. Yeah. I will definitely be watching this. I'm a big Max Landis fan. I love Anson Mount. I love Sam Rockwell. So uh, I wanted to talk real quick uh, about two movies that I saw on Netflix recently. Okay. And by recently, I mean this morning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Rather than seeing that m- movie, you watch these. I, I wrapped up some show notes last night. So I had all my show notes done. So I'm sitting around this morning uh, with nothing to do. So the first thing I started off watching was Netflix said because of my interest in whatever the fuck I watched or something. <laughs> they said I should <laughs> – yeah. They said I should watch a movie called Mountain Men, um, which I'm glad that they did. It stars Tyler Labine. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Tyler Labine going back from, you know, uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil, uh, to my first exposure with him, uh, watching Reaper. Uh, I, I even loved Ton- sons of Tucson on Fox, the show that everyone hated, but I loved because I love the little kid and I love fucking Tyler. I love Tyler. Lee. I don't even remember this show. Yeah. It was like on for like six episodes canceled. He also did a show called animal practice, which was canceled. Uh, he, uh, was also, Oh, Tyler, the Tyler Labine was in, uh, the uh, season premiere of The X-Files, he played the stoner. Okay. Which I found out he played the stoner in an X-Files episode from like 1994 or some shit. Oh, wow. So wow. They, they brought that character back as a stoner in his still, uh, late 30s. Still stoning it up. <laughs> yeah, still stoning Nothing's it up. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I'm a huge fan of Tyler, Tyler Levine. I, I can't say his name correctly, <laughs> but I'm a huge fan of his. And so... I watched Mountain Men, and um, I guess my rating's going to be a little bit biased mm-hmm. because I am a fan. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. It was about a brother uh, and his estranged brother coming back to this mountain kind of like community. 
Uh, his brother moved off to New York City and became like this big corporate business guy and shit like that. And his brother comes back for his mother's wedding and uh, Tyler Labine is trying to reconnect reconnect with his brother. And so he takes him up to like this uh, mountain um, – uh, they've got like a mountain retreat up there. Okay. And he, Tyler tells him like, oh, there's a squatter staying in this, uh, you know, this shack, our, our dad's shack. Their dad died. And there's a squatter staying there, I've heard, and we've got to kick him out. Tyler basically just uses that as an excuse to, like, get his brother up there so they can spend the whole weekend together. He misses his brother. It's Aww. his younger brother, and he misses them. And it's about two brothers, like, like reconnecting. And there are some great dramatic moments in this, and there are some very funny moments in this movie. I Tupperware it, but I'm also biased about Tyler the Bean. I think he's great. I th- what do you think, like, as an outsider looking in, if you don't have that um, connection to uh, Tyler Labine. I think you'll give it a taste. I think there's definitely some value here, but on the flip side, I could see somebody on the outside saying, oh, it's another movie where the brother's been gone for a long time, comes back home and rediscovers himself. Mm. Okay? Okay. Here we are. We're overcoming some great odds because they do overcome a lot. It's two guys trapped up in the mountain. One gets injured. Honestly... But I'll be honest with you. I think this movie was better than Everest, which came out last summer. Okay. And it's, it deals with the mountains. So I, I Tupperware this movie being a Tyler Bean fan. Next movie I saw this morning was um, – it's a documentary about the basketball player Allen Iverson. Okay. Uh, from the Philadelphia – he was most no, mostly known for his uh, career with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's called Iverson. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Netflix. If you're not a basketball fan, it doesn't matter. If you've watched, if you're not a basketball fan, if you and you've watched Hoop Dreams mm-hmm. and you loved Hoop Dreams, you'll love this because this movie is absolutely phenomenal. It's a Tupperware. I learned a lot of stuff about Allen Iverson that I did not know. This was like one of the most prolific guards of the '90s and early 2000s ever, but he had kind of like a uh, very. Um, a lot of people didn't agree with a lot of decision, decisions that he made. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like lumped in with like that thug type of basketball player. Okay. That a lot of America wasn't ready for mm-hmm. back then. Cause yeah, who he did, broke a lot of dress code rules, right? Exactly. They, they, well, they instituted the whole dress code because of Allen Iverson. Right. Um, well, it's one of those things where like they start off with like him and his childhood and like how he is a gifted athlete. They talk about, you know, the people that helped raise him. He didn't have a father. His father was in and out of prison. Uh, he, he even watched his father go into prison the last time his father went to prison when he was like 13. Watched them cut, they watched, he watched the police cuff his father. Oh. Um, this guy was just a gifted athlete. I didn't know that Allen Iverson was such a great football player. I did not know that either. He was a fantastic football player and they show some of like his highlights as a as a like a you know a young football player and uh, and then they and of course they go into the basketball. Um they go into his uh college uh, high school years when he played at a uh, high school in Virginia. He was involved in a uh he was involved in uh, something that came out into the news that actually broke national news. He was kind of like a high school phenom. And um, had a lot of uh, college, 
college uh, teams looking at him, wanting to get him to join their, uh, you know, that the campus and and play for for the, their college. Now the thing is that he went to a bowling alley one night and kind of like a, a racial fight broke out within the bowling alley. Oh wow! And the community in Virginia, there was a lot of backwards people that are still very racist. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is Allen Iverson on tape, they, somebody recorded this, a fight breaks out, and it's a racial fight between white and black. They've got Allen Iverson on tape walking away from it and leaving. Mm. But because he was the most uh, well-known person that was there at the yeah. time, him and his friends were linked to this fucking race fight. Okay. And they got sentenced to five years in prison. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. And um, Did he serve those? Did he get a good attorney? The governor, it comes out, the governor uh, actually pardons him and his friends mm-hmm. um, seven to eight months after this happens, and he gets out. Good. Um, yeah, he had nothing to do with it. But that's like, like that, that's where his story starts, really. And Allen Iverson is his own man, and he was his own man in the NBA. And a lot of people were like, "This is back before NBA players like were like wearing tattoos, like sleeves. Like you'd have like an occasional tattoo, mm-hmm. but like Allen Iverson was the first one to rock the sleeves. Yeah, and he was the first one to rock the cornrows. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, with like, and a lot of people, a lot of a lot of a lot of people in basketball that have been watching over the years, man. They're used to just like okay, you know, clean cut, mm-hmm. no tats, no no cornrows, you know, all that shit. And it's like, dude, he just he's just wearing cornrows. That doesn't mean that he's like necessarily a thug. No, like okay, if I was an African American, I would want to. If I was a young African American, I would want to do certain things with my hair that I could just because. That's what I can do. It's a different style. Yeah. Just like if an African American was a white person, they would do like, oh, okay, I'm going to get like a crew cut or mm. like I'm going to rock a Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really weird. Uh, like around that time, it didn't make much sense because you got to think like earlier we just had Dennis Rodman alongside Jordan winning championships. And I know he was really weird and that's yeah. completely different too. Yeah. It, yeah. It felt weird that they would come down on this guy when before like there was a much more uh, flamboyant person who went about these things. Oh, this is post Dennis Rodman? Well, okay. Let me explain this. Dennis Rodman's change actually didn't happen until he joined the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman, when he was with Detroit, was – he did look clean cut. Right. Dennis Rodman said that the flip happened where he felt like there was one – there was one day in his life he was very unhappy with himself. He felt like he hadn't been true to himself. It's in his book. There's a there was a night in Dennis Rodman's life where he says he's sitting in a pickup truck. He's sitting in a truck and he's got a shotgun pointed at his at his head. And he's like, I can't, I I, I don't want to live. I don't want to live anymore. And then the fl- the switch goes on. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to be myself. And when when he walked out of that truck that night, 
that's when he became like Dennis Rodman with the green hair, with you know wearing the dresses, getting all tatted up. Party Rodman, fun time Rodman. Yeah, that's where the switch happened. He's like, this is me. This is not. This is who I am. It's not a persona. This is me. Okay. Right. I've been upset. I've been depressed for so long because I've been repressing this shit. This is who I am. And that's what like that like Iverson knew what he was doing. He he was like, you know what? This is who I want to be. He he wanted to do the rap. He did but the, on the flip side, he didn't understand like when he did like the rap music and it was like really um like R-rated explicit. He didn't realize like how many kids were like looking up to him and how Oh, they, yeah. Yeah. So it was never commercially released and all this stuff. But like you know, he, he, he's made some decision, decisions in his life, but he doesn't regret any of those, of those decisions. Um, it, and it, it talks about like him making it to the NBA finals back in 2001, which I w- I was, I was definitely watching that series, man. And, uh, uh, it also talks about like everybody that knows Allen Iverson. Like the main quote he's known for is like, uh, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Yeah. That's the main quote everybody knows because Allen Iverson in his career, there was a time where the media, like there were rumors about him not showing up to practice or showing up to practice late. And basically the media blew up this soundbite of him saying, we're talking about practice. Like he's downplaying it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, practice is not important. I'm a leader on this team. I'm like, you know, I'm like a leader on this team, but I don't need to show up to practice. And they blew that the fuck up. Yeah, like he wasn't a team player. Exactly. Yeah. And he had a he had a, like an old school coach at that time, Larry Brown. So you got this guy who's a young guy, mm-hmm. but you've got like your old school white coach, Larry Brown, and they're just button heads this entire time. And here here they are. The media is just playing this soundbite of like, oh, we're talking about practice now. Practice. The media played that one soundbite. They didn't play the full track. Mm. The full track was at the be- – he's talking about – first off, he's talking about them going to the NBA Finals the year before, mm-hmm. going up against the Lakers, going to the Finals and losing against the Lakers to being knocked out in the first round. After he talks about that, first off, he's upset that they're not talking about the game. Mm-hmm. They're talking about practice. Then he follows it up with – He's having a rough time in his life right now because one of his best friends from childhood was recently murdered. Mm. Oh yeah. Was and that's I didn't even know about this until I watched this. For years, me, I thought as a basketball fan that Iverson was talking about how oh practice is not important. Yeah, it's fucked up how the media can can change your Spin perception shit. on shit. Yeah. yeah. Allen Iverson was upset, number one. That his friend was fucking killed. And number two, he's upset that they're not talking about the game that he lost. Mm-hmm. They're talking about practice. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I didn't know these things. Coming out of this, even if you're not a basketball fan, I think you can get something from this. Coming out of this, though, I have a greater respect for Allen Iverson than I ever did. And you can say like, oh, Allen Iverson's in this now as an adult, like, uh, well, 40, 40 something years old now. And they did this with like his blessing. He was a part of this. So mm-hmm. it's trying to make him look good. It's a documentary, right? It's a documentary. But on the flip side, it's like, I, I learned a lot more about Allen Iverson that I didn't know before. And I respect the guy a lot more about what he's gone through with like, 
the racial bullshit that he had to fucking face in Virginia mm-hmm. to like, you know, like all the pressure that's being put on him as a black man in the NBA yeah. and still being true to himself. But like, I have a lot of respect for this guy that I didn't have before. I always respected him as a player, but I didn't know Allen Iverson, the man. And I feel like I know who Allen Iverson, the man is right now. And I feel like I, I respect this guy and all the fucking bullshit he went through because he was true to himself. And even though like people say he's broke, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have any money right now. I feel like this guy was fucking true to himself. And I think he can, I think he can lay down at night and still know that, you know, He's true to himself, and he's a good guy. You said that's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out now because uh, I'm not huge into basketball, but you know I've watched enough like documentaries and stuff on that, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, I don't, I can understand a lot of those decisions and stuff because they get swept up at a young age. He had a, a rough childhood, it sounds like, you know, and then yeah. you're kind of swept up in the circus that is like professional sports. I mean, even at the college level, you know how crazy that stuff is. Yeah. So, like, you know, of course, like, it, you know, the media can spin it however they want because he's just trying to, like, you know, he, like you said, he's trying to be himself amongst, uh, you know, the media doing one thing and the craziness of professional sports. And, and yeah, I, I really want to see this. It's, it's, it's really good, man. I, I Tupperware it, um, you know, after uh, and it took years it took years i think it was like 2001 before the nba finally realized that they need to have mentors for these young guys coming out of high school uh mentors nba mentors to talk to them about like hey let's be responsible with your money let's get fiscally responsible because like that's the first thing that happens man it's like some of these guys they fucking like you know stefan marbury uh antoine walker Allen Iverson, young guys coming in the NBA. They've never had this kind of money. And then the first thing that they want to do is they want to bring like the people that were like, you know, they're, they're fucking, you know, they're, they're, they're friends. They want to bring them along for the ride. Yeah. Some of them use them though. That's, that's, that's what's sad. And some of them, you know, some of them have agents that fuck them over. Yeah. You know, we've seen that in boxing. We've seen that with Tyson, with, uh, with, uh, with King and shit. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, they started implementing mentors in the NBA, which I thought was good, where older guys would talk to him about, hey, you know, you need to have, you know, you never know when your career is going to end. You need to put some money away. You need to be smart. There's no retirement plan. You hear about these giant million-dollar contracts all the time. Right. But there's, there's nothing in there tucked away for, for health or retirement or yeah. anything down the road. Yeah. So, and like you said, these guys are right out of high school, and, you know, they want to pay back all the other people that have helped them out. Yeah. And, before you know it, that's all gone. Exactly. And you don't want to hear stories about like guys like Antoine Walker that finally wins his first championship, makes hundreds of million dollars in the NBA with contracts. And the next thing you know, this guy is pawning his championship NBA ring yeah. for twenty thousand dollars just to fucking just to fucking uh to have money to put uh to put food on his family's table. You don't want to hear that. You know, it's like I've heard stories like I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. I Bob Love, who is like a Chicago fucking like fan favorite, played his heart out as a guard for Chicago Bulls. They find this guy on the fucking street living as a homeless man years later. Oh, that's crazy. So, you know, uh, you you just don't want to see – you don't want to see the business 
chew these kids up and spit them out. Right. And I, you know, so I, I, I highly recommend this. Even if you're not a basketball fan, I think that you can watch Iverson and get something out of this. I thought it was fantastic. Tupperware. Tupperware. Huh? Absolute Tupperware. Nice. Tupperware. And I walked away from this with a greater respect of Allen Iverson than I ever did. I had a huge respect for him as a player. The guy fought his heart out on the floor every night. I, I watched this guy, I watched this guy night in and night out just like, you know, just get his body beat up. And I knew that he loved the game of basketball and respected the game of basketball, but I didn't know Allen Iverson the man. And I feel like I know this guy now. And I feel like, I know this sounds fucked up because I'm a white man, but I feel like white America didn't understand Allen Iverson 20 years ago. Yeah, I can see that just from the way that the audience of basketball has changed in the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So. All right. Hey, hey, Ryan, what do you got for us this week, man? Uh, well, I do have a single comic book, and then I was going to bring up a game, too, kind of filling in for Frank not being around. Yeah, I got plenty of good pop, bad pop left, so we can stretch this out, Chief. Sweet. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Jughead, uh, kind of an interesting comic uh, that's kept me following along. Uh, to Ooh. quickly rate it. A Chip Zdarsky book, right? Yes, Chip Zdarsky with art by Erica Henderson. Uh, who does Squirrel Girl okay. for any fans of that that might be out there. Um, Jacob Harmon. Yeah, Jacob Harmon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I would I would rate it as a taste hit, like right in the middle. Um, but it's interesting how it got there. Like, of course, uh, I was picking up all the Archie books, and this fell under that. And Chip Zdarsky's hilarious, and Jughead is a favorite character of mine, so I figured I'd check it out. Um, every book in the this run has kind of fall, fallen into the same trope uh, where uh, Principal Weatherby was replaced by this new principal, Stanger, and uh, he is trying to turn the school into like a military training camp. And of course, Jughead is trying to mischievously counter this every way he can. Um, and they all kind of fall into, you know, Jughead getting written up. Uh, Jughead takes a nap. He has a wild dream where like an adventure happens. And then from whatever pirate or swashbuckling night adventure happens, um, he learns a lesson and then applies it to his real-life scenario kind of thing. Um, and so I was kind of getting tired of that, thinking about dropping it. Um, but this one kind of pulled me right back in because Jughead dreams about all of the Riverdale characters becoming superheroes. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yeah, so it brings it back into the cape idea of it. And, uh, you know, Chip Sadarsky's also watching, writing uh, Howard the Duck. Um, and there's another book he's writing. Plutona. So he's familiar. What? Plutona. Oh, yeah. No, Plutona is Jeff Lemire. No, uh, uh, Captara. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. I knew it ended with an A. <laughs> yeah, one of those weird sounding yeah, names. Yeah, Captara is the other book he's writing. Yeah, so he's very familiar with the genre. Um, and it's pretty awesome because not only... Uh, is it the kids from uh, Riverdale as superheroes? They're like this heart team that all have hearts on their chests to mimic like the Justice League. Um, but uh, they're going up against the kids from Sunnyside, who are basically like gender swapped versions of the Riverdale kids. <laughs> um, so they're kind of countering their own alternate dimension evil versions of themselves. Wait, so the the alternate version of Jughead doesn't wear a crown but a tiara? Uh, yeah, it's a girl with like a crown, like okay. hairpin. 
Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, man, I can't remember what her name's pretty hilarious too. Um, it, it's some nickname, you know, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll go with that for now. Dickhead sounds good. That is pretty hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, and the antics are just hilarious. Um, so uh, it's a two-parter. So we actually. You know, have to pick up the next issue to kind of see how the the superhero story and the outside of the dream story continues from here. So, uh, what, what was your rating? Taste it. I would say taste it. Yeah, because like I said, I was kind of on the verge of dropping this series, uh, and this pulled me back in. So, question for you: How many art, new Archie books are there? I'm reading the main Archie title, which I'm going to Tupperware. I absolutely love Mark Wade's Archie. Yeah, but. Uh, okay, so they've got Jughead. What else? Is there anything else? Uh, I don't think it's been released, but they were supposed to do a Betty and Veronica comic book. Was okay. originally slate that was on like the Kickstarter. Yeah, that they did to like start all this, which stuff. got fucking. They got rid of it. Right. Exactly. They got a lot of negative publicity for that. Yeah. Why they get? Because they're Archie and they have a Kickstarter. Yeah. Why does Archie? Yeah. Why does Archie need a Kickstarter? Yeah. They already had comics in publication. Mm-hmm. Why would Archie Comics need money to publish Archie? Yeah, it's like Marvel starting a Kickstarter to publish Spider-Man. Exactly. To, yeah, to publish Marvel team-ups. <laughs> yeah. Like, what you do? I, I what are they done with Afterlife with Archie? I, that's a fucking. I love that fucking book, and it's like yeah, it's just gone. We were kind of talking about that uh, at C2E2, and, and I think it's kind of like you said, like with the Riverdale TV series coming up, like the writer is really busy with that, yeah. and I'm sure art is hard to to keep up. But yeah, it didn't even finish like a second volume, yeah. so it's just kind of in the air, I'm yeah. sure. Mm, that's the worst, too. It's like by the time it comes back, you just won't even care. Yeah, it's it's lost all the momentum by now, but I mean... Kind of like uh, Captain America White, like with Jeff Loeb. Like some creators are able to spin that to their advantage years later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know you got something else. I'm going to jump into another movie review here real yeah, quick. Yeah, go for it, man. Uh, I, I watched uh, Hardcore Henry. Oh. Oh, yeah. I was curious to hear about this. Yeah, I saw this on Friday night. Uh, I was going to go to the... Uh, Hardcore Henry Ultimate Fan Experience. Is that a thing? It is a thing. It was a thing. It was a Thursday night premiere. No longer a thing. No longer a thing. (laughs) You had to go to an AMC theater. It was 20 bucks a ticket. Whoa. Uh, But you got to get a Hardcore Henry comic book, and then at the end of it, uh, there was going to be like a 20 to 30 minute uh, Q&A with Charlotte Copley, uh, and then the director, uh, who is Ilya Nyshuler. Uh, they were going to do kind of like a Q&A about Hardcore Henry. Oh, wow. I did not go to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did go see Hardcore Henry the very next night in a regular theater. Uh, the synopsis for Hardcore Henry. Uh, Hardcore Henry is an action film Wait, told from... Real quick, Brian. Yeah. Uh, you saw the softcore version of it? The softcore Henry? Since there's no, uh, there's no, uh, you know, Q and A or anything after it, you, you took the softcore fan experience. Uh, softcore Henry. I think so- me I'm and so- Jake both got that joke. We just didn't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking that up. It's actually no. It's actually really funny. It is. It is. It's really funny. It's good. It's. Good. I wish I would have thought of it. No, no, you don't have to. Just, just keep going with the movie. Thank, thanks for interrupting for that. Yeah. <laughs> they call that softcore Hank. Is what I think they call it. Softcore jokes. Yeah. yeah 
There we go. <laughs> Uh, Hardcore Henry is an action film told from a first-person sp- uh, perspective. Uh, you remember nothing, mainly because you've just been brought back from the dead by your wife. Uh, she tells you that your name is Henry. Five minutes later, you are being you are being shot at. Your wife has been kidnapped, and you should probably go back. Uh, get, go get her back. Who's got her? His name Aiken. Uh, he's a powerful warlord with an army of mercenaries. And a plan for world domination. You're also in an unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar city of Moscow, and everyone wants you dead. Everyone except for a mysterious British fellow named Jimmy. He may, he may be on your side, but you aren't sure. If you can survive the insanity and solve the mystery, you might just discover your purpose and the truth behind your identity. Good luck, Henry. You're likely going to need it. Uh, like I said, the director is uh, Ilya Nyshuler, uh, written by Ilya Nyshuler and Will Stewart. Uh, this movie stars uh, Charlton Copley as Jimmy, uh, Danila Kozlowski as Aiken, Haley Bennett, who looks exactly like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, as Estelle, and then Tim Roth plays Henry's father. Okay. <clears throat> I, uh, I watched this movie uh, within the first half hour mm-hmm. of watching this movie i am just like this movie is fucking amazing really i'm just like okay. i am blown away within the first half hour i'm having so much fucking fun with this movie um after the first half hour i'm just like why wasn't this movie only half an hour oh that's sad i've got 60 more minutes of the same shit <laughs> this movie should have been a short film. Mm. Sounds like a video game description that you read off. I was going to say the same thing. It sounded like you were selling me as this is the character I'll be playing for the next fucking yeah. five days. Like this, you're it, watching. It should be invested for hours, kind of thing. Yeah, you're watching a. You are watching a first person shooter. Mm. Um, very ambitious. Uh, you see everything through the eyes of uh, hardcore Henry. You see everything through his eyes. You see his hands extended as he's shooting guns. Everything, it never breaks that? It never breaks. Okay. Um, at the beginning, the, the opening credits are really cool. They show like, uh, a lot of like gratuitous violence. Mm-hmm. And you see like, you know, you see, uh, Henry like stab somebody through the neck and you see the blade, this like Rambo type knife go in through like one side of the neck out the other Mm -hmm. and you actually they cut to the other side of the guy's neck and you see it come out the neck oh wow it's all like in a like red filter hue Mm -hmm. but it's like very gratuitous they show like a bullet going through somebody's head and you see like the fucking forehead skin ripple and shit Mm. you follow the bullet through the head as it goes out the back of the head very gratuitous violence at the beginning of the opening credits which i thought was very cool i loved it I thought it was awesome. And then you go into this first-person shooter-type movie. Uh, they introduce you to, like, the character that's his wife. She tells you that, you know, uh, that she shows him, like, underwater. You don't hear anything because you're underwater. All of a sudden, like, she's, like, showing him his bionic arm and how powerful it is. She starts explaining to him, like, like, like they were married and that she loves him and his memories will come back to him and blah, 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 blah. 
they are then attacked by this fucking warlord named Aiken, who Aiken has like this crazy like telekinetic power. He he's almost got like the force where like he can like lift you with his mind okay. and use these mind powers. He is very over the top, reminds me of Crispin Glover in a lot of ways. Mm. His character is a toss it. He's a complete waste. Uh this movie is very cool visually for the first half hour. After that first half hour, it could have ended. This could have been a short. Mm. It's very awesome violence at the beginning. I was just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. But, like, it's a 96-minute movie of this. This movie should have been, like, a Kung Fury-type thing. If it could have been, like, a Netflix thing where it's, like, half an hour of this, I would have been all for it. That's awesome. But 90— A lot of people I heard say, like, oh, at least it's only an hour and a half. But that's just, like, way too long, you're saying? Yes, for this, it absolutely is, man. I Honestly, I think 45 minutes is max with this type of movie. Give us half an hour of the ultimate violence and shit. Show us. Give us that first person's perspective. And then leave the last 15 minutes of it to wrap it up with the villain, man. Just wrap it up. Yeah. Because this was just way too long and ambitious. I do applaud the use of Charlotte Copley in this movie. Mm-hmm. The use of that character is great. I was actually stunned by how they used that character. At the beginning, I was like, seriously, that's it? That's all we get? What the fuck? You fucking touted this guy so much at the beginning of this fucking uh, – in all the trailers, Charlotte Copley from District 9, Elysium, mm-hmm. from Powers, that actor. They they touted him so much in this movie and I'm like, that's it? The way they use him throughout the rest of the movie is absolutely amazing. He is a Tupperware. But you can only to- you can only take so much of the first-person view – in this mm-hmm. movie. And they really try. They really try to make it awesome. But they do they, they do like a motorcycle chase scene. Mm-hmm. They, they introduce a tank. They introduce helicopters. <laughs> uh, they do a lot. They really try here. They try really hard. But it just doesn't – after the first half hour where I'm thinking I'm going to Tupperware this movie. Yeah. An hour later, I'm like, come on, will you just end already? I've got to toss this movie. Oh, man. Um, it like fell off a cliff. That's yeah. crazy. It went from Tupperware to Honestly, toss. Honestly, I tell you, you know what? Go ahead. What you need to do is you need to watch the first half hour, leave the theater, mm-hmm. go do some shopping, come back and watch the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Or if you don't come back, just tell them a lie. Yeah. See the first half hour and then be like, oh, my God, I just got a call and I've got an emergency. Can yeah. I get my money back? Yeah. I can't stay for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 the movie's great. And then I think they, they get into like the whole like uh, there's like a whole like kind of like a brothel sex kind of scene. And the movie just kind of goes down from there. there. There's some cool scenes. But, man, this is just it's 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 a gimmick and you kind of learn that after the first half hour it, it's cool for 30 minutes after that dude i'm fucking like okay I, I i get it i get this movie yeah that's too bad does the the first person thing make you think you're the main character does it put you in that mindset ever i was curious about that i didn't feel like that Cause like when you play a first person video game mm-hmm. like that's the allure it's like look at me i can weld all these weapons and i can do all these things and everything i didn't feel like that i felt like i was watching like if you ever get on um if you ever get on like your ps4 or xbox and you go to Ustream or you go to twitch and you mm-hmm. just watch somebody else play a game it, yeah it felt like that oh uh, okay and you're watching the story mode and shit like that it felt like that but it didn't feel like i was playing 
Okay. So it didn't actually immerse you in the story. Like it, it was like the cheap gimmick it was going for. I didn't feel like it was like a choose your own adventure or like you were like that character. I I just felt like, you know, like we've all watched like just video of people playing games, first person games. Yeah. That'd be cool though. To me, that's if you're going to make a 90 minute feature film in a first person variety, Mm -hmm. that's the gimmick you want to achieve for. Yeah. Is make it, make it feel like you're, you know. Yeah. Maybe if I'm like rocking an Oculus Rift headset, but like in the theater, it just, it didn't work for me, man. I, I, I felt like Shalto Copley was like the main reason to watch this in the last hour. Mm. And after I, everything else after that first, I felt like I saw everything that they had to offer in the first half hour and mm. everything else was just like more the same. <sighs> That's too bad. That's a shame. I got to toss it. So, Oh, well, at least you guinea pigged it for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what else you got for us, man? Uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, recently Batman v Superman happened and uh, everybody who does a podcast, uh, did a podcast on that. Um, so to try to keep my, uh, opinion as pure as possible, I was like putting off all the podcasts I listened to and I went back to playing some video games, uh, and I finally tried out, uh, the Final Fantasy X uh, and X2 remastered. Um, I really only played the X half of it and I haven't even finished it yet but um i just kind of wanted to bring that up because i have been enjoying it quite a bit yeah nice yeah if i had to rate it i would say it's a it's a high taste it um but nostalgically a tupperware so of course that's why i I bought it because i had good memories of it on ps2 so i figured why not have it uh with a ps4 yeah i think i'm right there with you with the high taste it but nostalgia makes it a tupperware yeah, and uh, to kind of break it down to, like, different aspects of it, it, it's just, like, it is a PS2 game. Even though they put the word remastered in front of it, um, you can still kind of tell, like, they did try to upscale certain parts, um, but it still uh, has a lot of the things. Like, all the textures have been improved, uh, the resolution's clearly high definition and all of that, um, but that kind of makes the corners of the polygons and the, the stuff that they actually uh, built these characters with... Um, in that era kind of shine through even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I mean, my memory of it is like, so like the memory of it is so crisp and perfect. And in reality, now that it is cleaned up, it's like, Oh wow, this, this is kind of rough. <laughs> um, but, uh, and also like the audio, uh, I remember loving this game cause it was one of the first games with like voice actors. Yeah. That blew me away here in final fantasy characters talking. Yeah, yeah, it made it really cinematic. Um, and so that's why it was always one of my favorites. Um, and I realize now, especially since we work with audio as a hobby, um, that all the recordings are like sentence fragments and they just strung together like a bunch of short like wave files or things like that. Um, so it kind of makes a lot of the iconic uh, talking points like fall like it's like oh that's why they laugh so weird because they couldn't just record like a thirty second track. Hey hey Ryan, yeah, can I give you some audio right now to work with as a hobby? <laughs> Fuck no, you! I, I have enough of that. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> work with that. I will. I'll, I'll uh, piece it together tonight. Okay. I'll get back to you. Nice. Sorry. It'll be your next bumper. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. <laughs> no, that's good. You're right. This is a stupid hobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should but, abandon this hobby. 
<laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> um, but I really got back into it because uh, Ten has one of my favorite side games in it, which is the Blitzball minigame, yeah. which is kind of like a sports meets uh, turn base kind of idea. Jake, you didn't sound like you like Blitzball. Not, not the biggest fan of Blitzball. You've talked about how you liked like the uh, another mini game and like I think FF8, right? Yeah, I liked the FF8 and FF9 like card based mem- like right. mini games, Tetra I, Master or whatever the fuck it was called. I liked uh what was it uh was it Blatzball where they drink cheap beer? Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I I played the uh, the minor league version of it. It was Schlitzball. Schlitzball. <laughs> Schlitzball. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I finally got into that part where I can draft my own team of weird looking Final Fantasy characters and uh, you know play the final uh, the fantasy uh, you know football of Final Fantasy games. What's what's the end game of Blitzball? I forget. You get like Waka's like limit break or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you, you get the pieces that help make his final weapon, his like ultimate weapon, and okay. the things that break like the nine 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 damage. Yes, yes. So yeah, if you want to have you know the strongest Waka possible, <laughs> Waka Waka, play a lot of Blitzball. Man, that that game makes you sound so stupid when you describe it. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but yeah, it's it's for nostalgia purposes. It's been really great, um, but it is hilarious. Like looking back and seeing uh, the things we were entertained with uh, long ago. Yeah, wow. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but I guess it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, at least uh, over ten years. Yeah, wow. Final Fantasy Ten is over ten years old. That makes me feel old. That makes it seem even worse now that you know Final Fantasy Fifteen is taking so long to come out. Yeah, it's taking forever to come out. Yeah, they did three of those games during the PlayStation era. Yeah, they did. So, one like every other year, basically, right? Yeah. So, and that—that's uh, my terrible video game review. Hey, what? Well, it is Frank. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, now, um, what was your rating on it? It was uh, high tasted. Oh, high tasted. <laughs> okay. All right, still terrible. Yeah, um, I, I Tupperwareed it long ago. <laughs> fucking with you. Uh. I, we're going to talk about the Walking Dead season finale after we get back from break. But before we break, I want to talk about one last thing for Good Pop, Bad Pop before we talk about the Walking Dead season finale. Um, Jake, I have a question for you, though. Yes. Did you watch any of Erased? No. Okay. You, are you planning on it, though? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I yeah, did. I'm planning on looking that up, too. I really loved your review last oh, week. Dude, it's so good. My review sucked, but, man, that fucking show is awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you mix sci-fi and all that other stuff together, and it sounds great. It's so. awesome. Trust me. Watch Erased. It's on Crunchyroll. Uh, the first season's available. It's fantastic. I watched uh, – there's a new – a brand-new anime. Uh, they're two episodes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Crunchyroll. It's called The Lost Village. Okay. Uh, let me try to explain this fucking show. Uh, it's, uh, a group of 30 young men and women go on a bus tour to Nanaki Village. It's a rumored village. It's a shadowy village with an urban legend of being a utopia. Upon arrival, they discover the village has no inhabitants with small signs of life that are slowly deteriorating. The truth of Nanaki has yet to be discovered. So that's like the synopsis of the Lost Village. 
Do you want me to talk about my experience of watching The Lost Village? Yeah, how lost were you? Check this fucking shit out. Okay, here you are. Like, me, as, like, I'm brand new to anime. Okay. Like, I grew up, I watched fucking Akira, and I watched uh, Vampire Hunter D, and a little bit of The Bubblegum Crisis, okay? Okay. That's about it for me. All right? So, Jake, you're like this uh, fucking anime guy, and you're like, hey, I'm your anime guru. I want you to check out Sword Art Online. And I fucking, I watched the entire first season of Sword Art Online. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Fucking Tupperware, that bitch. Yeah. Right? Then I watch another one of your recommendations, One Punch Man. Loved it. Thought it was fucking awesome. Loved One Punch Man. So here I am. Here I am. I'm brand new to anime. Gonna strike out on your own. You know, yeah, here, here, I, I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna go into new territory with anime. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out something. I don't even know what anybody thinks about this one. Like, yeah, you got Crunchyroll, man. You have all the anime at your fingertips. Exactly. I've got all the anime at my fingertips. I can just, like, reach out and touch whatever anime I want to at this point. Now, yeah. when I watched Erased, I had been in that panel, and they said they recommended it. Like, every, like when he mentioned Erased in the panel, everybody erupted. Like, oh, my God, yeah, fucking Erased. Yeah, and you saw some video, I'm and sure. Yeah, I saw some video, and I was just like, holy shit, I got to watch this. Lost Village? I have no fucking clue. So it's like when you're watching something like this, and especially when you're watching something new like fucking like anime and shit, mm-hmm. when you're watching it and you're a new viewer and it's something that's coming from another com- country completely, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself like, okay, am I an idiot if I don't like this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear you. Like yeah. – like, there's a difference in in culture and the language barrier. And exactly, it's a factor in it, this kind of thing. Exactly. Let's say I'm uh, some Japanese dude and I'm sitting there and I'm eating fucking noodles. I might be loving this fucking shit, right? Yeah, yeah. But here I am, fucking white bread American motherfucker <laughs> with watching, cheeseburgers, with my cheese fucking burgers and my fucking French fries and shit. <laughs> and here I am watching The Lost Village on Crunchyroll. Am I gonna like this fucking show? I'm spelling that you didn't. Hold on. Let me talk about this fucking show. Right. Let me explain this show. This show needs some explaining. All right. Here we go. So there's a group on a bus, and it's a it's a bus tour. Okay. And they're on this bus, and the tour guide, his name is Dahara. And Dahara, he's got a he's got a microphone, and he's talking to everybody on this fucking bus. There's like 30, 30 like, like I said, 30 men and women on this bus. And he's talking to these people. And he's ta- he's calling this tour Noah's Ark, and it's by this group called uh, Genesis or something. Okay. And, uh, and he's taking them on what's called the first ever life do-over tour. And uh, he starts passing around the mic on the bus so everybody can do introductions. Mm-hmm. Most people are just introducing themselves like really quickly and wanting and talking about how they want to start a new life on this life do-over tour in this utopia called the Nanaki Village. It's this this is it's this mystical village, Jake. Like where people like once they find it, they just disappear and they're gone. Nobody hears from them again. Okay. They get to start over their life. Okay. Sounds scary. Exactly. So these are all young people. These are all really young people that are on this fucking bus. And the reason that they found out about it was because like they're on like the deep dark internet and they heard about it on the internet. Okay. Okay. So like they're on their way to Nanaki village. Some characters are, uh, on this tour are just weird as fuck. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one guy is a rapper and he starts introducing himself in like a rap intro. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, yo, yo. And he starts rapping and shit, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, another guy, uh, gets up and says that, uh, his health is shit and he's dying and he just wants to do something with the rest of his life. 
So this guy's going to die. Okay. But he's yeah. not a young Sounds one. Sounds like a short new life. No, he's fucking young. Oh, okay. He's just got shit health. Gotcha. Right. He's like, I want to do something with the rest of my life. So I guess he just wants to go to the Nanaki village and fucking do whatever the fuck they do mm-hmm. and then die. And then you got another guy with an eye patch, uh, and he says he's made peace with this shitty world. And that was weird. <laughs> Some chick named Narna says she's all dried up from being in the Tokyo desert and that she's carrying a lot of vitamins and candy with her. And she's got plenty for everyone on the bus. Yeah, don't bring it if you don't have enough to share. Yeah, she says, I got plenty of candy and vitamins. And then one guy says, my name's Jack. And then the next guy introduces himself as Dazemon. And then he says, uh, I'd like some of the candy and uh, vitamins that uh, Narna has. Okay. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, this sounds... Fucking weird, right? This sounds riveting. Sounds fucking weird. There's three women on the bus then who then argue about all of their names being Yuna. Yeah. All three of these women, their names are Yuna, and they start arguing about it. About who's the real Yuna? <laughs> She's in Final Fantasy X. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> what I thought. The next chick, her name's Puko. Okay. Yes, her name's fucking Puko. And yes, she does puke later on in the fucking episode. That oh. fucking happens. You named correctly. Uh, Puko says that uh, if they're starting a new civilization, she wants to be the Eve, and she's looking for her, for her Adam. Mm. So all the guys on the bus are like, oh. Especially after she pukes. Yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> Somebody pukes later. I forget who the fuck it was. Another chick, she then introduces herself and she says she loves guns and that she's going to shoot everything up when she gets to, to the Naki village. Wow. Yeah. Now, when but, they're doing this, yeah. are they, like, very animated when they explain, like, each of their things? Or is it just, like, a quick, like, dialogue thing and relatively boring? It's quick dialogue, and I'm not even going over every character. If I went over every character, we'd be here for fucking ever. Right. There's, like, there's a lot of characters. There's, like, a married couple that talk. There's, like, all these other characters. I'm just going over, like, the really yeah. weird. Are they I'm shooting it like it's, like, they're confessionals in a reality show? Kind of. Okay. Kind kind of. It, they're on the bus and they're holding a microphone just doing introductions in front of everybody on the bus. Okay. And I just bring that up because I feel like there's, like, two camps of anime. Yeah. There's, like, the super serious and, like, very detailed art. And then there's the really cartoony like non-detailed like stuff and i could see this falling into either of those camps yeah um this is this is pretty good art it's pretty detailed mm-hmm. i don't know i'm just i'm really new to anime so uh then they show this angry guy his name's Varan Varakana, and he's just yelling all the time and he's like talking about how he wants to keep everything under control <laughs> And he's pissed off all the time. Like, every time they introduce this guy, this guy's fucking yelling all the time. It's like me. That's kind of hilarious. He's like me. (laughs) So then they, so, okay. So, like, now they're going to Nanaki Village, which doesn't exist, like I said, on any map. People near the village have have vanished, and they've created new lives for themselves, free from rules and restraints in the regular society. So this bus knows where the village is, and it's on its way to Nanaki Village. So everyone is on the bus sharing theories about Nanaki Village now. So now they're all sitting down, they're all talking about like what they think Nanaki Village is and how it works and all this shit. And then they start singing. Then out of out of nowhere, Jake, they start singing a song about a hippopotamus. All right. This sounds like normal anime. 
Is, is this yeah. fucking? Is this shit happen? Yeah. Yes. You, you could be describing any anime. Yeah, I know. I was like ten minutes actually. I was thinking the same thing. You know, like here in America, like kids are on a bus and shit, and they start singing like the the wheels on the bus go round and round, yeah. round and round. no, they start singing a song about a fucking hippopotamus. Yeah, sure. And the lyrics are like, uh, it's it's called the unlucky hippopotamus, and they said he was he was. They talk about how he was born, uh, how he's a good student. Then he got, uh, he, he uh, found a pretty wife. Then he felt ill. Then he felt deathly ill, and then he died. And that's a song. Ooh, uplifting. Fucking weird. They stop at a rest area, and then this guy. You're start- not throwing us any curveballs, man. Yeah. So this is like normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with mirrors. I, I This is like normal anime. Yeah, this yeah, is you get the weird characters that like even while they're trying to be really serious, they seem like caricatures. Yeah. And yeah, they sing like a song that feels like offbeat to us, but yeah, like that's all like kind of normal with a lot of animes. I tell you, dude, like what what's amazing is when fucking Japanese people say hippopotamus. Yeah. It's like hippopotamus. It's amazing, dude. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like listening to Dan West say tomatoes or like him saying garage. It's fucking yeah. awesome. Because a lot of their words actually do come from English. So yeah. they try to mimic it the best they can with yeah. like their letters and vocabulary. And so you get some interesting combinations out of it. Yeah. It, it, and- yeah. And they idolize English. Like, they think it's pretty cool. So in their cool animes, like, they throw more English words in there to describe things. Yes. So then um, there's stop – like, okay, so the bus stops at this rest area. Uh, and then this guy starts talking to this, like, fucking weird chick. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's acting strange as all hell. And uh, she tells him that she thought something bad would happen if she couldn't hold her breath. While her food was warming up at the bus station. Okay. She's got like these weird fucking like – she's like – she like basically she's got like this weird fucking thing in her brain. Yeah. To where she's like – she thought something bad was going to happen if she didn't hold her breath while her food is heating up in the microwave. Okay. And she has like these weird kind of like things where she feels like she, if, she, if she's like – she has to like – it's like a weird OCD. Yeah, it's like a weird OCD. Like she feels like she's talking about like she's walking on the sidewalk, and if she like if she crosses like five lamp posts or something, like something good will happen to her, and just all this weird shit. She then explains that um, she felt bad. She was he was like, "Why are you so sad?" And she said she felt bad for the hippopotamus in the song. Mm-hmm. And then this guy even what hippopotamus hippopotamus <laughs> and then this guy even though she he like he's listening to her mm-hmm. and she thinks she's crazy he's like so many other guys that she he thinks even though she's crazy she's cute and he really wants to fuck her <laughs> <laughs> you, know go, I mean? you get a lot of that in anime too yeah. well you get a lot of that on the show too because i watch the leftovers and as crazy as nora is i want to fuck her <laughs> yeah Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then he gets on the bus and then there's this other girl and she's like wearing like this fucking hoodie that looks, has ears on it and they call her lion. Okay. For some reason she's like really tiny and then she starts telling him that crows eat dead crows and that she hopes that they all don't cannibalize each other on this trip. Mm-hmm. Is this normal? Yeah. Especially how the girl had the hoodie that had cat ears or okay. whatever. Okay. Yeah, the more you're describing this, the more like I kind of get that. That's just like the tone that this anime is going okay. for. 
So, okay, now they're all back on the bus, okay? They're fuck the rest stop. We're all rested up. Fucking chick heated up her food and shit. They're all back on the bus. And the bus driver now is listening to them talk about how they're starting over their lives. And he's like an older dude. They're all younger. And he starts getting pissed off about them uh, running away from their lives and starting over. And then he starts uh, talking about, like, for years, like, he hasn't had enough money to, like, fucking even, like, put a boiled egg on his ramen noodles and shit. <laughs> and so he starts getting pissed off, angry, and starts yelling at them. And then um, then the Ver- Veranaku dude, the pissed yeah. off, angry guy, yeah. starts yelling at him. And then some dude from the back of the bus fucking, like, fucking, like, elbows him in the fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> and then dude starts swerving off on the side of the road and shit. And they fucking like pull over on the side of the road. And then it's, it's weird, dude. And then, um, the one dude that wants to fuck the crazy girl. Yes. He starts having a dream while he's on the bus. And his dream, he's holding a basketball that's counting down. It's got like a ticking top clock on it. Okay. He's, he's holding a basketball that's a ticking clock and it, it explodes. And then he wakes up. <laughs> was it a wet dream? Uh, no, it wasn't like a wet dream. He just he was holding a basketball and it exploded. Was he still on the bus when he, he had this basketball? Up. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he's this is fucking dumb. Um, and then the angry guy and the bus driver start yelling at each other again. And then the driver, yeah, he pulls off the. Oh, and then the girl pukes on the driver when he pulls off the side of the road. <laughs> Puka. Yeah, some chick pukes on the drive. <laughs> All right. Is the whole thing on the bus? Do you see anything past the bus? You do. That's the first episode. So they pull over and then oh, some... Oh, it's a whole series. This is just the beginning. This is just the first episode. <laughs> so, okay, some ch- so then they pull over and then there's like some chick that's going to take them to the Nanaki village. And then um, she's like, I know where the Nanaki village is. And then... The yeah, ang- the bus was supposed to take us there. Yeah, yeah. and the, But the angry guy cuts her off, and he's like, stop ordering us around. And then he calls her fugly. <laughs> like literally fugly? Yeah, he says fugly. That's funny. And then she's like, so, she says something about, yeah, I guess I didn't do my hair today. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> and then they get back on the bus, and they're going to be driving to the Nanaki village. And that's where that first episode ends. Okay. Um I'm and you kept watching. I kept watching. I actually watched the second episode, which I'll not talk about this week. But I'm I'm gonna Tupperware this. <laughs> really? You said it was so dumb a moment ago. <laughs> uh, that's a surprising review. That was that was like a fucking. I feel like I just watched an M Night movie. I watched this fucking show twice, <laughs> and then and then Dude, and then I Tupperware. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> it is, it's the, it's like so fucking weird <laughs> that I love it. Cause I don't know what's gonna happen. You need to watch more anime. I don't know. That's, that's the lesson learned I'm, here. I'm really proud of Brian here. He, he went out on his own and he found something. Man. Yeah. It's great. What's this called? It's called The Lost Village. Okay. It's on Crunchyroll and you can watch the first two episodes. Dude, I, I don't know what's gonna happen from minute to minute. It's like, like you were talking about how the Max Landis movie was so fucking predictable. Yeah. I didn't know what was gonna happen in this. Yeah. I didn't know if like somebody was gonna like 
pull out like a fucking candy bar and stick it up their ass. <laughs> People I didn't are know vomiting, what was going on. Bombs are exploding. People are puking on each other. <laughs> fucking chicks wearing like a lion fucking hoodie and talking about crows eating each other and cannibalism. And people are singing about fucking dying hippopotamuses. You got a character you can relate to? Yeah. It's fucking, it's fucking crazy. This guy yelling all the time about stupid shit, <laughs> getting pissed off. This show was fucking awesome. <laughs> I fucking love it. And they call it the Lost Village because I was lost the entire fucking episode, but I still fucking loved it. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to have to watch this. You got to watch it, man. I watched it fucking twice, that first episode. <laughs> then I watched the second episode this morning. I feel Fuck. like you almost had to watch it like for that like uh, Batman v Superman reason. You're like, wait, what just happened? I better sit through this again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the Lost so. Village? The Lost Village, dude. All right, I'm adding it to my playlist right you gotta now. You got to watch this shit. This shit's fucking crazy, dude. I'm finding this shit. Jake, should we watch it and uh, get back to him on it? Yes. Yeah, let me know if you can make sense of this fucking Episode story. one, look before you leap. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. on my list now, too. I'll check it out. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Walking Dead uh, season six finale. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow The Leftovers on Instagram at Instagram.com slash PopCultureLeftovers and on Tumblr at PopCultureLeftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right. Hey, we are back. We're going to wrap up Good Pop, Bad Pop this week with a discussion about the Walking Dead season finale. Yes. Uh, I know, Jake, you haven't been watching it religiously. Same with Ryan, but I think you guys at least – I know, Ryan, you watched the last episode. Jake, you tuned, you tuned in for the last, like, 20 minutes for the introduction to Negan. I did. Uh, and I want to talk about this. Uh, we'll rate it first, I suppose. But, yeah, this is season six. Um what did you guys think? Uh, I guess I'll start with uh, Jake first uh, about your thoughts about the last 20 minutes in the introduction of Negan, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan coming in as uh, as Negan. I really liked it. It was a high tasted for me. I thought it was shot really well. Um, I haven't watched since season four, and so it was really crazy to kind of see where the characters had evolved in, that, in just that shot. Like Rick looked like he was just fucking out of it and like mm-hmm. afraid, and that was crazy to see. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I thought Jeffrey Dean Morgan was good, and he was really scary. And, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great cliffhanger for for a season. That was a lot of fun. Ryan, talk to me about the uh, season finale. Yeah, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I would say high taste it for the episode overall. Um, but definitely that Negan scene, the last 20 minutes of it, was Tupperware material. Yeah, I, I, you guys, I, okay, let me talk about this. Like, the last episode, I've, I've seen a lot of backlash on the internet and a lot of backlash from, like, people that have been watching up until now. Uh, a lot of people hated this episode. A lot of people tossed this episode, uh, merely for the fact that 
that, you know, the ending of this episode, it kind of like built up to this kind of like slow climax, uh, followed by 20 minutes of uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. And then we did not get the answers that a lot of people did not get the answers that they wanted to at the end of this episode. A lot of people wanted to know who he killed. Right. And so a lot of people tossed it based on not knowing knowing who Negan killed. Mm. If uh, anything, I would be upset by, like, the point of view. Like, I felt like, uh, like, cinematically, uh, it was so great for, like, most of that. But that last minute did kind of bum me out just with the, the way it was shot. But, um I liked yeah, that I, that first person I, I did POV. Not feel, the lack of the reveal, I thought, made it even better. You know what? I, I, I'm first off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. The lack of the reveal, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a lot of people are gonna be saying, okay, so over the summer and until you know they they premiere in Mar- uh, October, excuse me, it's gonna be like uh, you know uh, who, you know who who shot Jr. Who who shot Mr. Burns? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, can I play? Let me play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think that if if let me talk about the performance of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. Oh, perfect, man! Absolutely perfect. The comedian was great. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why they got him. Yeah. Hey, man, he did it great again. Yes. I would say. That's why you get a guy like Jeffrey Dean Morgan because, like, you know what I mean? He in 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 Watchmen, I mean, he's a he's an evil character. He even tries to rape Silk. He rapes Silk Spectre. Yep. But he's still, in some ways, it's so weird how much you like his portrayal as this character. You love to hate this guy. Yeah, he still yeah, comes off a, very charming. Yes. Yeah, he's not a two D rapist. And. You know? And the thing is with this, I think if they would have had the reveal of who was killed in that final scene, it would have taken away from the performance of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. No one would be talking about that performance. Everybody would be talking about this character that died. And so it would have been kind of like cast – uh, a castaway, like his performance would have kind of been overlooked, and everybody would be t- like mourning the loss of this beloved character, whoever it may be. Right. Uh, and so I think that would have taken away from that performance. Also, let me play devil's advocate and say this: issue one hundred when it came out, and when the uh, character, yes, yes, when the character that died died, it was a point where a lot of characters, a, a lot of uh, readers, viewed it as a jumping-off point. Mm-hmm. They love. Go ahead. It was also an attempt to get a lot of people into the book too. Yes. They had to do something big to yeah. like shake things up and keep it going. It's issue one hundred. Right, right, and 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 I'll talk about that a little bit more too, and how that works on the TV side. But like, a lot of people like read issue one hundred and hated the outcome and the, the character that died. I'll admit I took a break for a while. Should I play a spoiler warning here so we can talk about this in in more? Okay, let's play the spoiler warning. Uh, If you haven't read issue 100 and you don't want to know who dies in that issue, uh, then uh, fast forward through the podcast. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. 
All right, so issue 100. Uh, and then they bash in Glenn's brain. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Glenn, Glenn eats it in uh, issue 100. So a lot of people after issue 100 were like, and I, I myself included, I dropped off the book. Yeah, it was heartbreaking, man. He was in that for like at least 95 issues. Right. But- so when what you do here is if you're – AMC, if you're Greg Nicotero, if you're Scott Gimple, the Robert Kirkman, what you do is you kind of like pull the rug underneath everybody that was wanting to find out who died, and they've got to come back now. After issue 100, if you didn't like Glenn dying, yeah. you're done. But now you don't know who died, mm-hmm. and so now you've got to come. You've got to come back for the season seven season premiere to find out who died. So they're hoping that they're going to be able to keep some of those viewers with that. I understand that. Even I though think it's also quite clear that they've learned a lot from things that have happened in the comics. They've changed a lot of things yeah. that quite work. And so they could quite easily learn from that also. Yeah. They, they, like you're saying, like necessarily Glenn doesn't necessarily have to die here. I but. see what you're saying, but I don't, in some ways, I disagree. I don't disagree with the reason it was done, but I disagree that there should be any worry that Walking Dead watchers are going to leave. You kill Daryl, you're losing a lot of your audience. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll say that, but they're, you're not losing them. They're coming back. No. Uh, there's a lot of like Daryl fan babes yeah. out there. I don't, there. I don't buy it. I Those do. same Daryl fan babes. I know there are a lot out there, but they're still coming back. It's a lot in a comic. You're having to spend that money every month. You know, your cable isn't going anywhere. You're not canceling your cable. If you have AMC and you've watched six seasons of Walking Dead, you're coming back for. Six I disagree seven. with you, man. I disagree yeah. with you. It's like the same thing with like Superior Spider Man. Oh, they killed off Spider Man and Doc Ock is Spider Man. Fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, same thing though. You're, you're out. It's easier to be out because now you don't spend that money every month. And I, I just, I just don't see it with a TV I show see, working that I, way. I see this as number one: we're not going to lose those people; they're going to come back. And yes. also, on this the, is their money maker for AMC, they do not want to like shake it up like that. And on the flip side, they're going for ratings records. Yeah, they yeah. because th- this last season they were a juggernaut. Before, see, I I believe that. Like, if, if the they, ins- pla- they plateaued, though, if that's the, what I'm saying. If the incentive is to get as many people watching the season seven premiere as possible, then I 100 percent agree with that. But I don't, I, I don't think there's any worry of losing people. I think, like, it, I, don't I, think that's I, the I think, I think both go hand in hand. Both of those things go hand in hand. You give them the reveal of a beloved character dying. Some people are going to drop off. It is happening. Yeah. But if they have to come back to see which character goes, number one, you're going to get those people back for the premiere. And you're also, on top of that, going to get records as far as, like, ratings. Yeah, you're going to get everyone tuning in to see who died, even people that are casual watchers. Right. And that's what I think that they're going for here. Yeah, I could see that. And it'll be interesting to see when we find out who gets killed, like, what the ratings are like the week after that. If someone important gets killed, if it's not just a fucking Abraham or some bullshit character. Well, let's talk about that. Who do you think it's going to be? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I kind of feel like it will be a bullshit character. I don't think it will be a Glenn or it will be a Daryl or it will be a Maggie. I think it'll just be some character some or a Michonne or a Rick or a Carl. So who's left? 
Yeah, I think you're kind of hit it there with Abraham because he does. I mean, if they are basing it off of the comic, which I know is uh, like pretty much nothing to stand on in, in this kind of talk with the way the show has been. But Abraham seems to be the uh, most expendable compared yeah. to everybody else there. Yeah, I, I, I would put my money on Abraham. Oh, if you're if you're talking about expendable and not like killing a character that means anything, why not kill Aaron or Rosita? Yeah, I don't even know who those characters are. Uh, I couldn't true. even name Rosita those characters. Be, well, were they Rosita's there? Rosita's like the love interest of uh, what's his name, the guy with the mullet. Yeah, well, no, Rosita's the love interest was the love interest of Abraham. Right, right. Eugene but, may have a crush on her, but there's nothing between them two. Yeah, but I feel like there's more of a story that continues on in the comic between Eugene than there ever was a story between Abraham. Well, Abraham is dead by this point in the comic. Right. Spoilers and, again. And that's why I say, like, that's what the show has done right, is they uh, change up, like, the how and when and the things like sure. that. Keep you guessing. Yeah, Sophia is actually here at this time. Yeah, she's still alive to this moment. Yeah. I guess yeah. she 138 or whatever. Yeah, I feel like the whoever um, Carl was talking to at the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, this is clearly like the stand-in for Sophia since she's, you know, not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, we know it's not going to be Rick and we know it's not going to be Carl because like yeah. Negan specifically says, like, if anybody moves, makes a sound, you know, rip out the kid's other eye and feed it yeah. to his father. Yeah. So we yeah. know it's not Rick or not. It's not Carl. Now, yeah. Carl, did he have the amnesia or anything after he lost his eye? No. Big- Okay, because I no, just if he did, they they did a time jump after that. Uh, if he did, they did not reference that because there was a time jump after that happened. Because see, that's what I mean. Like they clearly learned because that was another like t- lull point in this like story arc, and mm. that's like a trope that I hate. And so they did the right thing and like skipping over that and kind of moving towards this. I honestly think that they might not even know who they're going to kill yet because there might be contractual issues between the actors too. Mm, that's interesting. So it might figure upon contractually who is coming back and who might leave the show. I know and, Norman Reedus is still doing like conventions like crazy. Well, and he's got that new show coming out. And a lot of people are saying Daryl's going to die because he's doing that new show on AMC called Ride. Yeah. I mean, it's already been filmed though. It doesn't. I agree. It's stupid. Yeah. I don't think that Daryl's going to die. I think basically AMC, if anything, is getting more in bed with Norman Reedus because they know yeah. they need him on the show. Mm-hmm. So let's give this guy, let's keep him happy and give him his own show. Yeah, he is like he's the first like step in them learning that the show can do things separate from the comics. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, like, what have we seen from AMC? They like we had uh, Breaking Bad end, and now they've got Better Call Saul. Well, mm-hmm. Walking Dead is so popular, they've got a spinoff called The Fear of the Walking Dead, and why not just give one of their main actors from the main flagship show his own reality show? Yeah. So I mean, that's why not, you know, and give it give it like summer summer treatment where like you know a lot of the main shows are gone from the major networks and like people will tune in during the summer. So I don't see Norman Reedus going anywhere. I think this is just AMC getting more in bed with him. Did they? I have a question. Did they bill this finale as tune in to see who's going to die? Uh, I don't it's think the that- last couple episodes of it's felt like they were leading towards it. From what I gathered from my sister. I don't felt like they were like – I think that every every comic fan out there knew that Negan was going to use Lucille on somebody. But it, the advertisements haven't 
been like tune into this finale because yeah. someone's going to die. I can't cite a specific thing saying that, but I felt like from what I heard from fellow Walking Dead fans, like mm-hmm. the the Lucille scene was going to be in that episode. Well, like, yeah, everybody there, knew there, that was coming at the end of uh, the the penultimate episode for this season. They did not show Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, but they did show a close-up of the tip of the bat with the the barbed wire. Yeah. So we knew it was coming. Okay. So I I, – because I could see people being mad if it was billed that way. You know, that's like fucking getting the $60 wrestling pay-per-view and then not having a clean finish. Yeah, that's just the conclusion everybody jumped to. Okay, if it's everyone jumped to that conclusion, then fuck them for jumping to the conclusion. People are, uh, I mean, we've heard about the, we've actually listened to like the the audio and stuff like that. Have you heard that? No. Where like people have taken like the background audio and amplified it, and you can hear like, like in the comic where Glenn is still saying Mag, Maggie. Yeah, when his like brain dead and trying yeah. to talk. Well, people have taken like the background audio and like you can make yourself hear that if you want to yeah. hear that. Oh, I thought that yeah. was just the muffled screams yeah. of the people around him. Yeah, or her. I I have a feeling that it is Abraham. Yeah, on the other end of Lucille because there's there's a part when he hits whoever he hits. It's not Maggie. Maggie is so fucked up by that point. She's running a fever from being pregnant. She needs that fever to go down. That's the whole reason they're trying to get to the hilltop is to get to the doctor that's at the hilltop that can help treat her. Mm -hmm. Maggie is so fucked up by this point. I honestly think that the first hit of Lucille to her head kills her. Mm -hmm. She's out. It's back. Yeah, if she's not dead, she's out. Those eyes are closed. Yeah. Abraham's a thick dude. He would take Abraham's, a couple hits. Abraham's a big guy. And when he first hits whoever he hits, they still see clearly. And he's, even Negan says, I've watched this like six, seven times, mm-hmm. this whole scene. I, I think it's amazing. I, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I feel like this guy is like a real actor. Like when he comes on the set, he's got a presence. I feel like he's bringing something to this show that they haven't had before. He's so good. It makes me question how long they will – how much screen time. I was like, man, this feels like they are like paying top dollar. Well, let me get back to that here in a second because you bring up a fucking great point with that. Um, but I, I think he says something after the first hit, like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're, this is a strong one. Yeah. yeah you got some fight in you. You got some fight in you. And that makes me think that it's possibly Abraham. Okay. It doesn't make me think that it's Maggie. I think Maggie gets hit in the head one fucking time. She's fucking knocked out the second time she's dead. She's so fucked up at that point. Yeah. Glenn, who knows? He might be able to take one hit. I don't See, know. That, you, you bringing up the Maggie thing, like that is the story, like, I mean, Glenn dying kind of makes Maggie a much an even cooler character. Yes, but they've already set that up for this. I know you haven't been watching the full season, Ryan. They're already setting that part of her character up. Okay, she starts doing negotiations at the hilltop to become a bigger, Uh, awesome to become yeah to become a leader for the team. They're already starting to set that up, which I think is not misdirection because I think like Maggie becomes who she was because of Glenn's death in the comic. They right. are starting to set that up sooner here before Glenn's death. Mm-hmm. So which makes me think that Glenn might not die here. 
Right, because in the comic, the setup was more of how integral Glenn was. You yes. know, they basically had you believing, like, there's no way they could survive without Glenn. And right. And then the, he's gone. Right. And they're setting her character up to be a more, uh, lead, more of a leader. Yeah, if she's already independent, mm-hmm. then that kind of takes all of the, the wind out of that. Yeah, they're kind of setting that up already, which makes me think that it might not be Glenn. Um, and we've seen this happen in the show. I mean, uh, Sophia died earlier in the comic. Shane lived longer in the fucking show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Abraham's lived longer than he should have. Carol is still Carol, around. Exactly. So we've seen this. Andrea, is she died a lot earlier. I, I think she's still alive. I'm not reading it she's currently. She's still alive. She's like with comic. Rick right now from what yeah, I hear. So kind of hooked up. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of changes. So, but um, – the other thing is, though, I always feel like the show kind of, like, takes the safe route a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, Rick still has that hand, you know? Um, well, I, I think that – I honestly, I, I think that that's more of a financial thing trying to uh, – I could see that too. Yeah. I, I think that's more of a financial thing. I think it's easier to, like, finally have, like, Carl lose the eye and just throw a patch mm. over there. Yes. Than to pay for Rick not having <laughs> – uh, having to like CGI out his fucking hand every episode, or to right. wear some kind of dumb contraption, right? Yeah. I think that's more of like a, uh, of like, yeah, like a, a budget type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of shock factor moments in the comic that like they're not going to come close to, and a lot of times it, it could be things like that. It could be, uh, I think, for like TV ratings and like you know standards and practices type thing like that. Um, yeah, but. Um, you know, so I, I feel like, yeah, Glenn, Daryl, Michonne, it takes characters like that, like off the table kind of thing also. So it leads you to think that it's probably going to be one of those side characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is going to be Abraham. Um, one of the things like people, I mean, people are really like, I talked about the audio. Mm -hmm. Another thing is like the view that the character, their POV. Oh, by the way, that digitized blood. That uh-huh. really t- takes me out of it. That's the only. That's one of the other things that makes it not a Tupperware. Oh, uh, the digitized blood. Yeah, like that little red. Like it just looks like such a cheap, like little red, like thing that they threw on, like really quick. And I feel like this show has done a lot better with effects and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I, I I appreciated it this season that they actually like like used real fire in a lot of. Scenes. And they were using fake fire. Well, a lot of shows do use fake fire, oh. and in this, you can. I, when I see fake fire, it's like that's fake fire, and like, like when Daryl actually used the RPG, that rocket launcher, and he, you know, used it to blow up that to set the lake on fire to kill those walkers earlier in the season. Like that was a real fire that they had set, mm. and um, you know, I appreciated that. You know, yeah, this show goes above and beyond with the practical effects and mm-hmm. it made oh, most of the episode was really awesome for things mm-hmm. like that. So that yeah. was just like the one thing that took me out. Well, some of the things that took me out was like the whole the the, the, the whole Carol and uh Morgan story. Yeah. Is stupid. Um I, I, I think that they're forcing those characters I, Carol, Carol's acting so out of character, and 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 they kind of like force that character arc, that change with her. And yeah, I got it, really bored. Yeah, that whole back and forth. That's not earned for me. Um, 
But um, Morgan was pretty cool at the end of that. I yes. felt like that paid off. Yes, I agree. I, I agree. I, I I liked I liked what he did, blasting that guy in the head. So finally, yeah. all life is precious until life threatens Carol, and then right. you're fucking forced to make a decision. Hmm. But a lot of people are reading into like the point of view of the character that died by Negan's bat, Lucille. That, okay, there's no hair in their eyes. It can't be such and such character. Mm, because that's they, reading into it too much, I think. I think it is too. Yeah. Well, the, the blood effect kind of makes you like subscribe to that possibility though. If you can see the blood up there, you should be able to yeah. see hair dangling up there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like right before they do that point of view, the way they like quickly cut to every character, mm-hmm. I felt yeah. like that definitely throws you off of any idea of who it can be. Yeah. They jumble it around so much. Yeah. You're supposed to guess like pretty much anybody. Dude, I, I honestly love it. The, the first time they introduce him, man, when they're all on their knees and then you hear that fucking organ music, like it's oh, almost like – Even before then, man, yeah. like when they're in the woods and yeah. the whistling happens. Because this yeah. episode, the reason why I love it so much was it was a perfect suspense like thriller. Mm-hmm. Like from every time the RV gets stopped leading up to them walking in the nighttime yeah. to the whistling to that like – climactic scene at the end it was like the perfect build-up of just getting scarier and scarier with each moment yeah and it also like it stripped rick away from all his confidence oh yeah he was like like jake said man he looked like he was pissing himself like yeah i couldn't believe seeing rick like that well like at the beginning of the episode he's like you know uh he's he's talking to um he's getting ready to leave alexandria and he talks to gabriel and then he talks to Deanna's son. I can't remember his name. And he's like, if they come here, should we try to make a deal? And he says, yeah. tell them to wait for me. I'll make them a deal. All cocky. Yeah, he was cocky like from the very yeah. beginning because they killed him like twice from what I gathered. You know, yeah. they yeah. came twice and he dealt with them both times. Yeah, like they showed up, fucking did like this awesome fucking uh, John Carpenter fucking – they showed up at this uh, the satellite. That's uh, like a radio station mm-hmm. where they, they like where Negan's guys were like you know camped out and shit. And they show up there while these guys are sleeping, just stab them in the head and kill them all, dude. It's like it's a gunfight at the end. It's see, that's awesome. why I don't. I only watched the last twenty minutes of this episode and didn't see the whole season. Yeah, but I kind of didn't understand how Negan was a bad guy in the first place. Like if what he's saying is true, yeah. That that, that 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 you you bring up an interesting point because Robert Kirkman actually talked about this yeah in the walking in the Talking Dead which I never watched the Talking Dead but for this finale I really wanted to Negan said that when he wrote the comic he wanted you as the the reader to be able to if you're reading it through Rick and his group yeah that that. Rick is the hero to you, but if you were to if you were to watch Negan's story and his group, you would like them. Yeah, I, it really, I really felt that. I was like, if the stuff Negan is saying is true about what Rick did to his people, yeah. then how is Negan even a bad guy here? Well, that, that's like Rick, like you just Rick was murdering people at a radio tower in their sleep. Yes. I mean, fuck that. I mean, how how is Rick not the bad guy? Well, see, the thing is, the people at the hilltop, these are more or less not warriors. These are kind of peaceful people. They yeah, Rick's the perfect person to join them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rick is 
that's that's the world that they live in. For like Negan is almost like a. I mean, if uh, Rick is, if you're watching Rick from Negan's point of view, mm-hmm. Rick is the evil character. Yeah, that's like I said, without having watched the last well, that's like, why two Negan and calls, a half seasons. That's why Negan call uh, Negan calls uh, Carl the the little serial killer. Yeah. I was like Jesus. I was like I don't. I almost don't blame Negan if what he's saying is true. Yeah, like, time fuck. and time again in the comic that comes up is Negan basically keeps saying you're just like me. You know, sooner or later you always have to kill. You know, like there's no difference, and that seems to be a theme. Like the governor was saying that too. Uh, it is a reoccurring theme in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's basically the self-reflection that Rick should be making. But see, the thing is about like Negan. If you from the the governor, the governor was psychotic. Oh yeah, definitely. Negan doesn't have like a fish tank like filled with heads. Exactly. Negan is like like what he does is cold and calculated, but he does it. If I can say this, he does. He's sane. He's like completely sane. Yeah, yeah. He's he's running a protection racket. Yeah. So in his mind, like he is protecting these people. If somebody comes down on the, the village, which is basically his cash cow, of course he's going to protect them. Right. But in a way, like yeah, he is helping everybody survive. But what he, he does everything so calmly, and it's like this is like just how things get done. And and I I love just like during that scene of him like talking to Rick's crew and shit like that and he's talking about like just like so matter of fact like guys I wanted to you know I, I wanted to introduce myself consider this career day mm-hmm. yeah. like like basically it was like okay I sent some guys to fucking give you a message you fucking killed them alright so I sent more people to get your attention and then you fucking killed them I love how he says a more than acceptable amount yeah I was like if he would have just killed a couple people Negan right. wouldn't have a big deal exactly well, well, yeah that made me laugh too so <laughs> at this point Negan's like okay well this is enough of this I've gotta send a message I've gotta let these guys know that this is unacceptable but I can't kill them I have to recruit them eventually mm-hmm. and so Today's career day. And I love that. And he's so calm as he's talking about this shit. And I love how, like, when he's walking around and he's talking about, like, who am I going to fucking hit with this fucking bat? And then Abraham fucking raises his head like, you know, like, okay, well, yeah, I appoint myself. And Negan, he's not even thinking about, oh, okay, well, shit, yeah, this guy, this is the, this guy's trying to do something honorable. He no, looks takes at, all the fun out of it. He looks at Abraham's fucking, like, handlebar mustache, mm-hmm. like, he, like, uh, uh, from, like, uh, you know, like West Coast Choppers or whatever the <laughs> fuck that, you know, that, that fucking guy's from. He looks at that and he's like, oh, shit, I gotta shave this shit because my yeah. shit's not cool. Yeah. That shit's cool. Yeah, he's that, like, was, that was funny. That was funny. He's not even thinking about that shit, dude. He's thinking about fucking shaving at this point. And then he's talking about like everybody's waiting on me. I feel like I'm 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 reading the menu and everybody's waiting for me to order. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just so fucking calm. Because I kind of interpreted that scene as like he's got to kind of send a message, yes, or send something to like his crew too. Right, his crew wants that somebody's got to answer for their people dying. Exactly, so he does have to kill one of them, otherwise it's chaos throughout the ranks. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
and, and it makes that calm like even more terrifying. And the detail, like all the all there, uh, most of the most of the dialogue from the comic made it into the show, except for like, of course, the f bomb minus the swear words. Yeah, um, yeah. the eeny miny uh, eeny meeny miny mo shit. I was, was waiting for that. Yeah, that was necessary. Yeah, yeah, because well, in the comic book, it was kind of like you you get to hear his thought process, which did I liked it. Did you yeah. did you like it? Yeah, I, I felt like like you said, other than the f bombs, it was perfect and it was right out of the comic. And I felt like they did an even better job of like making it feel like Negan without those crucial f bombs. Yeah, yeah, but but what I'm saying is like in the comic book, like as he's like, in, like like he's like looking at like the different people that he could kill with Lucille, and he's like, well, I can't kill. I can't kill Glenn because he's Asian and I don't want to look like a racist. Yeah. yeah, that's really hilarious in the comic. And then he looks at Heath and he's like, oh, the same thing. I can't do it with Heath. Yeah, he's he's the gay guy, so I can't hurt him. Right. I can't hurt this one. Yeah. 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 So they didn't do that in this, but I I, I did the eeny, meeny, miny, mo shit was kind of cool. Yeah, so. I felt like that. that is the crucial part because, like you said, along with that calm demeanor, you have to get, like, this weird uh, childish game kind of mixed in there yeah. to give you, like, that Negan character right. to really uh, drive it home. I, I think that uh, with this casting and that last 20 minutes, man, Walking Dead stepped up its game. Yeah, I actually want to watch, man. If this is to get more viewers, mm-hmm. like... Job well done. Like well, this, this did impress me, and I think I understand why so many people try to say to jump back into it. The thing that you said earlier, it was like, okay, like you know, uh, I think that they got this guy, and since since they got this guy, that they've got to give him a lot more screen time. Yeah. One of the things, one of the rumors that I've been hearing that's been floating around that people are worried about is that the start of episode seven mm-hmm. is actually not going to start. With the death. Oh, I hope it isn't of yeah. of the character. Mm-hmm. Keep the suspense. It's that going to. So good. It's going to start with the rise of Negan, and it's gonna it's gonna mirror how Negan starts off, just like Rick. Oh, that's cool. And it, so the first eight episodes of the season is going to show the rise of Negan, and then when they return from the mid season <laughs> break, oh, man. then we're gonna finally find out who oh, was on the other end of that fucking baseball bat if people were losing their shit then or now we just wait till then yeah you thought you were you thought it was torture waiting to find out if glenn rolled under a dumpster yeah exactly yeah that's what came to mind like not even watching the show you heard about that right kirkman kind of joked about it but also kind of hinted at it too Mm. so that'd be cool i don't know that's kind of weird um just because Negan, I thought the fun of that character was that you didn't get an origin story. You just saw a guy like yeah, but they 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 did the whole rise of the governor within the other with yeah. with in, in an earlier season of the of the Walking Dead. I think season uh, four or five. Right. They did right. the rise of the governor. Um, some people loved those episodes. Some people hated them. Hmm. But I mean, could they do the rise of Negan? Yeah, I guess that's weird. I, I guess because what I'm really hoping is that they're just going to call it all out war or that's going to be like, you know, what's going on. But you're right. Like you, they could push that off a whole nother season and just do like, you know, 
more buildup, you know? Yeah, they could. I think fans will be so pissed off if they but, do that. Yeah. But like I said, like, I don't think this actor, um, you know, he's not necessarily cost effective, so to speak. You mm-hmm. know, do you think they could get him in an affordable contract like Norman Reedus or like uh, their, their star? Uh, I, I don't. I don't be costing them more. He can't be that uncost effective, right? I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's a great actor, but what's he really doing? No, he's not. He's not doing movies like he used to. Yeah, I don't. I, I think you're holding him a little bit high. Like I, I'm not disagreeing how great of an actor he is, but I am disagreeing at how much it'll cost them to use him. I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan needs The Walking Dead more than The Walking Dead needs. You know him, what I can right? see? I agree. I, I agree. This is one of the biggest like hits on TV, so. Yeah, I should probably step back from from that, and I could see that. But I th- I honestly think that you know, I think it's just perfect though that they got him though. I I think nobody oh, nobody else could pull this off unless you were to get Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I I'm not disagreeing with how great of a performance he did, but I, I do disagree that it's like not cost efficient. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I'm sure they're not. Yeah, I, I bet I could see that. Like I said, that. Oh, did I lose you? Oh, no, yep, there we are. You're back. Uh, but I don't know. I just thought, like, his performance was that good. That was just a thought that came to mind. No, 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 dude, dude, dude. You you are 100, 1,000% right on. Like, that last 20 minutes, I don't care if we didn't find out who fucking got killed. That last 20 minutes was just, that was just amazing. What mm. an amazing performance. I honestly think that if... if Given next season, we could – I know this sounds crazy, Jake, but man, if if they really play up to his fucking talents, mm-hmm. he could be nominated for an Emmy. I don't think that's crazy. I, I think Walking Dead as far as like being nominated for Emmys as far as like performances I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think it could happen. I think for like special effects and stuff like that, easily they could get nominated for whatever category. Have they? I think they have. Okay. They've gotten the special effects ones. Yeah. But but as far as like acting, like I liked David Morrissey as the governor. Mm-hmm. I liked him. I'd give him a yeah, high taste. Okay. It. it was an interesting uh, depiction. Exactly. But as far as like 20 minutes of fucking Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, I Tupperware that shit. Yeah. yeah it was okay. good. I was like, oh, this is a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was crazy. It was a bad guy that I loved. Yeah, like I don't even care who he fucking kills. I love Negan. He's fucking awesome. And like I said, I, I almost saw it justified what he was doing from my perspective, not having and seen the last sixteen episodes. And you know what? Theme. What's that, Ryan? That that is, what Jake's saying that is a theme in the comic book too. Exactly. Like I said, that is how how Negan sees it. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And Kirkman but, even said that in the Talking Dead. But what I wanted to uh, compare it to, if we are comparing the governor to to Negan, uh, they did a completely different idea for the governor in the TV show. They wanted to make him look a little more cleaned up and mm-hmm. kind of, you yeah. Know. They made him a nice guy. Like I mean, he, he, when they introduce right. him in the comic, they instantly introduce him as a fucking asshole. Right. He he has long greasy hair, and yeah, he looks like a bad guy in the comic book. Whereas this guy looks like a nice governor type. And he know. was doing kind of nice things in the first couple episodes that you see him in. Where right. like in the comic, he's pretty much instantly cutting Rick's hand off. And that's mm-hmm. where I think they they maybe they learned from that because Negan looks like right out of the comic book and it was perfect. Oh well, yeah, they the the they said down to they had the leather jacket custom made to look exactly like the jacket from the comics. 
Yeah, it looked like it. I could tell. Yeah. I was like, man, that is not like right off the rack. That is a tailored jacket for that guy. I'm telling you guys, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I probably watched that Negan that last 20 minutes. I watched that for at least five, six times. Uh, I almost put week. it back on this morning. Just that last 20 minutes, man. As soon as he steps out of that RV, when you hear that organ, when it's like, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're coming to church and Negan's there. It's, it, man, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's Cause that a- was one of the things I thought. The, the audio, uh, both in that music mm-hmm. and in the sound effects towards the end, like, we're just spot on. Oh man, when he starts talking about, so, uh, everybody about to pee the pants? <laughs> well, you're about to pee your pants. It's gonna be PP City. Yeah, that was hilarious. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> and, 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 uh, when he talked about, uh, you know, because pretty soon I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. <laughs> like, that's straight from the comics. Yeah, instead, that's... Instead he says, uh, like, I'm going to beat the fucking hell out of you or something mm-hmm. in the comics, but... Yeah, that's my favorite quality of Negan in uh, in both aspects, is that he has, like, this immature way about it. Like, he does cuss a lot yeah. and stuff, but he's got this, like, immature humor, and that's just his, his character, Yeah. You know? Yeah, and he's so calm when he does it too. He, oh man, I cannot wait for more Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. God, yeah. I cannot wait. And I know a lot of listeners are going to disagree with uh, with me Tupperwearing, uh, you know, his performance in this and um, not finding out who was on the receiving end of Lucille and tossing the whole episode because of that. But man, go back, just watch That's that performance. What's that? It, yeah, it's not worth tossing it for that. Like, yeah. no, that is such a like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't watched any Walking Dead for like three seasons now. Mm-hmm. I've been out, but this episode was just perfect. I I, I really felt like that too. I, I mean, hour and a half, and a lot of people were just like, "Oh, okay, it's just we're just watching like Rick, uh, you know, uh, turning around an RV." Oh, dude, that was perfect too. Like I said, that was all part of the thrill. Yeah, yeah, it was basically, it was just, it was, and, and, the, and the fact that, that they were just, the, the saviors were just toying with yeah. their group the entire time. They had everything so, blocked off. They toyed with them so bad that they spray painted a white X over dude's chest yeah. just to let them know that when they show up to the next point, that that guy's gonna get hung. Yeah, they it's the same there. guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, it's wild. Or, or how they the zombie chain that they made look like their their yes. friends and yes. stuff. Yes, yeah, like, you saw some of Michonne's uh, dreads. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The mind games, and, and once again, it was really the music. Like every time that RV turned around, it made me think of like classic like Hitchcock or or things like that, mm-hmm. where it, it's getting even tenser with each uh, cutaway. Right. You know? Right. Dude, just just the amount of uh, skill and uh, men manpower that it took to to uh, chain those walkers together—that's not an yeah. easy task, right? Like, like, like you you you've got to have numbers. You've got to have you, you got to know what you're doing in order to chain walkers together like that. <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to do that if it means losing like people. Sure, yeah. exactly. So I don't know, man. I. I, I, I thought it was a phenomenal episode. I, I'm not bothered that we didn't get to find out who died at the end of the episode. Um, I, I'm going to come back and watch season seven anyway as a fan. 
and um, and uh, what what got me pumped for the next season was just that that fucking awesome. Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan stepped up the game. He yep. stepped up the game, and I think everybody in this show is going to be better because of it. Mm, I'm sure. And that, and and, and that, let, oh, go ahead. That's really the thing. It's like, oh well, what can they do after seven seasons? I get it. It's zombies. What are they going to do? Jeffrey Dean Morgan's what they're going to do. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And we've been needing a great villain ever since the governor left the show. Oh, and Negan definitely takes it to the next level. Right. Too. I, what did we have? I mean, yeah, we had Terminus for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was like Terminus didn't last that long. Um, you know, and so I think, yeah, we are definitely fucking due a great villain. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan, as soon as they cast him, I'm thinking, comedian? I can't wait. I'm on. I'm on yeah. board. Exactly. When I saw that casting, I was like, that is going to make a good Negan. He looks the part. Yeah, I, I, I think I think uh, a lot of people that are that are Walking Dead viewers kind of just like want to they they want they, instant they want the instant shot. They want yes, they want instant gratification, mm-hmm. instant gratification all the time. And I, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna firmly disagree with them on this one because I I thought the introduction to Negan. I think if you give that, if you give the reveal of the death at the end of that, nobody's talking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan's performance, and they should be. And unfortunately, they're not talking about it now. The only thing they're talking about is the fact that they didn't get to see who fucking died. <laughs> and that, that pisses me off a little bit because I think that this guy is, is a godsend on this fucking show. He's so goddamn good. Yeah, no, you, you hit it right on the head in saying that killing somebody off would have taken all the attention away from that, like what should be an award-winning performance that he just delivered for the end of that. That was the perfect like ending. Yeah, you know, and I I get it. Like everyone's here to see, you know, walkers get chopped up and who's going to die this episode. Like that <laughs> is what The Walking Dead is yeah. known for. But, but I, I still think Jake thinks that the producers are trolling us. Do you think that? Yeah, a little bit. I've read a lot of reviews that basically say that, and I mean, hey, like that's great too if they did it for that reason. I'm not faulting them for it though, like just like Mears is saying. But I do think there's a little bit of the troll factor going on there. I think they know a lot of their audiences aren't aren't like cinephiles, and that this kind of shit really gets to them and everything. And they know no matter what, they're going to be back anyway. Man, so I, yeah, it's like, let's fuck with these idiots. I think some. I think depending on who they kill, some. I mean, if if they killed Rosita. Everybody's coming back. Yeah. You, you know what? If if you're fucking with people by delivering uh, this kind of quality programming, then all the better to you. Yeah, that, that's that exactly where I'm coming. That's the most hilarious way to fuck with somebody. It I is. still don't think studios know who their audiences are sometimes, that's true. though. I, 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 I totally agree with I that. firmly believe that. Let me, let me make this point real quick. Studios, okay, let's say, yeah, you kill Rosita, everybody comes back. Okay, now let's say you should – like for me, I dropped off Walking Dead after issue 100 mm-hmm. when Glenn did die. I stopped buying the book, stopped reading it. So they, a lot of people did drop off the book after that, even though they had record sales with that, even though they had like a hundred different variant covers and yes. all that other bullshit, which helped numbers, but they had record numbers with that. There was a drop off after issue 100. Now, studios also on the flip side, it's like, why can't we get X-Men to dress like X-Men? Well, mm-hmm. it's because studios don't think that you can pull off that fucking uh, spandex suit on screen. Yeah. 
Studios don't know, and, and, and it worked in fucking Deadpool. It did. It we did. loved it. Uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead looked awesome in, yeah. the, in, the, in that. Well, I think the X Men thing is—I mean, that was a Brian Singer decision. I'm just saying, studios yeah. don't studio. Yeah, exactly. Studios, well, studios don't know what people want. Yeah, studios don't know what people want. Studios can hand down a mandate. Yeah, the studio can hand down a fucking mandate. I agree. I agree. I feel like the Walking like, Dead writers know who their audience is, though, and that, and that Fantastic makes me. Fantastic Four is another great example of that too. Like the studio changed up that movie every way they could. Well, know? I think Walking Dead also knows that. They've got some. They've got Daryl fans. They've got Glenn fans. Yeah, and they're going to lose a few of those. They're going to lose a few. I guarantee you, they're worried about losing some Asian viewers. I mm. guarantee you, there's some Asian viewers that watch for Glenn. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, it's like okay, this guy. Uh, I, I, I'm like this guy. I want to watch this guy. He is like the 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 most wholesome of all the characters. It feels like you know. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. he is. I mean, for the longest time, he was the only character that hadn't killed somebody. Right. You know, so I don't know, man. I don't know. I, 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 Jake, it can go either way. Yeah. Honestly, I think, I think they are chasing the ratings records. Um, I think everything kind of goes hand in hand. I, I don't, I don't disagree about chasing the rating records. I, I and think, that this is a, like, people mm-hmm. are going to, it's who's going to die. It's the who shot Mr. Burns. Like, yeah. part two is going to be huge. Yeah. If they, I don't know. I, I just, I, if they did kill Daryl. I can understand why they did this. But on the flip side, it's like maybe they don't – maybe they're just like – they just – they know they're going to kill somebody. They don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. Whether it's contractual issues or maybe they're just like you know testing the waters right now to see like what the internet is saying before they make the decision on who they're going to kill. Yeah. yeah I like that idea even more. That's I heard totally- cast members knew who was going to die. Well, no. I've heard that cast members did not know who was going to die. Mm-hmm. But the – but – Norman Reedus slipped up, and he slipped up and said that he knew who died. Mm. So it makes people think that some actors have the the inside knowledge that others don't. Yeah. You're, you're not going to tell Chandler Riggs no. who dies. You're not going to tell some 15, 16-year-old kid who dies. Yeah. Just yeah, like – just it well known? in the Marvel movies – Anthony Mackie, the guy who's always yap, yeah. yapping, and Sebastian Stan, who's not like a big guy in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. they don't know this like the script yeah. before Chris Evans does. Chris Evans knows it. They don't know which one of them is going to be the next Captain America. Exactly. But, <laughs> but Chris Evans knows everything. Yes. So some of these guys are privy, some are not. Norman Reedus did backtrack, and now I think he's acting like he doesn't know or something. But he actually admitted that he knows who dies. Mm. When... All the other cast doesn't know who dies. And the cast are saying, like, this is the most emotional episode ever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Which made everybody think that somebody was going to die in this episode. The mm-hmm. only reason it was emotional for all of them is because they know that somebody died, but they didn't know if they were out of a fucking job. Yeah. I think it's also emotional, too. Like, on a show like this, you don't get the whole cast together in one scene very often. And even that, like, ramps up emotion for mm-hmm. the actual actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Having them all there on set for, like... Two, three entire days. Except for Carol, Morgan, and Gabriel, and that's it. Yeah. But everybody Carol else was wasn't there. there. I swear I saw her. Carol was with She me. was on the episode, but she her was on the uh, But she was not there. Carol and Morgan are kind of like off doing their own thing. And then. They were the story, you know, in between the good story. Mm. Exactly. They were the shit story. <laughs> the B story, I exactly. would say. Exactly. 
Something the, to cut away to. And then you had Gabriel and then like the rest of the Alexandrians, which, which made no sense to me. It's like Rick, like everybody that's like worth anything is like gone. Like you've got like Gabriel there and then like the rest of the Alexandrians holding up the fort. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 Cause clearly all, all the, I mean, all the badass people are at the suspenseful scene. That's what makes it suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. people that die like are necessary. Well, and then Rick, uh, Rick, but been, yeah, like, your village is completely unprotected. Rick has been trying to protect Carl like the entire season and, and every other previous season, but like this time, he's like, "Yeah, it's okay. You can come with us on this fucking mission to you know if we have to kill saviors. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, come along." <laughs> Which made no sense to me either. I, he's always telling Carl stay behind. So that kind of weirded me out too. I was like, there should be more people than just this girl trying to stop Carl. Right, right. All right, let's uh, let's uh, take a break. Oh wait, wait. there is one other thing. Um, what about the those knights showing up at the end of Morgan's story? Oh yeah, you excited for things to come? Uh, the kingdom. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's pretty much what that's implying. Yeah, yeah, I am excited. Absolutely. It's kind of what's interesting. I've always liked Walking Dead because it does keep you guessing Mm. if you have read the comics, but that's a a nice nod to them. And, uh, you know, do you think we're going to get a a tiger in the season to come? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and um, (sighs) that's tough, man. I'm thinking budget, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, 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 I mean... The Flash can give us a fucking shark. Why not? So <laughs> yeah, that's my only thought. Is it's like I'd almost imagine it being CG almost entirely, which is mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, at this point where we are, it'll look as good as like the the tigers in uh, Gladiator, the CGI right. the CGI tigers in Gladiator on TV. <laughs> so maybe maybe they'll do it, um, but uh, we'll we'll find out. I suppose that's yep. yeah. Yeah, good question though. Um, yeah, and uh, what did you have? You haven't watched any of the Jesus episodes this season, have you? No, I haven't. I was trying to spot him because I thought all the other characters that were new to me were great castings. Yeah, yeah, he's he's at the hilltop, but man, uh, the guy that plays Jesus is great, man. Yeah, that's really an important man. role because he's basically like the Glenn replacement, right? So to speak. So yeah, that's true. Uh, I did get a Walking Dead email that I want to really read really quick, and then we'll take another break. Ronnie D says, uh, I find it interesting that the season finale of The Walking Dead ended with a point of view shot from whoever was killed by Negan, when I am most interested in the point of view of Negan himself. Who would Robert Kirkman kill? Who do the fans think will die? Who cares? I want to know what Negan is thinking. Uh, I don't know anything about Negan because I have not read the graphic novel, but he is obviously a very powerful guy and must have some qualities that have put him in this position. A man with a lot of followers who are ruthless, yet organized, should know what he's doing. When he's when he plays the eeny, meeny, miny, mo game, I don't think he's randomly picking someone. I think he's pointing his bat at each person to see their reaction. He's deciding who to kill. Does he choose the person who appears to be least scared because he needs everyone to fall in line and do what he says? Or does he choose the leader, Rick, which would probably weaken them the most and they would no longer have a true leader? I'm sure Rick won't be killed, but it would make sense from Negan's point of view. Uh, so my question is, from Negan's point of view, who should he kill? Hmm, That's a, that's a good question. From Negan's point of view, yeah. 
the, I mean, to answer the guy, the guy's questions, like they do, I feel like with Negan having that dialogue at the end of the episode, like he shows you, like it sounds like this guy gets the idea that Negan is conveying, like that calm demeanor. And while it looks like a game, yeah, he, he's totally, you know, sizing them all up. Um, so like you're reading it exactly how it's intended. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think he randomly picks one to kill. I think he, he may be making the decision right then and there, but the eeny, meeny, miny, mo isn't the deciding factor. No, nah, man, he's just having fun. Exactly, it, exactly. It, it's a show to Sadistic him, fun. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing is he's not going to kill Rick. Like, he does bring up a good point, but he wants to break Rick. Uh, that's the other game. Like, clearly Rick has is been stubborn enough to kill all these people. How many other Ricks are in his group already? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many but other people has he broken that have many, joined yeah. up with him? How many Ricks are a part of the Saviors now that he's broken and now that are his lackeys? That'll probably be like Dwayne's story or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Um, that they've shown a little bit in this episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I think that's like the true game kind of thing like anybody else can die but if you can you know break this stubborn man then that's the real victory right absolutely all right so uh let's uh he gives us a fuck mary kill but it's really directed towards jay and jay's not here with us this week so thank you for are the- they all dead people huh are they all dead people yeah, yeah it's if all it's dead a walking people. dead fuck <sighs> mary kill then of course it's directed to jay yeah where where was it he asked the question he's like uh Amanda Seafried, Lily Kane from Veronica Mars, Evangeline Lilly, Nameless Corpse in an ABC miniseries, Kingdom Hospital, and then Gina Davis from Beetlejuice. Okay. So that's for Jay. Jay's not here. So moving on. Thank you, Ronnie yeah. D. Thank you for saving us from that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst fuck Mary kill we've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, <right>. Ronnie. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. All right, Gangsters Fuck News this week. Deadline is reporting that Joe Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse... Those names mean nothing to me. Yeah. But they have been tapped to write the sequel. This is the big news. The sequel to Tom Cruise and Doug Liman's sci-fi sleeper hit, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, wow. A sequel to that, huh? Yes. And Doug Liman is coming back to direct the sequel. Nice. And Cruise will be back, too, I assume? Cruise is coming back. Wow. That's cool. Not sure about Emily Blunt, but uh, uh, Ryan, did you ever see uh, Edge of Tomorrow? I did not. I slept on that one. It's worth seeing. Check it out. Yeah? Yeah, it's really good. It's very good. Very good. Yeah, Tom Cruise always surprises me. I don't know why, but I'm never interested in his films. And then I see him, and I'm like, oh, wow. So I should learn. You should watch it. Have you seen Oblivion? Uh, no, I have not. You should watch that one, too. It's very good. All right. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I was just excited to hear that uh, we're getting a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow was was a lot of fun. Yeah. Tom Cruise is still going to be in the uh, Mummy reboot. That's still happening. I didn't even know that was happening. Wait, really? Yes. Yes. Uh, for the, play Brendan Fraser? 
Well, I, I hopefully they won't have a Brendan Fraser <laughs> type character in this one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, for the longest time they were talking about him taking over the Sean Connery role in the Highlander. Mm. And he, that kind of dropped off, and now he's not going to be in the Highlander reboot. He's going to do a Mummy reboot for Universal. Um, I'm hoping with his name attached that we'll get a good Mummy movie. I, I did not like the, – the first two I absolutely hated. Of the Mummy movies? Yes. They're all bad. The third one I actually kind of the, – the Jet Li one? Yeah. I actually kind of liked it because it was just stupid. Yeah, confession. I never watched the third one. Okay. It's the best about out of all the three. <laughs> Yeah, my wife has had it on a lot, so I've seen it in the background. Yeah. Your wife has had The Mummy 3 on a lot? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird movie to have on a lot. Dude, she's the one who watches the anime, so you can get an idea, you know. Okay. If we remember uh, Lost Village earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah, she watches a lot of anime. I hear that on your episodes. Yeah. yeah she's like she's an the, anime guru. The, expert hey but uh, hey i i texted her on break she has not heard of lost village so you even got her beat there yes yes <laughs> nice yes i want to know what she thinks about lost village in a future comic slabs episode yeah well i told her we were going to sit down and watch it and she's actually really excited for awesome. that awesome so. just go into it not expecting anything but expecting everything <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you're gonna get scripted <laughs> Guys, Transformers 5. Yeah. Transformers 5 is going to be coming out. And uh, Transformers 4 was not supposed to be directed by Michael Bay. But you know what? He couldn't stay away. No, he still can't stay away. And he still can't stay away. Michael Bay is coming back for Transformers 5. And they have the new writer's room. I was really... I, guys, I'll be honest with you. Kind of excited for the new writer's room. We had yeah. Zach Penn. We had Steven Denight. Showrunner for the first season of Daredevil. Oh wow! That okay? Yeah, I was excited. Was it Kirkman involved? Kirkman was involved. He is not in the writers' room now. He has dropped out of that project. Mm. Too busy working on things like you know Outcast for Cinemax, uh, Fear the Walking Dead, uh, and then The Walking Dead, of course. But I just found out that they did gain, and I don't know how to take this news. I love this movie. They gained Jonathan Sela as their cinematographer, who did the cinematography for John Wick. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Transformers Five. Yeah, it's hard saying. I have no clue. I wouldn't do it without Bay, though. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for them to reboot without Bay. I want it, at least three more. It reminds me of like a retar- a retiring uh, like athlete. You know, every year you think this is their last one, and they're like, "No, I'm going to break that record. I'm coming back." Oh, this is Favre. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's like that the Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> I love Jake's laugh there. <laughs> I, I love it when Jake laughs and there's like no response. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we lost mirrors. <laughs> nope, we're just listening to your creepy laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, that's news. Um, <laughs> All right, time for emails. Mo- no, I wish. <laughs> Moving on to Marvel news, which I don't even think I have. Yeah, I do. I got it. Here we Marvel go. news. <laughs> Spoiler. 
<laughs> That's our best bumper, right? Is it? Of all the bumpers, it's, I think it's my favorite. Gangsta's Fuck was yeah. really cool at first. This one's really held the test of time, though. Yeah, it's good. Marvel, Marvel News is funny every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made them. Yeah, I made it. It's the so best. I, I'm I thought your favorite was the news or the uh, mail motherfucker one. That's oh, my favorite yeah. of the email submission okay. bumpers. But Marvel beats that one. Yeah, Marvel beats that one. You know what? I think the DC one topped it recently. We'll see how it holds up over time. But mm, right, now. I like the Marvel one better than the DC one. That's typical for me, though. Yeah, yeah Marvel, <laughs> Marvel <laughs> fuck boy. All right, guys, we all kind of expected this bit of news to get confirmed, but here it is from Entertainment Weekly. Marvel Studios characters will join Spider-Man standalone movie. So Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige told Entertainment Weekly, yes, not only does Spidey end up helping Iron Man in Civil War, but the plan is for some Marvel Cinematic Universe stalwarts to appear in Spider-Man's film. He is in the universe now, and the fun of the universe is that characters go back and forth. Feige can't say exactly who from the MCU will appear in the Spider-Man film, but uh, yeah, he said that when he was asked by Entertainment Weekly. So it's confirmed. No big fucking surprise. No, not at all. Who's your number one draft pick to be in the Spider-Man movie from mm. the Marvel Cinematic U? Number one draft pick. I got one. Go for uh, it. I would say uh, Captain America. Uh, it like it, it would uh, probably tie over to it like if big if if Spidey happens to maybe switch sides if they even have enough time to tell a story like that. Um, but the idea of Cap showing up in that movie would have bigger implications, and it would make sense as that role model character if this is a young Spider-Man without an origin story. Spoiler: Captain America dies in Civil War. Uh, yeah, that is, like, the going theory. I'm not saying that that's what's gonna happen. I'm just saying, right. like, what if that is the spoiler? Yeah, I did. And we've got a, we've got a Spider-Man yeah, movie coming out in 2007. We've got a Spider-Man movie coming out the next year, so. Yeah. Right. That would throw off that whole feeling. Yeah, sorry to throw a fucking uh, monkey wrench in your whole theory there, Chief. <laughs> no, that's great. I almost enjoy it more now. It was his draft pick. He can mm-hmm. pick whoever he wants. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, with especially in the comics, Cap and Spidey have that kind of relationship, you know? Yeah. Who's your number one draft pick, do you know? Yeah, just Cap showing up uh, showing up on, like, a rooftop talking to him and shit. Yeah. yeah. That, Giving him a data boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would I pick? Yeah. If I could pick anybody? Yeah. I would pick, definitely, I would go with a villain. Yeah. Um... Let me think here. How about D'Onofrio? <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's what I'm worried about. Like, I want to keep the character dark, though. Yeah. If I have Kingpin in there, I want to keep it dark. And I'm worried that that Marvel wouldn't do that. But, you know, it's like, come on, let's take a page out of Harry Potter here. Mm-hmm. You know, we got, yeah, we got a kid in here. But, man, you know, fucking, fucking Voldemort's dark as fuck. Yeah, exactly. So let's do this. Let's 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 let D'Onofrio stretch his fucking legs in a fucking Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that would be amazing. That's what I'm for, and let him let him do his thing. Let's take let's let's fucking take a little bit of that Netflix darkness and put it into a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, fucking smashing Uncle Ben's head in the car door and shit. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll freak Peter out. Yeah, fucking Aunt May right in front of him. <laughs> I'd be fucking Aunt May too. It's fucking Marissa Tomei. Yeah, dude. <laughs> 
Marissa Tomei. Yeah, never in my wildest dreams did I think I would have masturbatory thoughts about Aunt May, but here we are. It's the future. (laughs) The future is here. Yeah. I didn't think I'd have them again, but Marissa Tomei, maybe she brought me back again. (laughs) First there was Rosemary Harris. Oh, God. Oh, man. I was tugging one out to her last night. (laughs) Jesus. Damn woman. I swear. Wow. Gilf, man. I'm telling you. Gilf. Elf. Anti like the fuck. Yeah. I'm more of a classic Golden Girls kind of guy myself, so... You know, never had a problem with that. Which idiot. golden girl? Which golden girl are you taking? Which golden girl are you taking to the bedroom? B. Arthur, of course. You're taking B? Yeah. <laughs> Queen B herself. Queen B. <laughs> Jake. Which, we, which one's Blanche? That, that was, uh, what was her name? What was, what was her real name? I don't remember. I can't remember either. But that's my pick. You're taking Blanche? Taking the Blanche. slutty one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had the stories, yeah. She'll be down for anything. I'll give her another story. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Rose, man. All day long. <laughs> I like how we all three have different picks. Yeah. yeah just like the Ninja Turtles from uh, last week. <laughs> yes, <know>? yes. Let's <laughs> call back. Nobody wants a Stelgetti, though. <laughs> yeah. She can videotape the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> For some reason, it's worse when it's all in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, the uh, Captain America Civil War reviews are in from the people that have seen the screeners. Uh, Most of the people that have seen the the screeners for Captain America, not screeners, but uh, like the screening event, Mm -hmm. excuse me, for Captain America Civil War, um, they've been tweeting. Uh, Kevin McCarthy says... uh, at 8 p.m., Winter Soldier was my favorite MCU movie. Roughly 2.5 hours later, Civil War is now number one. Action masterpiece, Spider-Man. Yeah, lots of interesting tweets. Uh, I like that they didn't keep it under wraps, man. That's kind of been the, uh, you know, normally when the movies keep the reviews under wraps, we're disappointed. Well, I mean, we saw that with Fantastic Four, which didn't have a screening, like a pre-screening. Um, Batman v Superman. Like had it like right before. Like this is this is how movies should be. Mm-hmm. You know, like Marvel's like they know what they're doing. Like this is how movies should be. Just let people watch it like a month or so early and yeah, fucking and letting it generate. And Deadpool did the same thing. They did it about a month early. Yeah, yeah. This is the way it should be. I mean, if you're not hiding anything, this is what you're gonna. This is hopefully what you want to hear. So, uh, Stephen Weintraub from Collider said, uh, "Captain America: Civil War is a Barry Bond steroids hitting home run by Marvel and the Russo brothers." And I loved Spider-Man in the film. Loved. Wow. Uh, he says, "Captain America: Civil War had such incredible action set pieces because you care about the people fighting. It's not just punching bad guys." Uh, let's see here. Who? Uh, Mike Simpson says the first two reviews. Saying good things about Spider-Man, that's really uh, uplifting. Yeah, there's been a lot of high praise for both Spider-Man and Black Panther from all the tweets and reviews I've Ooh. read. Mike Sampson says, uh, Captain America Civil War is so good, it's a better Avengers movie than the last Avengers movie. Well, that's not tough. He also says, the big battle scene in Civil War is an absolute blast. Spider-Man, as you'd expect, steals the show. Ant-Man, as you might not, a close second. That tells me we're getting, just like the Funko Pop suggests, we're getting Giant Man. Yeah. The Lego set's out, too, with Giant Man Lego. Do you think they'll have a surprise packed in there in in that form? I do. I do. And, 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 like, a lot of people are hoping that when Hawkeye, 
pulls back that arrow and uh, shoots off Ant-Man. He's small. And then as soon as he rolls, he turns into Giant Man and just punches everybody on that runway. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that, a lot of people are hoping that's what happens. I think we're 100% seeing Giant Man. Now. We're seeing Giant Man. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to have the toys if we don't see him. Uh, let's see here. Jermaine Lassier says, I honestly don't know how Civil War works. There's so much going on, but it does. Spidey, Spidey is amazing. Made me smile and laugh till my face hurts. Okay, good. Uh, Devin Faraci says the movie is bigger in scale than Winter Soldier, but it's so much more personal. The stakes are incredibly emotional. Uh, you have only seen 1% of the airport fight. The action is incredible. There's a staircase fight that turns into a chase that's an all-timer. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see these action set pieces. I can't either. I cannot either. John are there Camp- any bad reviews? This sounds. I, I mean, of course, they're probably only releasing the great ones, but... I'm sure if you want to read bad reviews, I'm sure they're out there on Twitter. And people are on Twitter, though. And I saw an article that was, like, collecting all the tweets together, and there was nothing really that negative. John Campia from... Uh, I think he's also from Collider. He says, uh, Civil War is fantastic, flat-out fantastic. Either my number two or number three favorite Marvel film so far. Better than Batman v Superman. Not quite as good as Deadpool. <laughs> huh. Okay, well, yeah. Once again, like, the, the bars that people are setting are real easy hurdles to get over. Yeah, better than Batman v Superman. <laughs> See, but that kind of brings me to what I was getting at. Like, uh, I really do want to pick apart Civil War also. Like, I don't want to seem like I, you know, like, you know, obviously... DC's screwing up because, like, like you know, Age of Ultron. Brian, you and I agreed that movie was terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, Marvel can do shitty movies. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I know I'm going into it biased because I've loved both of the Captain America movies before this. So, oh, me too. I, I unlike Jake and Jay are not the biggest fans of. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. I, I love that movie. I loved it too. I, I know it's cheesy and hammy and everything, and I love everything about it. That, I, see, that's the thing. It's like I, 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 and I shouldn't love it because like I'm like a World War II purist. I love World War II movies, and, and this is like World War II set in the Marvel Universe, and it's, yeah. it's not even close to being historically accurate, and I should by – by all convention, I should hate this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. It's just that Bucky train sequence drives me fucking crazy every time. I hate that shit. I just wish they'd keep that, you know, where he died with Cap. Oh, I was okay with it. I thought I, I that was one of the many times, I guess, in this decade, I've just come to realize that they're going to adapt things. Things change. So I thought that was an okay adaptation. Yeah, it's a, uh, that one really bothers me. I don't hate Captain America First Avenger, though. I like its cheekiness and its campiness, too. The USO show stuff is really fun and hilarious. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear some more praise about Spider-Man and Black Panther? I actually do. I am kind of enjoying it. Devin Frosty uh, says, uh, first things first, we finally have the perfect Spider-Man and the greatest Peter Parker. Oh, man. Chris Tilly says, did I say Spider-Man is great? Because Spider-Man is great. Though feels like the retrofitted the movie to include him really great. Uh, Jeff Goldsmith says Spider Man was excellently played in Civil War. His function in the story plus the correct amount of humor made it really pitch perfect. Every DC fanboy right now is just saying 
fuck you. Oh, I know. Right it's kind of interesting in those last two reviews, though. Like, the one mentions that they probably retrofitted. Uh-huh. And then the next one talks about how the story, you know, does fit to them. You know, so obviously they did do some backtrack and rewriting and stuff. Right. But, I mean, they did well. Uh, Jim uh, Vavoida says, uh, Spider-Man is both the best and most expandable part of Civil War. I want to see more of him. Um, Don K says, Spider-Man also gets a great introduction in Civil War. He and Ant-Man steal the big battle scene, which is awesome already. Um, Ant-Man praise. This is amazing. Steven Weintraub from Collider says, Chadwick Boseman is fantastic as Black Panther. Can't wait to see his solo film. He absolutely nailed the role. Uh, Devin Frosty says about Black Panther, Black Panther is incredible. Bozeman plays him as both regal and full of rage, the most serious character in the film. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Chris Tilly says Black Panther is really, re- uh, really regally badass. I mean, these are <laughs> – I don't know. I, I, I think the Russo brothers may have done it again, guys. I'm, I, I got to see the movie for myself. But This only instills hope and it does. good feelings. It does. But it, does it feel like – could it also be because it does it also feel like the media is kind of like trained like every time a DC movie comes out it gets low ratings and then a Marvel movie comes out even though we hated Age, uh, Age of Ultron, Ryan it, yeah. it, it was certified fresh like very much so certified fresh yeah. I'm talking like high 80s or low 90s about the uh, fifth or sixth review you read I realized that these were the exact same people that were paid to poop on Batman v Superman so. You know, it's all a conspiracy. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, to be fair, though, when Batman v Superman was screened, there was lots of positive tweets, too. I mean, it was like Batman it was going to change the game. Batman v Superman was screened in front of Warner Brothers executives. When, yeah. it was, when that first, when the first news came out, yeah. when we heard of like, uh, ah, people have watched Batman v Superman and there was a, there was applause at the end of the screening, yeah. that was in front of the Warner Brothers ex- from, from the people who make the money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the other thing that stands out to me though is like when you, I mean, I, I, we're going to compare them, so we might as well. But when it was like leading up to Batman v Superman, it's Batman, it's Superman, it's Wonder Woman, it's the biggest characters of DC, and you feel like that can't be disappointing to hear things like Ant Man is a surprise, you know, or steals the show. Yeah. Like, that blows my mind. Ant-Man? Yeah, that's awesome. The way Marvel has taken these C-list, B-list characters and elevated them to the A-list game is one of the most impressive things about the whole Marvel Studios thing in the first place. Well, they've had the time to do it. Yeah, but even from the beginning, I mean, I I always say even Iron Man himself was a B-list character. I've always agreed with that, too. Yeah, say what you want about them not owning the rights to the characters. They're doing some surprising things with the characters they have. I think it's Marvel casting. I I think Marvel casting has done a great job, for the most part. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver, definitely a miss in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sold on Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch yet. Um, Paul Rudd is so far a taste it for me, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like it could change in Civil War. Yeah, I want to hate him because it is so different from his comic book counterpart. Right. But at the same time, like, the movie wasn't bad. No, it I, wasn't. And I tasted it. And I still taste it. I would agree with that. Um, but I, Marvel casting's been great so far, um, in my opinion. I think Chadwick Boseman is going to be a great Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not... 
I'm Tom Holland's going to have to sell me. I, I I'm going in. I'm going in hoping for the best, but. Uh, I mean, of course, like this news gets me excited. Yeah, I read an interesting article where one of the people that just saw Civil War said we see Spider-Man for 20 minutes in this movie in costume and then Peter Parker for 10 minutes out of costume. Mm. And he was surprised at how much Spider-Man and Peter Parker we got in this movie. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, they started filming in Atlanta and they were, I mean, he was there. Tom Holland was there the entire time. Even Mm. though he was still, you know, trying out for the part, he was there the whole time. So I thought... We could get some. I thought we could get uh, a lot of Spider-Man. So it sounds like we are. I mean, a half an hour—that's a lot of time. Right? I mean, well, this is the best. Sony needs a good commercial for Spider-Man mm-hmm. because Sony. Sony's not about. They're not gonna. They they can't play it. They can't play this safe. I guess. Uh, what am I trying to say here? They they. With the last two movies, even though they did kind of well financially, mm-hmm. Spider-Man should be making a billion dollars. Oh, easily. There's no reason that Iron Man 3 makes $1.3 billion, but a Spider-Man movie makes $600 million. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. That makes it's the, it's the exact same thing that's going on with Batman v Superman right now. Like, yeah, the numbers look impressive, but mm-hmm. they were planning on making a lot more money. Yeah, that movie should have been $1.5 to $2 billion. Yeah, easily. Easily. It's Batman and Superman. For the first time ever. And, oh, we're also going to give you Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. And Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is, like, Sony's not going to come in here after, like, being totally disappointed with the last performances and, in my opinion, just tease Spider-Man and hope that people will come to the theaters just because you got the Marvel... I don't know. Just because it, 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 they are teamed up with Marvel Studios, I think that they're going to want to. I think they're going to want to give us the best Spider-Man commercial we've ever seen. Yeah, it sounds that, like the Russo brothers did them right. No, you're you're on onto it, Brian. Like, yeah, Spider-Man is not really what's selling that this movie. It's an awesome bullet point, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it has not been impressive in movie theaters for most of us. So therefore, like, it really is like Marvel, like putting Spider-Man over the top, right? Right, right. I was just, I was really just worried about this Tom Holland kid. You know, I was like, can you too? Yeah, I, I it, I'm skeptical, man. Yeah, I mean, because this kid's got to have the chops to play a young Peter Parker, and then like just to go toe to toe in with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, this, this is a great cast, and so right. he's got to somehow live up to that right exactly i mean robert downey jr makes like and i I like jeremy renner but he makes jeremy renner look like a fucking nobody in these films agreed Agreed. he makes him look like hawkeye (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right guys we're gonna move on we're gonna move on to emails here here real quick uh we'll do as many of these emails as we can before i fucking get sick of them and we wrap well we're done <laughs> his call, not yours. No, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> All right, moving on to emails. If I can find the email bumper, you know what? I don't. I can't. Yeah, here it is. Mail, motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Mail, motherfucker. We need to do the retro mail, motherfucker, one time again. Oh, the old one? Yeah. I don't know if I have it. <laughs> Aww. All right, first email comes from Shy A. Nechi. 
Um, hey, Ryan, let me explain. First, let me explain the email segment. Um, since you don't get any on your shows, this is like, if, <laughs> yeah, don't explain it to your listeners. Explain it to me. Right. Like when people listen to your show and they want to reach out, it, yeah. yeah, and they enjoy it and they want to reach out to you, they can get on the, on their computers and then they can send you an email and ask you questions about your show. Oh, wow. I just figured they were so satisfied that I answered all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I go to sleep every night. Like, oh, another day of satisfied listeners. No emails. We must have been perfect again. <laughs> well, this first email comes from Shy A. Nechi. It's titled, Did You Know? Question <laughs> mark. And it reads, You don't know me. <laughs> Warmest regards, Shy. Oh, nice, nice. Shy, you can eat the motherfucking shit out of my motherfucking ass. You don't know me, Shy. You don't know me, motherfucker. Scott Shooty sends us Old man Shooty. The old man Shooty. Fucking, god damn it, Scott. You and your... Should I ban him? Yeah. Jesus Christ, Scott. Every fucking week with you. He's got to keep that typewriter in use. He's like, uh... It's like uh, he's older than us. He's like in his uh, uh, 40s and shit. And I guess you're supposed to respect your elders, but this is fucking ridiculous, Scott. Every fucking week with you. What is it about? What's the topic? Uh, good uh, g- good evening, leftovers and left outs. So while folks were debating the merits of Zack Snyder remaining in the DCU, my wife and I decided to roll the di- I feel sorry for his wife. She's got to listen to him yammer on all fucking day. <laughs> I, bet, I bet she's just fucking like... I bet her fucking eyes have rolled back into the back that's of her fucking he, skull. That's why he keeps emailing. She's like, God damn it, just type it to the PCL already. <laughs> yeah, I bet his wife oh. is like, God, I wish PCL episodes were 15 hours long. No, shit. <laughs> as soon as he wraps up an episode, it's like he's back to talking to her. <laughs> God damn it. I feel sorry. I'm sorry, Mrs. Shooty. <laughs> 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 we'll try to make this as long as we can. Anyway... Uh, he says, uh, while folks were debating the merits of Zack Snyder remaining in the DCU, my wife and I decided to roll the dice and check out a British movie with limited release. It's called Eye in the Sky, and it's currently sitting at 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, so our odds were pretty good that we'd get a decent show. The Eye in the Sky is a drone hovering at 20,000 feet over a terrorist safe house in Kenya. Inside, you know what, Scott? We've got this thing where you can write movie reviews. You can actually write your own movie review, and I'll post it on our website so that you don't have to fucking bore me with your you get it with your fucking long ass fucking email. But I gotta guarantee fucking, you'll publish it, right? Yeah, like, I'll publish can... it. You just fucking, you know what? You just fucking send me a fucking review of a movie, and I'll publish the son of a bitch. That way, I don't have to read your fucking bullshit on my show. <laughs> I like this attitude. <laughs> All right, here he is. He talks about this movie uh, fucking having drones in it. Now we get to listen to Scott drone on about it. <laughs> Our favorite drone, Scott Shooty. <laughs> so uh, the eye in the sky is a, uh, eye in the sky is a drone hovering at twenty thousand feet over a terrorist safe house in Kenya. Uh, inside are three of the most wanted terrorists in the world gearing up for a suicide bombing mission. Uh, it should be an easy call. Have the drone rain down a Hellfire missile and level the place. But there's just one catch. A small and innocent young girl is just outside selling bread in the marketplace. What follows is an intense and powerful debate on the rules of engagement and the morality of modern drone warfare. And the love of bread. 
What? <laughs> Uh, one of the. I'm kidding. I added that. Last I knew part. you did. I knew. <laughs> I was on to you that time. And the, love, and, the, and the love of bread. Sponsored by Panera. <laughs> one of the. Uh, it's it's the like brought to you by Sunbeam. Yeah. One of the things that gets me with this is it's one of the the like the third most wanted terrorists. You said uh, inside are three of three the, of them. Three of the most wanted terrorists in the world gearing up gearing for, up for uh, yeah. suicide bombing. Suicide. That doesn't seem too smart. Like get somebody who's not so wanted to do the suicide bombing. <laughs> yeah, you know, good call. Maybe they're gearing people up to do a suicide bombing. I don't see why they would be so wanted then. And why do they hate bread? Yeah, <laughs> and little girls. <laughs> wrong with these people all, all you see is like this little girl with bombs going on around her and she's like they hate this bread <laughs> <laughs> oh man he says eye in the sky has an amazing cast including helen mirren aaron i think scott just likes to hear himself Yes. He just likes to hear his thoughts every week. Hear us read his words. Yeah. You think he really found, like, the diamond in the rough? Like, this is the movie we all slept on? No, it's actually in theaters right now. I saw trailers for it. Yeah. Scott acts like he's, like, I don't know. This movie didn't come from nowhere. Yeah, exactly. This plot sounds so familiar, though. Isn't it similar to to one of the Sniper movies recently? You've probably seen the trailer, too. Yeah, maybe. I remember the little girl eating the bread in the trailer. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not joking. I remember wanting to kill her. <laughs> I remember saying, just drop the bomb. Yeah, One little girl, you're, right you're stopping three giant terrorists. Uh, I just was like, oh, shit, I need some bread. <laughs> I was totally out. <laughs> Soup bowl, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Eye in the Sky has an amazing cast, including Helen Mirren, uh, Aaron Paul, Alan Rickman, uh, and even I'm the Captain Now, Barkad Abdi. That's a guy from that uh, Tom Hanks movie. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm the Captain Now. Yeah, your way of describing it is the only way I'll ever know him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. He says, uh, this is Alan Rickman's last performance, and for that reason alone, you should go see it. Uh, wow, that that kind of pulls on the heartstrings. Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, the late, great Alan Rickman. Absolutely. He is wonderful and uh, gives a powerful speech at the end of the movie, which hit us right in the gut. Uh, but all of the performances are solid, and director Gavin Woods craftily builds tension amongst all involved and delivers fantastic non-Hollywood ending, uh, a non-Hollywood ending to this film. So they blow the girl up. Yeah, they kill her. <laughs> they Fuck kill the bread. her. Fuck That's, your bread. That's as non-Hollywood as you can get. Uh, it also shows off some very cool modern surveillance tools that had the audience buzz, had my audience buzzing. <laughs> I think that was just, people were getting bored with the movie and women were using vibrators during this film. <laughs> yeah, that Scott. was phones going off. <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> uh, it's almost over. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's wife was sick of listening to him talk and so <laughs> she pulled out the old vibrator. Yeah, Scott, I'm sorry. That's the only thing that's going to get finished when he starts going on. (laughs) 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 The movie is a complete Tupperware, and if you haven't seen it, you should go and seek it out before it's gone. Uh, (laughs) What was so funny about that? Just going right back onto the email. I know. (laughs) Just curious if any of you have caught this little gem and what your thoughts might be. Uh, thanks again for all you do. Have a great show. And keep your drones out of my fucking yard. <laughs> keep, yeah, you stop droning. It's from old man shooty. Yeah, stop stop droning on and on, Scott. Um, you don't know my fucking drones. Yeah. You can eat my drones, asshole. <laughs> 
So any any uh, I, I'm gonna see it just because Alan Rickman's in it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna go see it in the theater. No, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'll, see I'll it wait, the but I'll definitely see yeah, it. I'm 100 percent in on this movie, but not on, not in the theater. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Martin sends us an email titled "You Don't Know Me." <laughs> a lot of that this week. I'm yeah. sure. Hey, I'm leftovers. Taking a drink during the titles. <laughs> hey, leftovers. Hopefully, Brian has a better internet connection this week, so he actually gets my email on time. Uh, that House of Cards email you read last week was sent about two weeks before that. So you think I have the time to write two me- two emails in one week? You don't know me. <laughs> nah, I'm a 21-year-old man, baby, with way too much time on my hands. You got me. Joe Martin. Busted. Guilty as charged. Thanks for wasting our time, Joe. I'll yeah. give him some credit. At 21 years old, I wasn't even a man, baby. I was just a straight baby. Were you a bearded man, baby? Uh, Do you remember no, that? Beard- remember that episode? Yeah. <laughs> bearded Man Baby. We had a fucking a episode time. titled Bearded Man I Baby. I do, I do. Yeah. It's what number? A, I can't remember. I can't remember the number. 77. Something. God dang it. You got, this is a lot of emails this week, Jake. Yeah, we're done. People, are we really this, done? Those bands, like, uh, you know, it's backfired? There's, is there a Daredevil Season 2 email? Uh, I'm not sure. Here's uh, Sean Harris says uh, he's got one titled Holy Fuck. That's a good comic book. Let's read it. He says, uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. I love you, sons of bitches. That's it. Real sentimental there. Thanks, Sean. All right. Next email comes from Maria. Remember Maria? She's the she does the iTunes review. She's the mother that lets her six year old listen on his way to kindergarten. Oh, one of my favorite listeners. Yeah, yeah, mine too. I'm jealous. I like the kid. The kid, yeah, both yeah. of them. Two of my favorite listeners. Yeah. Don't let your kid eat bread, though. You never <laughs> know what could happen to him on the way to school. Bomb oh. the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's titled "Fuck Leroy Jenkins in the Ear." Remember Leroy Jenkins? I do remember Sent Leroy us that Jenkins. Fucking email. Yeah, brah. Yeah, brah. <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Dear leftovers, I'm a person with a vagina." <laughs> Whoa. Hey, back up. What? Back up? With that vagina? Yeah. She says, I'm a person with a vagina, and I fucking hate Leroy Jenkins, mostly because he's a lavender-scented douchebag. <laughs> he doesn't know you guys to call you turds, and he should definitely suck Jay's dick. <laughs> Not all women are anti-comics and pop culture. I'm actually a bigger Star Wars and DC Comics fan than my husband. Our dumbass friend Leroy makes a lot of assumptions about women. That are totally false just because a woman will sleep with you. It doesn't mean she's happy to do it. Or that he is in any way, shape, or form successful with women. I heard that shitty recording of his old lady and their discussion. It sounds to me that he has bigger problems to worry about. The disdain in her voice sounds like she might be unhappy with his tiny penis. Wow. Or perhaps she's already found satisfaction elsewhere. Either way, if you aren't happy with your partner or don't share the same passions, don't email a podcast about it. Just text her like the pussy you are. Because a man would just be honest and say this to her face and break up with dignity. Gal Gadot is amazing in Batman v Superman. Now she's going on. Wow. Gal Gadot is amazing in Batman v Superman, and I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. They've got vaginas, too. I I Tupperware her tits. Her theme in the movie, I Tupperware her tits, her theme in the movie, and Gal's portrayal. I love your podcast. You Tupperware what? 
I, I just thought that was an interesting listing that tits come first. Yeah. The power, Wonder Woman power rankings. Well, Dan West would agree. Her and Dan you. West should be buddies. <laughs> I love your podcast too much to see it become so lame, uh, to, to see it become some lame version of Dear Abby. Mm. Uh, thanks for banning him, Dan. Have an awesome day. Your Amazon friend and terrible mother, Maria. <laughs> nice. Our Amazon friend, is she going to send us free stuff? No, I think she's talking about she's oh, a big Wonder Woman Amazon. fan and Wonder Woman's an Amazonian. <laughs> oh, I don't think she's talking about Amazon Prime. <laughs> the ones with vaginas. Could she hook me up with the free Europe Prime? Everything, every every joke's over to your fucking head this episode. <laughs> I'm so, I was making thank, a joke. No, thank God she didn't say your Chilean friend. <laughs> I was making a joke there. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay. I was making one too at your expense. <laughs> deal with that no but uh I, I think it's interesting now we've got like listeners like writing in and berating other listeners i love that too <laughs> we have uh, an email that we read two weeks ago from this guy and she's fucking saying this guy should suck jay's dick and tell him to uh, his old lady's not satisfied with his penis <laughs> i know Shit's wow fucking crazy on the show they it's become jerry springer going on man yeah, yeah. Leroy jacobs deserves it that email was fucked up it was a fucked up email. With that clip and the everything? The clip and everything. I was creeped out. Yeah. I be- well, Dan banned him. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. He got Dan banned. Did he listen? Did he actually not email? I actually... Uh, Leroy? Yes. Did he listen to that episode? Did he, did he listen to the ban? Yes. Did he not email? Oh, me? I haven't gotten an email back from him. Good. Yeah. So he must have listened. You know who else I haven't gotten an email from? Who's that? Wilderness John. Aww. I haven't heard from him in two weeks. That's, I'm getting worried. Should we call someone? No, nah, he's probably just in the middle of building. Send smoke signals? You think he has a phone? <laughs> Wilderness Johnny got no phone. True Breezy sends us an email titled Advice. Hey, Leftovers, it's time to for Ask the Leftovers. Cue the game show music. Okay, where's that hang-up button? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, she says, this is not related to anything pop culture. Just wanted some quick advice. Uh... I'm most likely going to be making a big move to Texas at the end of the year. I'm in Virginia at the moment. Got any tips on staying awake and driving? What snacks to take? Something to keep the boredom away, etc. Thanks in advance. Breezy. What the fuck has this show become? I know. What the fuck? What the fuck? Don't drive and listen to comic slobs. Yeah, you'll you'll pass out. You'll fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you won't have any questions. I mean, <laughs> you'll have right nothing to sleep. think about. They cover everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, got any tips on staying awake and driving? Uh, get a yeah. good night's rest. Yeah, before get a good you night's drive. rest. Don't drive sleepy. You know, uh, if it, if you start to get sleepy, uh, pull over, go to a rest area, take a nap. Uh, uh, if it's, uh, Turn the music up real loud. Yeah, sometimes music is better than podcasts when you're on your, like, sixth hour of driving. Uh, cold air. Blast you in the face with some cold air. Yeah. That'll wake you up. Uh, Drink have coffee. somebody else drive. That always helps. Ooh. It's a sexy yeah. tip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what snacks to take? What snacks should you take? Uh, bugles. Uh, you can eat the shit out of Jay's ass. <laughs> that's always a good, that's always a good snack. <laughs> what I hear. <laughs> I do hear that. You can eat the shit out of my fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, that's a good good treat. It'll last for hours. Uh, something to keep the boredom away. So, mm. I don't know. Yeah, not comic slobs. Yeah, yeah. We, we've covered that, Jay. <laughs> I don't know. Bugles. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's your answer to everything. All right. She Bugles was, are good. Yeah. You got any tips on staying awake and driving? Bugles. What snacks to take? Bugles. Something to take the boredom away? Bugles. There you go. Bugles. So we are done. We are done. There you go. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by our, our sponsor, Bugles. All right. Is that true? It's a promo code Bugles. Bugles, where you can eat the shit right out of our ass. <laughs> uh, next email comes from Janine Dowling. I uh, just want to throw in my review for Batman v Superman. Uh. This movie is a lot of foreplay. This movie is a lot of foreplay for it to get erectile dysfunction in the end. Toss it. Love you guys, Janine. That was short and sweet. Short and sweet. I like the foreplay. Yeah, I like like the metaphor. Ron White sends us an email. Thank you, Janine. What? Not that Ron White. Not that Ron White. (laughs) Titled, You Can Eat the Fucking Shit Out of My Fucking Ass. Wow. I like not, that you got more emails about that than Batman v Superman. That's true. Not a single Daredevil season two email, but no. plenty of uh, shit out of ass yeah, emails. Yeah, you don't know me. Yeah. You can eat the fucking shit out of my fucking ass. <laughs> uh, dear Leftovers, I'm glad you guys are getting some mileage out of the you don't know me motherfucker <laughs> incident that Jay had a couple weeks back. Uh, that shit is freaking gold. It was an incident. And should somehow, <laughs> and should somehow be worked into a new iTunes review bumper. Uh, I am emailing because some uh, some recent changes in my viewing preferences and want to get some recommendations. Long story short, when I was a lot younger, I had some anger issues and I've been on medication to even me out for a very long time. I no longer experienced any low lows, but I never got to experience any high highs either. Me neither. I have finally gotten my shit together and have weaned myself off these meds. And I have never felt better. I am in a much better place now, and with the support of friends and family, I am happier than I have ever been in forever. And I see the world crisper and cleaner than I ever have before. Uh, the old Ron never cried watching movies or jumped and cheered either. Now, medication-free, I feel like I have full access to all my emotions, and I have found myself bawling my eyes out the other day watching the drowning scene in the abyss with Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Dude, that shit ripped my heart out. It was oddly liberating and just made me feel good that I was able to connect with a movie at such a deep level. Does he mean deep level like emotional or because they were so deep? <laughs> they're so, I was thinking the same yeah, thing. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's because they were so deep under the water, I think. Yeah, dude, wait until you watch 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You're oh, going to be the man. biggest crying pussy I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> no, dude, you think Captain Nemo! <laughs> you should be down here with these Chilean miners, dude. This is as deep as it gets. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I want an emotional ask- wreck. I want to ask the uh, leftovers, what movies or scenes never fail to make you guys cry or jump out of your seat cheering? Uh, now that I feel like a different person, I think I want to revisit some choice moments in cinema with your recommendations, of course. Thanks for keeping me constantly entertained. Keep on keeping on. Sergeant Ron White of the PCL Army signing off. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, so hopefully that carries over to the Army. Uh, sure. Nope. <laughs> You're a dick. He fucking served. You're a fucking asshole. He's got to serve all over again. It starts over when it's pop culture leftover art. I said, sure. You don't fucking count. <laughs> you be a, I don't give a shit. You're a sergeant. He fucking served. You're a dick. No. Get to peeling those potatoes. Private. <laughs> all right, guys. What uh, What movies... 
uh, make you cry or like jump out of your jump out of your seat cheering. Bugles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like as a man, I've been I've been trained to fight those feelings at every uh, t- corner. So uh, try to repress all of those feelings every time I watch a movie. You can't even remember. Uh, actually, I would say up. That's like the worst thing. Oh yeah, that movie. Oh, up the Pixar movie. Yeah, and for some reason I watch it again and again, and it always makes me well up. Yeah, that's one of those weird movies. Where you're right, where it kicks you in the balls in the first ten minutes. Like most of the movies that get you emotional, it's like the last ten, fifteen minutes. But yeah, it's such a mm-hmm. a simple and like relatable story, and they like rip your heart out right away with it. Yeah, that is correct. God, what movie makes me cry? I can't even. Or get up out of your chair and cheer. Get up out of my chair and cheer. Oh, oh man, uh, dirty dancing. Be, dirty uh, dancing. Nobody puts baby in a corner, and when Patrick Swayze. I'm fucking with you. I hate that fucking movie. I can't. Um, what is Animal House? Oh yeah, what part do you cheer at? Uh, would would they do the the oh, jump song or the shout song? <laughs> when they actually tell you to jump and yeah, shout, you yeah, jump and I, shout. I have to get out of my seat. <laughs> oh man, this is a tough question. Uh, I'm drawing a come blank. On, I answered it, Jake. Get it together. I don't know. I cry at Titanic still. So. You never saw Titanic? Oh, jeez. It's it's very good though. It is good. It's it's actually excellent. I I've cried at Titanic. Uh, oh, that music gets me every time. Yeah, Celine Dion. God damn you! <laughs> you fucking siren. <laughs> you haunt me. <laughs> Celine Dion can eat the shit out of my fucking ass. <laughs> oh man. Movies that make me get up and cheer, Pacific Rim. Yeah, that's a good one. When 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 it when when that fucking uh, robot is when that fucking Jaeger is dragging that fucking cruise liner behind him. Yeah, and he's getting ready to beat the shit out of that dude. I cheer every time. I can't stop myself. That reminds me. Um, I saw uh, all the slobs were there. Um, there was a certain weekend we were together, and we saw Godzilla. The night that came out, the last one. Yes. And uh, while that cry? wasn't a great movie overall, uh, the moment when he rips the mm-hmm. like mouth of the other animal and does like the the gamma blast, mm-hmm. like we all like shouted during that. So, can I tell you one part of a movie that 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 makes me get out of my seat and cheer and has like for over twenty years? Let's hear it. Monster Squad. Oh. <laughs> Monster, there's one part in Monster Squad, and I recently did this. I, I watched it for the first time with my niece. She had never seen Monster Squad, and she's like eight years old. And we're watching Monster Squad. It's the part where Rudy takes the fucking, that fucking bow, mm-hmm. and he's fucking, every time he fucking takes those stakes and drives them through those fucking vampire chicks' hearts. Yeah. When he does that, I'm just like, that is like the most badass scene I remember seeing when I was a kid. I loved it. And when I was watching it with her, and she saw it and thought it was so cool too, we both were just like, yeah! And it, 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 it was one of those things that just like, here I am with my eight-year-old niece watching this, and she's getting a kick out of it too. Damn. And it was like her first introduction to like, like she'd seen Dracula and all these monsters, but like seeing them together in this movie... And how they were represented so well. She loved it. And 
just that scene of Rudy like fucking that uh, those those chicks up, those vampire chicks up was just awesome. It's still to this day. And any Rocky movie, yeah, that, those are good. Rocky movies are good ones. Yeah, I get, those get me pumped. I, I'll agree. Um, what movies make me cry? Uh, fuck. Uh, the movie was it called My Life with Michael Keaton? Oh, I don't remember that one. Uh, where he's got cancer and he's recording himself um, to his wife. I think it's maybe Nicole Kidman, mm. but I can't remember who the wife was. Michael Michael Keaton's got cancer and he's going to die. And so he records himself on tape um, so that his unborn child can grow up with him. And he know, they know they're having a boy. And he teaches, like, he does videos where he teaches his unborn child how to shave. Oh, jeez. And, yeah. dude, it is, that movie fucks me up. Yeah. That movie fucks me up. That, I think it's, That feels like it, like, punches you in the heart, mm-hmm. and then it just keeps dragging you. Yeah. It, you know, like, it's not going to let go of that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, another movie, it's one of my favorite movies um, of all time, Um I don't know if any of you ever seen it. Uh, Christopher Reeve in Somewhere in Time. No, not seen it. Dan, have you ever seen it? Years ago. Years ago. Uh, Ryan, have you ever seen it? What movie? I'm sorry. Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve. No. It's a time travel movie. He got that movie because he did Superman 4. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah, I think he directed it too. Yeah, it's it's Christopher Reeve and... uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. What's her name? <laughs> it's not Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? <laughs> no, dude. It's Christopher Reeve and then the chick that plays Dr. Quinn, the medicine woman. That's not her real name. I'm... That's... <laughs> what? Was... Chuck, Chuck Norris is not Walker, Texas Ranger? <laughs> well, I know that's Seymour. Chuck. Oh, Jane, Jane Seymour. Seymour. Yeah, it's Somewhere in Time with uh, Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. And uh, it's a it's a this it's a romance movie, but it appeals to me because it deals with time travel, and I think it's it's my favorite it's my favorite love story. It's it's I think it's I think it's a perfect movie. I absolutely love Somewhere in Time. I Tupperware that movie, and that I think it was his pet project. It wasn't he had to get a lot of uh, uh, favors for doing Superman four. I think there, it's in that Canon documentary, mm. which is really awesome too. Okay, it's a twenty nine percent on Metacritic. Fuck them. That kind of reminds me. I, fuck, uh, I I know it's not it's not a beloved movie, and like most people have never seen it. For me though, I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. It'd probably be even more sad knowing what we know about what happens to Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be even more heart wrenching. You, you describing that reminded me of another movie that I saw in theaters, which surprised me. Um, did either of you guys see Delivery Man? No. Oh, uh, Vince Vaughn. I never saw it. It's Vince Vaughn, Chris Pratt. I never saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah, that that movie actually did get me. Like, I just thought it was going to be like a typical Vince Vaughn comedy kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, he's like a, a piece of shit kind of thing. And uh, he never has any lasting relationships. And, uh, you know, a wacky incident happens where, you know, he goes to make money by donating his, his jizz, you know. And, and they send the jizz out to everybody. So he actually has like all of these, these like 500 kids yeah. kind of thing. And uh, he's trying to prove himself to the girl like it's like a rom-com kind of thing. You know, Uh he's trying to, you know, prove that he's ready for the next step and he wants to have a child and she keeps shutting him down. And then he like turns out to get to know all these kids and becomes their guardian angel and stuff. Hmm. But 
yeah, it, it really surprised me that Vince Vaughn could do a performance that would kind of like jerk some tears out. So, yeah, I I've actually I've n- I, I haven't heard like bad things about that movie. I've actually heard like what I've heard is kind of like on the, along the same lines that people were pleasantly surprised that it was as good as it was. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was one of those movies like I probably did go in with the lowest of expectations and well hey it got a reaction so yeah next thing you know you're bawling like a big pussy (laughs) yeah exactly why why? (laughs) of all people (laughs) Uh, i like you as a piece of shit why do you have to prove me wrong dude i know there's got to be some other movies that like make me get up and cheer every time i see certain scenes i just can't I, i know big trouble in little china has like a bunch of them for me you know, there's a lot of cool scenes in that fucking movie that I love. Yeah. That scene in The Natural where he hits that home run at the end. Fuck. Yeah. Army of Darkness when he connects to the chainsaw for the first time. Yes. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think. Indiana Jones. Uh, like, you know, like when he, uh, like shoots the one guy, the swordsman. Like that always gets me to. Oh, yeah. That's a good moment. Yeah, the whole bridge scene in Temple of Doom always gets me really excited. Yeah, yeah, when he just balls out, cuts that bridge, and I'm like, oh my god! Oh, that is cool. Yeah, that is cool. That is very cool. All right, so yeah, we we cry and we cheer. So all right, moving on. Like real men. Like real men. (laughs) Uh, Don't tell anybody. Uh, Justin, uh, this email, next email comes from Justin from Central Illinois, uh, titled No Protection, No Problem. Thanks for fucking my ear pussy. Salutation leftovers. I uh, just wanted to send some thanks your way for providing audible cocaine to my daily commutes, bearable enough to not push the old Hispanic woman talking on her phone during rush hour in front of the train. I don't know how I stumbled upon this holy grail of podcasts, but ever since my first listen, y'all have become a staple in my week. I do want to apologize for not meeting up and buying you guys a drink when you were up for C, uh, C2E2. I was actually back down towards your area seeing my sister in a high school play. And uh, let me tell you, that was fucked up because my uh, sister's like 37 years old. <laughs> wow, it's like Billy Madison, but I mean, like role reversal. I made that up. He didn't say that. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny. He says um, uh, he, he was seeing his sister in a high school play. And let me tell you, it was absolutely fucking invigorating. Uh, nothing I'd rather do than go to a shit play than spend my weekend taking in one of the most fun weekends in Chicago. Uh, you guys could give a fuck less about any uh, anything, and even if I wasn't interested in pop culture and the topics you all cover, I'd still listen in because you guys do what my friends and I do, except instead of getting drunk and making a podcast, we get drunk and play video games till we get chicken and waffles uh, pizza down the street. Um, chicken and waffles? Where, where at? He says chicken and waffles pizza. Um, oh, okay. That's a pizza. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mir's got excited for a moment there. The pizza isn't as exciting. I thought it was legit chicken and waffles. Hey, dude, uh, the the pizza that you were talking about uh, in uh, the episode three of the C2E2 shit, <laughs> that pizza yeah. from that place, dude, what's yeah. it called? I've eaten there before. Lou, Lou Malnati's. Dude, Lou Malnati's, I've had their fucking pizza, dude. Yeah, what do you think? Amazing. How how would you rate it on your rating scale? Fucking Tupperware, that fucking pizza. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, seriously, like, when they hand you the box, it's like you're expecting to open it up and and see, like, like a stack of bricks in there. 
Yeah. That's, yeah it's, it's serious. Yeah. It's, yeah, that pizza's no fucking joke. That's crazy. Is it's, that heavy? It's he- like one piece will fill you up. Yeah, wow. Exactly. Lou Malnati's? Yeah. Yeah, you've yeah, had it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago deep dish. Wood. Chicago deep dish. That's the, the best fucking pizza. They were in San Diego. They'd fly it. Hey, out. we're doing a podcast here, Chief. <laughs> you want to come on over and tell your story? Come on over, Dan. Come on. This is Dan. This is Dan Seipel. He's. Come on, tell your story. So the place I used to work at, they get in here, talking to the mic, chief. The place I used to work at, uh, they would fly Luminelti's pizza out to San Diego. That's how much they loved it. That's it. They would fly the pizza out. Yeah, there? they do that. They fly it out. They, yeah. they ice it down and they'll put it on plane and fly it out to wherever you want. That's, no shit. Yeah, seriously. You can go to their yeah. website and they'll fly it out to you. Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck! But that's Holy a huge fuck. delivery charge. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a $175 delivery fee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess, I don't know, man. If you really want good pizza, I guess that's the way to but, do it. Yeah. But then it's not cooked in their, like, signature oven. That's you true. Know, so, I mean. That's true. Ba- basically, you're just getting an overpriced DiGiorno. Yeah. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> All right. He says uh, a couple things to end on. I haven't listened back far enough to berate. Uh, so uh, I haven't listened far back enough. So berate me if I deserve it. But have you ever heard of Code Monkeys? Uh, old 8-bit animated comedy on G4, I believe. Your podcast brings a similar feeling when I used to watch that. Um, yeah, we have. Actually, it was a, there was an episode. If you go back and listen to – I can't remember the number – but you can go back and listen to uh, the episode titled "Suicide Squad" trailer. Mm-hmm. Me, it was a, it was just me and Frank, and for a, just a moment, me and Frank do talk about Code Monkeys. I remember that we both watched it. Well, you were on that episode. I remember the show. Oh yeah, Code Monkeys yeah, on G4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved yeah, Code Monkeys. I remember it too. Yeah, it was funny. Code Monkey. Oh, I think it went two seasons. Um, I used to watch a lot of G4 back in the day. Yeah, I did too. I remember Wozniak was like on one of the first episodes. Mm. I think the first episode of Code Monkeys, they, he used his voice. Oh wow! Uh, for for the first episode, so I, I loved Code Monkeys. I thought it was great. Uh, he says also, any thoughts on uh, what a wilderness John cookbook would include? Uh, beside a cover and some pages, you fucks. <laughs> so he already guessed that we'd be smartasses and say a cover and pages. So what do you think is going to be in the old Wilderness John cookbook? Mm, lots of bear recipes. Yeah, bald eagle, omelets. Not, do you think he fucks his food? Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't stick my dick where I eat, Ryan. Do you? I mean, are you fucking hey. Hot Pockets over there in your kitchen? I don't know what the fuck goes on in your house, but I don't... I mean, I don't fuck my food, Chief. There's a reason why you need to get deep dish pizza, okay? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. What fucking dumb question is that? What kind of fucking food is in Wilderness John's cookbook? Yeah, dude. Man, you got some interesting ones this week. I'm, I'm actually kind of happy nobody emails my show. Yeah, yeah. You're I'm lucky. able to do such a better podcast without these emails. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Thanks again for being awesome." And insert sexually provocative compliment here. You gaggle of twunts. Justin from Central Illinois, uh, and then he also says, "Oh, and go fuck yourselves." Yeah, well, okay. fuck you, well, fuck you, Justin. Justin, you piece of shit. You don't yeah. fucking know us. Watching, yeah. going to high school plays. We know your fucking sister wasn't there. Yeah, you also a beer, bra. He's just fucking there, hanging out, watching fucking high school girls <laughs> in a fucking high school play. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fucking gross, Justin. Guys, that's sick. the beauty of it, yeah. man. We don't need Justin sickos like Justin listening to pop culture leftovers. Yeah. 
Uh, just in case you didn't know, I'm a fucking pedophile. That's your fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> and the last email comes from... Really? Hold on. The last email comes from Findeets Creek. And just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, I'm ending the show. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll read it next week, Finn. I ain't reading it this week. Was it a last-minute Finn special? No, it was. I think he sent it a few days ago, but I don't give a shit. I don't want to read it this week. We'll read it next week. No Daredevil Season 2? Emails, I was excited to hear feedback about that. Uh-uh. No. You guys Fuck. all let Jake down. Yeah. Do you want to, do you, I can read it if you want. He talks about anime. Next week. Next week. We'll read it next week, Finn. Chill out. All right. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast. And, uh, are you coming back next week? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. It'll be even better. All right. In studio. Yeah. It's always a blast. You okay. guys, even in your pizza. Subscribe to Comic Slobs. <laughs> Please yeah, subscribe. check out comicslobs.com. We just redid the website, so check it out. Comicslobs.com. Download Comic Slobs on your fucking uh, iTunes, iPods, all that fucking shit. Yeah, their, their podcast is perfect. <laughs> no questions. No questions. It's all five stars. It's great. Yeah. It's almost like you wouldn't even know if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nah, I'll still go to sleep all right tonight, so. <laughs> All right, and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening, whatever. Peace out, bitches. Later, brah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before And we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it, good it taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's race it Can't erase it, let's embrace it Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Podcasts that are original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we 